culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 366. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're leftovers. leftovers. All right, Jake, we're back doing this again. Again. Yeah, you took last week off. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> the fuck? I apologize to you. All right, when's my, wait, when do I get my fucking Agent Coulson vacation to Tahiti or wherever the fuck he went? <laughs> when the fuck do you take over one of these fucking things one week for me? Oh shit! Oh yeah! Now I put you on pressure. I'll put the I put the pressure on you. You'll never do it. Oh yeah, maybe that'll happen one day. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. You, you tell me when. You give me a, a yeah. time. <laughs> Jay, the abbreviated good pop bad pop week. Jake talks about two things and the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we're back doing this crap. I don't know. What's that? Is that an echo? You hear that shit? I do not hear it. I'm hearing shit. Maybe I'm hearing voices. Maybe I'm hearing voice. Maybe that's maybe that's fucking uh, what's this? Uh, Jimmy Woo from WandaVision trying to talk to me through the uh, radio there. <laughs> through the mixer. Mm-hmm. Either that, or I just have multiple personalities. What are they? What is it called now? Dissociative identity disorder. Mm, okay. Mm, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That was my, if you say so. (laughs) (laughs) Well-informed Jake, welcome to the show. All right, we are not alone, Uh, thank God. Uh, (laughs) Rebecca from Picardcast is here. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Nice to be back recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since you've been on a regular episode, so. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Uh, And we also have Mr. Handy Greg. Welcome, Handy Greg. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be back. All right. Nobody's saying anything cute when we start here. Usually somebody's going to say something fucking cute. 
I was I wondering. From, I got to look away from my phone. I'm distracted by all of Greg's shenanigans on the Skype. <laughs> I was I was wondering what Jake does during a week off. Like my mind went to a dark place. Like is Jake actually on another podcast and he's never told you about that, or is he off doing some? Is he really like working for the CIA or like it's just this whole thing? Like weaving these wonderful <laughs> tales about Jake's week off, you know? Yeah, I'm like the host from the Gong Show. I'm like yeah. also like a CIA operative. Yeah, Jake just killed Kim Jong Un this past week. That's why I couldn't make the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Nice job with that. <laughs> All right, uh, stick around for the other. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you asked for cute talk. I know. I, I regret it immediately. Um, yeah, we are going to stick around for the end of the podcast. We'll be talking about WandaVision episode four at the end of the podcast. But right now, we're going to jump into uh, iTunes reviews. It's All right, first iTunes review comes from Olive Fan. Olive Fan with an one. They have one exclamation point at the end of their fucking name, Jake. Oh my god! How many times do we have to bring this up? I don't know how will, fuck will they ever learn. I don't know. How, well, I'm not really upset with this. How excited can you get about olives? To be quite honest with you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah, one, no capers. Maybe yeah, no capers. Maybe one's too much for Olive Fan. You know. Who's getting ridiculous in three? Just get the fuck out of here. Come on. Who's getting excited about olives? Yeah, all the olives on the shelves. They're ridiculous. All these different fucking, they got what, all the, uh, the cheese stuffed olives. I'm not an olive fan at all. I don't uh, even like regular olives. Me neither. I do not like olives. Oh, I, I like, I don't like them by themselves, but man, you, you throw an olive on a pizza, green, black, it doesn't matter. I fucking love them. Mm, I always pick them off. If I get if I get a pizza and there's olives on it, I just I, I pick them off. Oh I, I don't even God! Like pizza. I would hate to sit. I, don't like I would hate to sit in front of you as you're picking olives off a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, Do you order extra olives, Brian? Just to I would. I would, yeah. and then I would just sit there and I would just look at her with this judgmental look <laughs> as she's picking olives off of her pizza. Oh my God! Imagine like, oh, that's no, okay. I'll, I'll I'll order the pizza for everybody, and I. Oh, Open it up and I'm like, oh fuck! <laughs> All these olives I have to pick off now. Waiter comes by and I'm like, uh, sir, could you grab Rebecca here an extra plate for her <laughs> unused olives or disregarded <laughs> olives? And, and then, because you love olives, would you eat just all the handful of olives that she picked off of her pizza? I, no, I, you know what? I just let them fucking sit there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so everybody can look at this ridiculous display of pizza <laughs> consumption. It's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Uh, olive man. We got to be talking about olives there. They, they, there's a lot of olives, Jake. They, they stuff them with shit. They do all this shit with olives now. There's just not one olive. Yeah, there's like different colored water they put them in now. I see it in the jars and everything. Yes. Yeah, I don't like none of it. Yeah, yeah. Olives in 2021. You're, you're, you're just crazy. Get out of here. <laughs> go, go fuck off. All the times have changed. You yeah, what happened? Imagine 20 yeah. years ago. What happened to green olives in a jar and black olives in a can? What happened? 
our olive technology has finally surpassed. What oh yeah, all olive technology to you is just taking them off a goddamn pizza. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good use of the opposable thumb to get those off. You know, Greg, oh, you okay. still are. You're, you've turned in, you've turned into vision, even though you've like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it's titled Shower Listener, and it's a five star. And it goes out to say, I've been listening for a couple of years, and it has become a favorite Sunday routine to start with the podcast in the shower and listen for the next six days in the shower. They li- Jake, <laughs> this is how long are these showers? I know. I'm super jealous at how much hot water they get. We're having all kinds of issues with our hot showers, and this person's just, like, listening to a fucking four-hour podcast in the shower. Yeah, yeah, four-hour podcast. You think they could bring in a tray of olives in there? I'm done with the olive thing. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they do. I mean, it's one exclamation point olive lover. <laughs> I know. Uh, I love the maybe. long – what was that, what was that Craig? Huh? I was just going to say, maybe, maybe this person is a fan of the Olive Garden, and the reason why she she or he takes long showers is because she gets the never-ending breadstick bowl. Okay. Okay. never-ending pasta bowl. You know, oh, God. Bowl. Oh, my God. We know, who, we know who's not going to get hired to do an Olive Garden commercial. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking Dr. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik over there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I love. <laughs> oh man, I love the long show format. The fact that it doesn't take itself seriously, and the hosts feel like the misfit friends I had in high school, or my ex-husband and his comic book friends. I, I missed feeling connected to the nerd world with them. But thanks to Jake and Brian, I have that again. I often find myself talking to my phone while you talk. Examples, when Brian said he wasn't familiar with the Kajillionaire director, I was shouting, you have to watch me, you, and everyone we know. Or when you guys were saying none of the actors were familiar and never, rarely, sometimes, always, I shouted that you do know one indie rock artist, Sharon Van Etten, who is in the OA. Okay. All right. Right, this person loves to loves to correct us, and and yeah, that's not what I thought they meant when they were first saying they talked along with us. I yeah, thought it was a little bit more like palling around, yeah, you know, like telling us what we don't fucking know. Right? No, but instead, it's it's uh, they love to point out our shortcomings, Jake. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just what we need another one of those. Glad that brings you joy. Uh, sitting there eating her olive smugly and saying, you do know one of the actors in this show. Anyway, most of all, though, I'm saying thank you while you talk for your recommendations. I binged Alice in Borderland and Perpetual Grace Limited, among others. Lastly, I don't even mind when we have differing opinions, which isn't often because you guys talk about things in such a hilarious manner. Thanks for giving me something to look forward to every week. Keep up the great work. Cheers from Nebraska. So that comes from Olive Fan from Nebraska. Who listens in the shower. Listens in the shower. I wonder if we have a lot of shower listeners. Mm. (laughs) I would think we're more of a podcast. Okay, guys. All right, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt Daft Punk. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I just wanted to. I've done that before. I just wanted to acknowledge that. Oh, now I'm thinking about Greg listening in the shower. <laughs> All right, we're going to end the episode early, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My bald head. I don't know if I'm horrified or aroused. It's a very confusing time for me right now. Uh, more fun than a squirrel in a barrel of pickles is the title of the next one. Five star. What, what, what does that mean? That, doesn't that sound like something like Uncle Jesse would say on uh, Dukes of Hazard? Very much so. <laughs> and, like, who's the judge of that? The squirrel? I mean, maybe the squirrel's having fun in the barrel of pickles. Like, who are we to judge? You know uh, what I mean? I don't know. I, I, you think a squirrel in a barrel of pickles might drown? True. All right, fair. All right. This, uh, I'm hearing that echo now. That yeah. You're talking about. Yeah. Let's pause for the cause. All right. Yeah, we're back. Where the fuck are we? Where were we? What were we talking about? Oh, the barrel interviews. Yeah, barrel of pickles thing. That's what we were talking about. Barrel of pickles. olives, pickles. Jesus. We've moved on to pickles, Jake. <laughs> I like pickles more than olives. That's for sure. Oh, me too. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy pickles overall. Yeah, it depends. It depends. I like, I like the olives on my pizza. I don't want pickles on my pizza and I've had pickles on a pizza and it's fucking disgusting. Oh. <laughs> I would try it. Oh, uh, somebody, somebody made a hamburger pizza. pizza. Like one of these fucking companies made a hamburger pizza. It's fucking the, the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth. Even ground beef on a pizza sounds gross. It's gross. It's nasty. All right. Well, this person mustn't be feeling really good about their iTunes review because we just we don't even get to it. We just talk about olives and pickles the entire fucking time. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the next review going to be like? Pimentos? Yeah, it's uh, more fun than a pimento spread. Is what the title of the next one is. Goes on to talk about pimento loaf. Um, anyway, it's this one comes from a lost left sock. It's five star. This podcast is a great time. The hosts are fantastic. The content has effort and time spent for the reviews and news, and the banter is thoroughly enjoyable. However, it is not for everyone. It is a long podcast with no time stamps, and there is enough explicit language to... Whoa. whoa. Got a reaction there out of one Greg Alenti. Well, just the time stamp thing, you know, you've been hearing about that for seven years. But it's yeah. just, it's not in the spirit of this podcast, right? No, it's not. I'm not here to I'm not here to like hold your hand and give you little timestamps to where you can jump ahead and get to where you want to in the podcast. It's not about that, right? Okay, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> where the thing you want to listen to is, like we all do. <laughs> it is a long podcast, with no timestamps, and there's enough explicit language to turn a nun red faster than. That time she opened the confessional door without knocking. Ooh, that joke was a fail. I think yeah. it was my it was my delivery too. You know what I mean? Mm, I think it was the double whammy. Had I had I been Dennis Miller or Dennis Leary, one of the Den one of the Deni, I would have been able to <laughs> I would have been able to deliver that line with great comedic purpose. I don't know where the fuck I'm... What am I talking... This is dumb. It was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. Uh, 
So if your attention span is as long as it takes to stroke one out and you're out or you spend all day clutching your pearls, this is not your thing. Everyone else should give it a go as it is an enjoyable few hours. Also, Brian, since it is fresh on my mind after listening to the review on Insert Coin, if you have not heard of them, check out Arcade One Up. They just released a 3-4 scale NBA Jam cabinet a little bit ago that might toot your horn. It might toot my horn. It might toot my horn. My horn's been tooted because this NBA Jam 3 Force console. Toot! <laughs> That's a pretty cool uh, replica. It even comes with the uh, NBA Jam stool. That's right. I'm a big NBA Jam uh, arcade one-up fan as well, and they actually just did a software patch this week to prevent people from rage quitting. So there were people that would wait until seconds before the game ended, and then if they were going to lose, they would turn the game off. So it didn't count as a lost, a loss. So they they implemented this whole system to p- stop people from doing that. And if you keep doing it, you get what you get. What's called the badge of shame, and everyone can see that you're an asshole on the on the game. Oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. That toots my horn, Greg. I'm glad <laughs> that toots your. But my- I see that cabinet all the time, and I always think of you. That's more fun than a squirrel in a barrel of pickles, boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's like oh, a lot man. of down homey sayings already. I really butters my biscuit. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff happening. I know. I know. Slap my knees, call me Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my fully tooted horn going forward in this episode, Jack. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, now, <laughs> Next one's titled Laugh Out Loud. It's five star. It comes from Fred Rock 3230. Five star from Fred Rock 3230. I was walking my route carrying mail the other day, listening to the show, when you played the new WandaVision bumper. Scared a lady working in the yard by laughing out loud as I passed by. Love all the different theories you guys come up with. Can't wait for next week to hear what y'all have to say. That comes from Fred Rock 3230. All right. Nobody jump in. Say anything. That was a good review. Awesome. I got fucking three other people on this one. <laughs> fucking just, what the fuck? How is it more fun than a barrel full of pickles? Are you guys drowning in them right now? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Sorry. I was, uh, I, I was busy tooting my horn. Uh, I'll yeah, I was looking for missing socks. Time. Oh my god, Greg's got a fucking mouthful of pimento spread, and who knows what the fuck else is going on. Ridiculous. I want to thank everybody for the iTunes reviews. Thank you so much. Now we're going to be moving on into uh, some little little bit of housekeeping here. Do we have contests coming up? Do we have contests coming up? Uh, got one coming up in early February. So. Uh, it will be a digital movie. I don't know if it's digital movie codes or an actual physical copy of the movie. We'll find out. Uh, I wanted to talk about recently recorded, probably one of my favorite episodes that I've ever recorded, and it was on Patreon. And I'm not just saying that because it's Patreon. And if you want to sign up, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. I don't give a fuck. I mean, it's just extra shit, extra content for people that want extra content from PCL. Stuff, we do stuff like Cutting Room Floor where we talk about stuff on the Cutting Room Floor that didn't make it into the episodes. It's not like I'm like pulling this intentionally from these episodes. It's just the things that we just didn't have time to get to in the episodes. So I am taking care of that stuff in a Cutting Room Floor episode, the episodes that we do on uh, on Patreon. But we started something new. We're going to be doing one episode a month hopefully, 
and it's a it's a top twenty list, and the first top twenty list is uh, toys, our top twenty childhood toys, and I had Dan Ramirez from the. Uh, um, uh, Heroes of Noise join us as well as Paul Hart from Movies from the Heart and we talked about our toys numbers 18 through 20 so every month we're going to come back and, and talk about uh, you know we're going to give three other toys from our childhood and, and what they mean to us and stuff like that I had a great time on that episode I thought it was a lot of fun so if you want to join the PCL Patreon you can just go to patreon.com and do a search for Pop Culture Leftovers and you can sign up you can either do a buck or six bucks. Six bucks gives you the access to all the uh, extra content. We put out at least two podcasts a month. And we talk like this sometimes on the podcast, too. I don't know what the fuck. What's going on with me? <laughs> at least I'm talking. I got, I got that nobody talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I wanted to say uh, I listened to uh, the newest podcast episode of Nobody Asked You, Kevin, and he talked with uh, our favorite band, Jake, Volk. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Were both of them on there? Both of them are on there, Chris and Elliot, and it was fantastic. I loved it. I learned a lot about them. Very interesting. And I, oh, man, Kevin did a great job hosting and, and asked them some great questions. Really got to know them. And I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So check out the, the new episode of Nobody Asked You, Kevin. Listen to the Volk episode. Listen to his other episodes as well. But, man, this was fantastic. I loved hearing from these guys. And I want to thank Kevin and Volk for doing that. That was awesome. Uh, and I've also been listening to the uh, What's Your Story episodes on the Leftover Army podcast feed hosted by Mark Busking and Lenny Iola. And I don't How do you say his name? Ioli or Aiello? I think the first time was probably right. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Aiello. Aiello. Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I've been listening to those episodes. They're fantastic. I most recently listened to the Paul Hart one, and then I went back and listened to the Greg Smith episode. So both of those are fantastic. Check that out. It's the Leftover Army podcast feed and tons of different podcasts on there. So check those out. Rebecca! Yes. All right, I got a question for you. Okay, I am very intrigued, but you told me this months ago you were going to ask me this. I, I, uh -huh. I'm interested to hear whatever this is. <laughs> All right, let me preface it this way, okay? All right. You're a big fan of New Kids on the Block, the group from the late 80s, early 90s, boy band. Correct. All right. I'm not here to knock them. I'm not here to knock them, but I do want you to hear me out. I'm gonna, I got a whole thing. I got a whole thing here, and I want okay. you to hear me out, all right? I will listen to your thesis. Go ahead. I will open up the fucking floor momentarily, but for right now, all other mics are muted. All right. They got a song here. I want to play just a little bit of a clip from that song. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. And this, this song has haunted me. Oh, God. For 30 years, and specifically this one part in the song. And you'll know what I'm talking about. Here we go. Whoa. What? Who? who what? Who's the brain dead Frankenstein's monster that rattled off that fucking verse? Oh, that's uh, that's Danny Wood. I think his brain fired off like one. <laughs> single synapse and he was able to squeeze out this one single line it sounds like this it's like this guy it sounds like this guy has never talked before let alone sang <laughs> listen to this fucking shit listen to this he went down step by step. 
fun. We can have lots of fun. <laughs> Who the fuck is having fun with that guy? It sounds like they, they let their producer record just one line, you know, as a favor. <laughs> it sounds like, no, it sounds like, it's like, it sounds like Millie Vanilli didn't have the song recorded for this guy. I you that whenever I hear New Kids in the Block, it takes me back to my middle school dances where, I'm not even kidding, this, the worst one, this one dance, no, none of the girls would dance with me, so I bought, I bought a sleeve of Starburst and I kept, I was throwing them at all the other kids on the dance floor. And I got in trouble, and then and then straight up legit, I got mugged, and then and my parents came to pick me up. It was a bad night, dude. Mugged for your starburst? My money. My, oh. I, wish they, I wish they took my. I got fucking mugged like crazy. I was throwing starbursts because I was angry. Because you know, like no, none of the girls wanted to dance with me. I was not, you know, I was not the kind of guy you want to dance with at that age. And fucking, so I'm like, I'll fuck these girls up with Starburst. So I bought, I bought, I bought, a, I bought like, I bought like, towards women with I had like, I think I had a crisp $10 bill in my pocket and I spent two bucks and I bought two whole sleeves of Starburst and just fucking whipped them at those girls. Yeah, we find out, we find, we find out, we find out in the next few years that one of Greg's sons gets sent home for throwing Skittles and, <laughs> and yelling, taste the rainbow, bitch. <laughs> So then I get done throwing my starburst, right? And I remember walk. I have this vivid memory. It was me and two two guys that two of my friends, and we're walking out of the gym, uh, probably because I'm going to buy more starbursts to throw at the girls. And this big fucking dude shoves me. He goes, "I want to borrow a dollar." So I reach in my pocket, and he shoves my hand away and grabs the money and shoves me again against the wall, and I got I got mugged. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow, that all happened the same day. It was a bad night, dude. That was not a good night, Greg. <laughs> well, he knew he had money because he was rolling in Starburst. <laughs> he, he saw me whipping all those. I mean, people would love to eat Starburst. I'm just throwing them at girls, and he's like, "That fucking little little fuck has got some cash." <laughs> all right, let's get let's get back to this. Let's get back to this verse here. Hold on. Have lots of fun. What the fuck? <laughs> we can have lots of fun. Step two, let's kick Danny out of the band. <laughs> Step three, <laughs> we move further up the charts. <laughs> Step four, why didn't I think of this sooner? <laughs> Step five. <laughs> oh, oh, Danny killed himself. Yeah, hold on. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to knock. There's a lot of Danny fans out there. I don't want to knock <laughs> Danny. Oh, I know. And a lot of Danny fans listen to this podcast, Rebecca. So please know. tread lightly. I know. I will say this about Danny. I don't think Danny was hired for the band because he could sing, obviously. No I shit. Danny was hired <laughs> to be in the group because he worked out, like, and he still does, like a crazy motherfucker. And the guy has, like, giant muscles and in all the videos that they did like all the other guys are like doing other stuff like you know Donnie's riding a motorcycle and Joey's like eating an apple talking to a girl and there's Danny in the gym working out like that's every video was Danny Wood pumping iron in the gym like that that was his strong point I think they just hired him as like eye candy oh god <laughs> we can have lots of fun you know what that, that <laughs> That has never, like, bothered me ever before. Like, I just took it as, oh, that's how Danny sings. <laughs> and then... 
have lots of fun. How can that not bother you? <laughs> we can have lots of fun. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Oh my god. Do you think his agent negotiated for at least one line, one solo line every song, and that was Probably. the line? I think yeah. they were like, dude, we're going to give you step one, and then we're just going to put it behind us. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna knock out step one as soon as we can in this song. We're gonna get you out of the way. Cause everybody, well, every, step three sounds like he got kicked in the nuts. Hold on here. Step two, there's so much we can do. Step three, this is Step Joey right there. That's Joey. Step three is the guy who had that helium addiction. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's just you and me. I can't even tell what he's saying. (laughs) We can have lots of fun. (laughs) Oh, my God. I will never be able to listen to that song. Oh, my God. Who's having fun with this guy? Oh my god. Does he does he make that proclamation on the date? We're having lots of fun. <laughs> playing playing out there playing fucking like a weety golf. We can have lots of fun. What a, what a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. That's another song. I'm like all choked up laughing. There's another song from earlier in their career. Yeah. Called Be My Valentine. What is, is it? Is it? No, it's um. Oh, the video. The girl. video for that one is Greg being ignored and throwing starburst at all the girls. <laughs> well, weirdly, it is. How strange. Um, no, it's um Valentine Girl, and Danny sings the opening line, the opening like verse, and it um, goes like this. <laughs> Happy girl. <laughs> we are having more fun. Here is some candy. <laughs> he has a huge face, Danny. You know what I mean? Like his face is big. Yeah, like in his head is. Yeah, he looks like one of those fucking. His whole head. He looks like one of those Easter <laughs> Island statues with a fucking yeah. body. <laughs> I want to. I want to play. I want to play racquetball off this guy's fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> I want somebody. Somebody fucking needs to take his head and and have a have fucking Joe Stark climbing his head <laughs> with those fucking grips that they put on those rock walls. That's dangerous man, don't put Joe Stark into such a dangerous situation. Uh, yeah, free Danny, like free Solo. <laughs> 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 That's all I wanted to say, Rebecca, oh about, about the new kids on the block. Hilarious! Oh my goodness! There's oh so much word. we can do. Oh my god! I fucking love that song. That's like one of my favorite new kids. Oh, Rebecca! <laughs> I love that song. It's so me. Oh my god! Mine is Baby Girl for sure. Not that I like any of their songs, but if I had to pick one, it would be Baby Girl. Oh, it's Hanging Tough. What the fuck? Hanging Tough sucks. Oh. Uh, shut your dirty mouth! It, it does. does not suck. It's a but. <laughs> oh, a oh! Let's listen to five white guys from Boston talk about how tough they are. Ooh. I- yeah, and then they well they do this. Oh, they, yeah. oh, we went to the Fenway Park. We're so tough. Ugh. 
<laughs> well, they do this. People that from Boston, as I do, because of the Red Sox. But I mean, that's beside the point. <laughs> Who came up with "Oh"? We're, they sound like pirates on a ship singing or something. <laughs> <laughs> we're hanging. Yeah, oh. Let me tell you something. I have been to a, a good number of New Kids on the Block concerts. Oh, we that, know. That one has almost. That one will always show up in the encore. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the last it's, song in the encore. It's the panty dropper, Rebecca. It really is. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. They don't want no one leaving, man. If mm. you hang in tough first, everyone will fucking leave. <laughs> I, I well yeah i went to see them at mohegan sun which rebecca you'll know and yeah. i you know up in the northeast uh my yeah. wife got tickets for playing enough blackjack or something like that so i had to go see them a few years ago oh man yeah they I came know. out in fucking spacesuits i'm not even kidding like the I new kids came that. out in fucking, they had like bright <laughs> silver spacesuits on yeah actually god this is a funny story years and years ago well i shouldn't say years and years ago um when they they broke up in 94 and then they reunited in the like mid 2000s. Um, and I went to the, their, their first tour as a reunited group. And you know who opened for them? And she was like a Lady Gaga. Oh, wow. Oh, that's crazy. Lady Gaga opened for them because she had done a song with them on their album. Hmm. This is right before Poker Face blew up. Hmm. Um, she came out and um she wasn't like like um that really wild like performance art stuff that she normally wears. She wore like a like some silver like bathing suit looking thing and and like high heels and and then she had like some backup dancers. Um but I yeah, I saw Lady Gaga before she was like Lady Gaga, which uh, was wild to me. <laughs> was anybody like this this girl sucks. Bring out the new kids because they just had no idea. <laughs> Well, you know, it's like all all opening bands, right? Like people are just like walking around, they're not right. paying attention, and that poor band is on stage like playing their heart out. Like this is like, oh my god, we're opening for, you know, whoever, and people aren't really paying attention. Um, but of course then at the end of her set, she's like, "Are you guys ready for the new kids?" And everybody paid attention, of course. Like, yeah. Right. Hey, Greg, I got guy. I got a question for you. When the yeah, new yeah. kids when the new kids came out in their spacesuits, were they doing revolutions around Danny's fucking head? <laughs> 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 that thing's got its own gravitational pull. Jesus I think Christ! So. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was. Who, who opened? We uh, can't I land on this thing. The terrain—it's just too rough. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm having a brain fart. TLC opened for them. You know, minus oh, Lisa. Wow. Minus Lisa Lo- Left Eye. Maybe she rest oh. in peace. You know, T Boz Left but, Eye um, and Chili. I love that. Yeah, except for I the saw, new kids. Yeah, I saw them when they did a tour. It was called the Full Package. And it was New Kids on the Block. <laughs> I know, whatever. Full package being his head. Yeah, yeah. oh, hilarious. Uh, full, <laughs> New Kids on the Block. Uh, 98 Degrees and Boys to Men. I, I, that was a great tour. Uh, the tour that where they... So the tour where they duct taped Danny's mouth shut was amazing too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was a good one. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. Rebecca, do you remember when that, that line went like this, this Rebecca? <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, do you remember when Jordan Knight tried to launch a solo career and he did that oh. music video wearing a tracksuit in like an amusement park or something I dancing around? Do. Oh my god. I, do. I- 
clearly remember that. And at the time, I really, you know, because I was all things new kid, so I was like, oh my god, Jordan, I'm going to support him. And then, like, years later, I listened to that song again, and I was like, eh, this song is kind of rapey, and I don't like it anymore. And it's, yeah, not a not a great song. <laughs> Did you hear about uh, Jonathan Knight's new show coming to HGTV, Rebecca? Yes, I do know about that. It's called yeah. Farmhouse Fixer. Yes. And it's uh, oh my God. premiering on March 3rd, and yes. it he is legit, apparently. He oh, is yeah. renovated more. Listen listen to Superfan over there. Oh, no, no, listen. <laughs> you are talking to the right person if you want to know if I know stuff about the business on the block. Apparently, he's, re- he's renovated more than 200 homes. It's legit. So, like, this is not just, like, a cash grab. This is, like, <laughs> this guy actually knows his shit, so... Yeah. Well, him and his husband live on a farm and uh he only sort of I mean, he he reunites with the group like if they do tours or whatever, but pretty much he likes the quiet private life and he's been doing this like what once he left the band, he kind of really got into flipping houses and all that. Um I'm very excited to watch that show for obvious reasons, but uh yeah, him him and his he has like a really cool Instagram account. You could like follow all the projects he's worked and then it's it's pretty. Fun. I, lo- I, I love these celebrity time. renovation shows. I used to watch the Adam Carolla one, and then mm-hmm. I watched the uh, the Vanilla Ice one. Oh God! <laughs> God. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Anyway, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna jump into uh, our good pop, bad pop. Be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When Pop Culture Leftovers runs wild on you. All right. Hey, we are back. We're going to be jumping into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more Leftover Reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Yeah, so we're three episodes in on the new season of American Gods and Stars. And I am going to say that the first episode was really good. Second second episode was okay. And I loved the third episode. I feel like American Gods is really kind of back right now. It makes me worried. I'm... 
after the end of the season, it's going to be eight episodes. It makes me worried that they're going to cancel it because American Gods is the odd man out when it comes to their programming. It's really weird uh, that it's actually even still in their lineup and uh, it's gone through so many different showrunners, but I feel like it's back on track now. Jake, you would not, you'll never guess who is in American Gods season three. Mm, Steve Buscemi. No. Julia Sweeney. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. Sweaty <laughs> balls. Oh. She wasn't in that sketch. Well, she wasn't? No. She really? wasn't in sweaty balls. That was fucking, uh, what's her face from Superstar and then the other lady. It wasn't fucking Julia Sweeney. Julia Sweeney was not in that. She, Julia Sweeney was Pat. She was Pat. Oh. Okay, okay. Yeah, Sweaty Balls was Anna Gasteyer, right? Yeah. And Molly Shannon. And, Molly, and Molly Shannon. Shannon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Julia Sweeney, what a blast from the past. Right? Oh, my God. I, I Honestly, I don't think I've seen Julia Sweeney since fucking Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I can't even think of anything she's been in. Oh, like, she's... Terribly recently. She's fantastic in American Gods. Oh, my God. God, who does she? Oh, is that, is that too much of a spoiler if I ask who she plays? Well, Shadow Moon is in this new town. He's in a new town, okay. and this new town is com- it's basically uh, Mr. Wednesday wants him to go to this new town for reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this new town, Julia Sweeney is like a major character there, and uh, wow. she's she's been fantastic. I the third episode, like the first episode, we got this huge revelation with a certain character, and then I was like, okay, all right, all right, we're done, we're done with this character. They're wrapping up that arc, and then episode three just totally opens up a whole new fucking can of like stories for this character, and I'm just like, holy shit, I love it. I'm loving. American God season three. I'm so glad that I went back, watched season two, did a whole binge and season three starting up. And I'm really having a blast with this one. I know it's had its problems with showrunners. I know Orlando Jones left the show, which really fucking sucks um, that he left. I loved him as Mr. Nancy on the show. But Julia Sweeney coming in on this one. Yeah, Crispin Glover left. And mm-hmm. I, I love, I, I'm, I, but you know, I, I, I get, I get my Ricky Whittle fix. I love Ricky Whittle. And, uh, the, the lady that plays Bill Quist, I think she's absolutely phenomenal. She's my choice as Storm in the MCU. Is, is it the same actress that's been playing her all along? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, she is, uh, I loved her. I didn't watch season, all of season two, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but I loved that first season. And Billquist was just a highlight for me. That character and that actress who plays her, she was just, <sighs> I mean, she's, I mean, she's a great, she's very, she's a very good actor and she's absolutely just a beautiful person. Like, yeah. she's, well, absolutely amazing. Her and Ricky Whittle showed up at C2E2 a couple of years ago and, uh, no, it'd be three years ago now, I think, and, uh, did the American Gods panel. And, uh, her and Ricky are just, they were fantastic. They were so fantastic and they're so, so appreciative of the fans. I, I remember in the early days, um, on Twitter, just kind of like, uh, tweeting at her and Ricky and, and she would like and retweet a lot of our posts that, uh, that I had for praise for, for that show. So I wish nothing but, uh, good things for her. And she 100% should be Storm in the MCU going forward when they, when they, when we finally get Storm. 
So that's uh, I think God. that's a great choice for Storm for her to play that character. I, I totally agree with that. What's her name? Yatati Badaki, I think is her name. She is so yes. good. She is so good. And she is so and like her character is so pivotal in season three. There's this war. And that's what I'm worried about with season three and going that's what I'm worried about with season three is like, you know, you got like this talk of the war between the new gods and the old gods. And Honestly, we haven't gotten many scenes with new gods and old gods together. And I really want to see, I want to see this. I want to see the battle between the new gods and the old gods. And if this show gets fucking canceled, I'm going to lose my shit. Stars, you canceled, you canceled Ash versus the Evil Dead. And we never got a proper ending to that one. Do not cancel American Gods. I know you're going with like this new kind of like, female-centric show lineup, which I think is fantastic. But on the flip side, like, this is one of those shows that you need to keep around just for the fans. Just for the fans. Please do not cancel American God Season 3. And I'm so glad that Episode 2 aired when it did because it was the funeral for Zoria. And Zoria, if you watch that show, is actor Cloris Leachman. Who just passed away. Oh my God. And my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. If I would have had to watch the funeral for Zoria after she passed away, oh my God, I would have been a wreck. So I'm glad that that episode happened before the actor passed away. She was fantastic on the show. You know, not very many episodes, but it was just nice. I loved her. I love her as an actor. I think she's, she brought so many, uh, uh, great performances throughout the years and, uh, yeah. So yeah, she was she was a big part of episode uh, season two, Rebecca, and they had a they had a funeral for the character in episode two, and then literally like a week later she passes away. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! That's wild. Stars is the network that Halo is coming to, so maybe Showtime. Maybe that- That's Showtime. Oh, oh my bad. Mm. It's all right. That's why you're. That's why you're co-host, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm the showrunner, bro. That's why I run a tight ship here, bro. You know what? I was thinking about this earlier today, and this is a fucked up thought that I had. You know, like how, uh, I don't, I can't even believe I'm saying this. You know how WandaVision started off with a cold open this episode, this last episode? Yes. I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be crazy if a fucking show started off with a cold open? Of a frozen vagina. <laughs> that is it. That that's like a cold opening of a cold opening. <laughs> it's too meta. <laughs> that is the Inception Christopher Nolan opening of a cold vagina. There'll be a top spinning inside of it. <laughs> but was it really real? Was it really? Psycho Gorman, guys. This is a new movie. Uh, it's out. You can watch it on video on demand. It is a shutter. It looks like it's a shutter release. So I'm guessing that uh, here in a few months you'll be able to watch this one on shutter. But you know what? Let's talk about Psycho Gorman. It's a uh, Canadian science fiction horror comedy film written and directed by Steve Kostansky. It tells the story of a young sister and brother who unwittingly resurrect an ancient extraterrestrial overlord. 
The movie taps into the late 80s and early 90s nostalgia by combining kid-friendly adventures and over-the-top practical effects. Gorman cleverly blends the horror and fantasy genres with a healthy healthy dose of neon-soaked visuals. The film is incredibly unique while remaining familiar with comparisons being drawn from such classics as Terminator 2 Judgment Day, The Gate, the 1990s live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, and Masters of the Universe. Siblings Mimi and Luke couldn't be any closer. They spend nearly every waking moment together getting muddy and playing their made-up game, Crazy Ball. It probably helps that Mimi is bossy and domineering, The fearless tomboy steamrolls just about every family member with her assertive personality, especially dad, Greg, played by uh, Adam Brooks. During a particularly grueling game of crazy ball in the backyard, the siblings uh, siblings uncover a strange gem that awakens an evil intergalactic conqueror, the being which siblings dub PG, Psycho Gorman is eager to assemble his former team of evildoers and continue their path of destruction, while the benevolent rulers that locked him away in the first place race stop to uh, to stop him once and for all. Uh, I had heard about this movie actually from a couple of listeners that reached out to me. Hey, have you watched Psycho Gorman? I was like, what? First listener, I was like, what are you talking about? And then I, I looked it up, and then proceeding... I had maybe five or six people say, dude, you got to watch Psycho Gorman. You got to watch Psycho Gorman. And so uh, I watched Psycho Gorman. That's what we're going to be talking about here. Uh, I am going to let my feelings be known right fucking now. I loved this movie. This is an absolute Tupperware for me. This is such a fantastic fucking movie. I loved it. Everything. I'm kind of obsessed with this movie, to be quite honest with you. And I will get into my obsession of Psycho Gorman here in a moment. But I want to know, Jake, I know you saw this. Who else got to see this? I did. I did. All right. Everyone on the podcast has seen Psycho Gorman. Rebecca, honestly, if I know you, and I hope I did, I hope that I know you. You know, you're like you're like my fucking uh, you're you're my friend that loves Velocipaster. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like when I, when I think of you, I think of, I think of many things. I think of, I, first off, I think that you're a lovely human being. Well, thank you. Next nice thing to say. Next, I think that we have this like mystery science theater 3000 connection that we yes. both love. And then I think of Velocipaster. And now I'm hoping like, oh my God, can we make it a trifecta? Can we make it a trifecta with Psycho Gorman? It's a trifecta. Oh my god! It's a trifecta! Let me tell you something. Um, this movie is amazing. This movie is life changing. If you loved Velocipaster, you, I can't imagine you not loving this movie. Like, there are so many laugh out loud moments in this film. And it's not giving anything away that I almost fell out of my chair when Psycho Gorman is shown by Mimi this um, magazine. And she says to him, (laughs) it's got hunky boys in it. And he throws it and says, I don't care about hunky boys. And then looks at it and goes, or do I? 
and the look on his face. I, I mean, personally, I also enjoy a hunky boy. And so I fell out of my chair laughing so hard at this movie. This movie is a Tupperware. What's higher than a Tupperware? It's, it's a, it's the, you put the Tupperware in the Tupperware. Like it's so fucking good. It's funny. It is ridiculous. The, uh, the, the practical effects and something that's really interesting is the, director of this he is um actually more uh he if you look at his imdb page he is like a makeup guy like he does effects for movies that's mostly this is what like, he's done yeah well this is it's like greg nicotero where his roots yes. you know um th- this movie's an absolute blast i mean it's just the right length it knows exactly what it is it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I've said this before. I love movies that are stupid and funny and silly, and they know what they are. Mm. And they and they look you in the eye and go, you know what this is. We know what this is. And I lo- this movie does that. It is so- And the little girl who plays Mimi, oh, my God. She, uh, she was just – I loved her. And the, the, the point in the movie where she fucking oh, looks at Alistair, her crush, and oh. she says – I love what's going on here in your outfit. Can, can you look so cute in your little outfit? Can you do me a little spin? Oh my god! <laughs> when when this little girl is like doing this thing that usually male characters do in movies, and she's yes. sexualizing him, I I was fucking dying, Rebecca. No, no, and I, I, I know we have to get everybody else's opinion too, but like, I, I just think this is one of the. This, I think, may have been the, my favorite thing that we watched this week. And, and mm. it, I absolutely I love fucking it. love this movie. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to tell every – I tell everybody you have to watch it. Like if you like Velocipazor, watch this movie. I mean it is, it is so good. Absolute Tupperware. I know we'll talk more about it, but that's – yeah. I, I love this movie. Psycho Gorman is my favorite thing that we watched this week. I am yes. obsessed with this movie. I've oh, already – Rebecca, I've pre-ordered the Blu-ray. Oh my god, I love that. I fucking, I honestly, I went to, uh, wax, uh, what, records.com pre-ordered the LP vinyl, mm-hmm. and figures are coming out. I've already looked Stop. into this. Shut up! Yes. Figures are coming out? Yes, figures oh are god, coming out. Tell me when it, when it comes out, because I want some. We don't know yet, but if you want to be the first, uh, fans, to find out when figures are coming out, go to plasticmeatball.com, who has the merchandise rights to Psycho Gorman, get signed up on their mailing list, and as soon as figures are re- are going to be released, you can get signed up, and uh, you can pre-order the figures once they're released. There are a couple pictures of the figures that are floating around out there on the internet, and uh, there is a figure for Psycho Gorman, and then there is a figure for the female alien character that battles him in this movie. I, I'm, I'm buying all the figures. I, I am obsessed with this fucking movie. I loved it. I, I'm, I, I'm on the website right now. I, I'm signing up right now. <laughs> Rebecca, I knew you would get it. I knew you would get it. The only person that I'm worried about watching this movie and not, and giving it a high taste it is my one co-host, Jake Elliott, who I'm going to get to here in a second. Cause I know, Jake, you just, you worry me when it comes to shit like this. And Good, so that's the feeling I want you to have. I know you got, y'all got me on my toes, Jake. 
I gotta tread lightly when it comes to Jake Elliott. Uh, I do want to hear the thoughts of one handy Greg. What did you think about Psycho Goreman? When I was 12 years old, so this is 1990, I lived around the corner from my video store um, in my hometown. It was called Academy Video. And I used to love to walk to the horror section where I would rent movies that I couldn't possibly see in the theater because they were too violent. But they let me rent them as much as I wanted to. And about this time, I didn't subscribe to Fangoria magazine, but I would read it on the newsstand occasionally. I was really into all the special effects that you could make with foam latex and, you know, uh, Rick Baker. What's Rick Baker going to be doing next? You know, and this movie definitely brought me back to that time. Uh, the little girl Mimi is such a delightful little asshole in this movie. I just had so much fun watching her. Um, my favorite gag in this movie, though, by far, is that I think it was Alistair who's turned into a giant brain with eyeballs and tentacles. <laughs> and despite the fact that they have absolute and total control over Psycho Gorman, it never dawns on them to ask him to change him back. <laughs> <laughs> that way for the entire rest of the movie we see a scene we see a scene of him eating with his family, his family. looking like krang from the teenage mutant ninja turtles decided to let this let this be you know there was no reason to change him back and i did we get a little bit of stop motion in this movie too there was a scene when we meet the sort of there was um all the heroic which are really evil characters and there's like a little floating head and arms that look like stop motion to me it was either yeah. stop motion or very intense no dreams. there was that one character that totally looked stop motion like out yeah. of like uh the uh eyeball character from uh big trouble in little china the the guardian yeah. or the watcher or whatever the fuck that thing was yeah, so it was a. I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well, and I know you want to hear what Jake has to say. I'm dying to hear what Jake has to say. I'm worried to hear what Jake has to say because Jake, this movie to me is the gospel, sir. I mean, this movie, <laughs> this movie preached to me on another level. Like, like when I got done watching this movie, like I was waving a fucking tissue in the air saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, dude. I loved this movie, man. Psycho Gorman, talk to me. Dude, there's no need to worry. This, this was the highest of Tupperware. Yeah! This may already be one of my top 100 favorite movies of all time. If they make the Alistar brain figure, I'll be the first one to buy it. Um, oh, man. My favorite gag was the cop that was still alive. And he made a Valentine card that said, kill me. I was just on the ground. This was just – oh, I love that you bought the LP. I thought the music was just fucking amazing. The music um, – the soundtrack, it's by, uh, it's by Blitz Berlin is the name of the band. It's an 80s-inspired big hair pop rock band that plays power ballads, distorted guitars, and enormous percussion. And I loved the soundtrack in this. I had to buy the LP. The soundtrack was so good. Stay for the end credits. There's a very, like – 80s like hip-hop rap about psycho gorman that they played yes in credits yes is, is fucking phenomenal I, i'm also greg the dad was one of my favorite characters oh, of the whole movie i just couldn't get enough of greg and how lazy and shitty he was it was fucking amazing oh when the fucking when the when the, when the what was it the crazy ball gets thrown through the living room yes and he just reacts in such a 
pussified way. <laughs> he, he breaks his arm at one point, and there are all these awful things happening around him, and all he cares about is getting care for his broken arm. Well, he get, all, he breaks his arm by giving Psycho Gorman a high five. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, h- how about when, like, the kids were stranded, like, after the big fight that, that Psycho Gorman had, and they, like, he, like, tell, he, like, I don't know how he does it, but, like, he, like, calls the dad and he's like Greg come pick us up right now and he's like I don't even know where you are we're right by the big park I don't know how to get there it's the last exit on I-95 <laughs> 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 Oh, I love this movie so much. You have no idea. I, this is my favorite. Like, I thought, I loved talk, I loved Monster Hunter in the theater, but like, this movie tops Monster Hunter. This is so good. Oh, my oh yeah, this was wow. the best thing I've seen all year. Absolutely. I would say. Not just this week. This was just fucking phenomenal. Michelle walked in like halfway through me watching this and was like, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> Which just made me enjoy it all the more. It, just, it was so fucking over the top ridiculous. Uh, oh my uh, god. Uh, so good. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you've got in this movie a, a character that is so powerful that he is captured by these other aliens and they sent him to a remote planet and basically locked him up and buried him. And two kids are playing this made-up game called Crazy Ball. And the younger daughter beats the older brother in Crazy Ball and tells him that he has to dig a hole for his grave where she is going to bury him. (laughs) They stumble across a – they stumble across – the grave of Psycho Gorman, which is this glowing, pulsating stone. She touches the stone in a way that it unlocks the stone. The stone gives her the power to control this demon. So basically this demon is an all-conquering kind of like alien demon that can take over worlds, kill anybody at will. And she controls the stone. So if you have the stone, you control this alien demon. And throughout this, like, he is basically telling everyone that he comes into contact with that he is going to kill them. He's going to rip out their innards. They are going to suffer, like, all this pain. But on the flip side, he can do nothing when it comes to Mimi, played by Nita Josie Hanna, this little girl who is such an amazing actor. I loved her so much. Not since Hunt for the Wilder People have I seen a child actor with such great potential. And I loved her in this movie so much. But she controls Psycho Gorman. And they go on these crazy adventures. She has a crush on this kid named Alistair, who she turns into a fuck, who Psycho Gorman turns into a, into a crang brain. That is just <laughs> creepy as shit. Um, we find out more about the character of Psycho Gorman, why he is the way he is, why he is so um, uh, vengeful and uh, a killing machine with ferocity. We find out a lot more about him. Um, there's a whole society of people that want to keep him in check and um, and, and stop him. And this is 
this oh, uh, you have to watch this. I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm telling you, like our excitement level is like not unwarranted because this movie is so much fucking fun. Like you've got movies that come out like Velocipaster, which I loved. Rebecca, I also loved, um, you know, Kung Fury, oh sure, and uh, Turbo Kid and stuff like that, which is like this kind of like these weird kind of like fun science fiction synthy 80s inspired movies but this one just takes it to another level and greg you bring up a great point with like the fangoria stuff yeah this takes me back to like when i was a kid walking into b dalton's or walden books and picking up those fangoria magazines that my parents wouldn't let me have at home and just reading those articles and 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 seeing the special effects that they used in those movies, I'm obsessed with this movie. I'm buying the toys. I bought the LP. I've already got the the movie on pre-ordered on Blu-ray. Whenever it fucking comes out in March, it's. Did it's, you get the Hunky Boy edition that only has two thousand <laughs> printed copies? Uh, are you serious? I'm definitely serious. Oh my god! I gotta buy this now. It's the three boy disc Hunky it? Boy edition. Oh, I'm oh I'm buying it. I'm buying that. Oh my god! <laughs> you know who else? Who else I loved? I loved like that Council of Aliens. Yeah. Um. Oh my! They were so funny when like like something happens in the council and it's like very shocking, and one of the guys he covers up the eyes of the alien next to him like don't look it's too scary but the alien <laughs> the, the alien that he covers up is a fucking alien that's just a brain with eyeballs that is the, the most eye, yeah in like, like, like a glass thing yeah yeah like a glass dome thing and then like they're watching stuff happening on earth and they're like eating pasta or popcorn or something like oh what's gonna happen next I yeah those blue noodles are for everyone yeah. <laughs> I, I love the love final that. scene with those characters. I won't spoil it, but that oh, uh, some of yeah, the really yeah. dark jokes really killed me in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, like Mimi was just never afraid of anything. Oh my god, when she, when she was um when she went in to like pray and she was talking to the cross. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> that was just, the best. The best prayer in any movie I've ever oh, seen. And then the way she ends it. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even. I'm gonna watch this movie so many times. I mean, it is. It's just a delight. It is delightful. It is so good. <laughs> oh my god! Psycho Gorman learning about love and when, then what he does with that knowledge that fucking destroyed me too. They're like, wait, no, that's not how. Lo- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, the fucking like song montage was so fucking amazing that they sung together and then when they come back to that later, oh, so fucking good. Oh my god. This mo- I don't know, you just got to watch this movie. Like seriously, you just it's it, you got to watch it. It's it'll it'll lift your spirits. Like it'll just give you a good belly laugh. It really will. You could do a top 100 moments in this movie countdown. Oh, easily. easily. Easily, Easily. Uh, uh, one of those Bud, Bud, Buzzfeed listicles, the top twenty-five moments in Psycho Gorman. <laughs> I'm fucking buying the Hunky Boy edition of this movie right now, Jake. <laughs> I can't stop. No, on Blu-ray. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm buying it on Blu-ray like right now. I do not even care. I love this movie so much. This is ridiculous that I'm doing this right now as we're recording this podcast. Hold on, I'm waiting for my confirmation number. <laughs> yeah, there's only 2,000 copies, reversible cover art, limited slipcase. It's the CD, the DVD, and the Blu-ray all in one. Hunky I'm literally orders. looking at your orders being processed. Hold on. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Brian. <laughs> oh my god, I just totally ordered it. Oh my god, yes. There's also this great just running gag through. Oops, sorry if you just heard a big boom. Um, there's this great running gag throughout the movie where, like, Seiko Gorman will walk around heavily populated areas with minimal disguise, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyone know this fucking intergalactic warlord just walking down the street with two kids, you know? Uh, so eventually... At one point, he, like, blows someone up, like, on the sidewalk. And he really, does, for no... Just because he doesn't like... The no, that fucking kid said, said something <laughs> shitty about him. He, he murders a kid. <laughs> he murders a child. This had really heavy trauma vibes, too. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. I, I said that the other day uh, to somebody that it, it was like... Um, it, it it had it had that that same vibe of like of like trauma films. It, totally, yeah, yeah. Psycho, Psycho Gorman to look like the professor from Gilligan's Island, essentially. <laughs> it's like an adventure shirt on and hat, like a little ascot or something. Go uh, ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. No, I just love this movie so much. You have no idea. You have no idea how much I just I Jake. I literally just bought it. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't. Bl- I wanted to make sure you knew because, like I said, it's very limited. Well, I got it. So thank God, thank God, I have to get the Hunky Boy edition of this movie. <laughs> I love that they called it that. When Rebecca brought that up as her first moment, I was like, Oh God, I can't wait to tell them about the Hunky Boy edition. <laughs> <sighs> I love it. If if Mondo makes posters of this, I'm buying the Mondo posters. I love Psycho Gorman. I can't wait for a sequel. If we get a sequel. And I'm telling everyone, like, you know, I guess you could wait for this to be released on Shutter, but honestly, I don't think, help these filmmakers out. Yes, rent, rent this on iTunes, rent this on Amazon Prime, rent this on Fandango now. Help help these filmmakers out. It's in the theater too. If you if you have a theater near you playing this, which I don't, sadly, because I would have seen this in the theater had it been playing anywhere near me. But I know it's playing at places like Alamo Draft House. If you have an Alamo Draft House, no, well, is it Alamo? No, Alamo's not open. I know it's playing at theaters, though. I've seen it playing at theaters. We just don't have it here. Uh, but yeah, I'm just saying, pay to see this. Yeah, oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I am also right now buying the Hunky Boy Edition, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's two of the 2,000 copies gone right now. Woohoo! <laughs> I, uh, I watched The Marksman in the theater this week, so I did go to the theater and I watched, uh, The Marksman. Uh, Jim is a former Marine. They spent a lot of time on his name there. <laughs> I was getting ready to comment <laughs> on the name with his buddy Bob. Yeah. And Tim. Jim and Tim. Jim is a former Marine who lives a solitary life as a rancher along the Arizona-Mexican border, but his peaceful existence soon comes crashing down when he tries to protect a boy on the run from members of a vicious cartel. It stars Liam Neeson and Jacob Perez. Jacob Perez is a child actor. Uh, and uh, we got Liam Neeson playing uh, U.S. retired U.S. Marine Jim Hansen. 
and he reports uh, attempted illegal crossings. And one day, while on patrol, he encounters Rosa and her son Miguel, Mexican citizens on the run from the cartel. After a shootout with several cartel members led by Morico, Rosa is killed, and Hansen reluctantly agrees to take Miguel to his family in Chicago. This was initially scheduled to be theatrically uh, released in the United States on January 22nd, but was later moved up a week to January 15th, because who gives a fuck? It's a Liam Neeson movie, and why not, right? I mean, who gives a flying fuck about this movie, The Marksman? I found it dethroned Wonder Woman in the theater. That's not hard in this day and age. Well, it's, well, it's, it's on HBO Max. You can watch it there. Yeah, like, it's fucked up. Marksman dethrones Wonder Woman 1984. Are you fucking kidding me? Fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, old people love the actor, and they're still going to the movie theater. About Dude, it, so. my theater was packed. Social distancing my ass. Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Fucking old people all over the place. Jesus Christ. Old people all over this fucking movie. I felt like I was in a retirement village. <laughs> it was fucking... They had, a, they had a Wii hooked up in the corner. Oh, my God. They, they, dude. Dude. They had fucking... Uh, those support... They had fucking support animals there. The, <laughs> the emotional support animals. They had... I don't know. It's, it's it's a it's fine. It's a taste. It. I mean, <laughs> they call it the marksman, and he's a marine. And I was expecting to go into this one and seeing a guy who's like fucking. We talked about Barry Pepper last week. I was expecting to see a guy like Barry Pepper and Saving Private Ryan. That's just been that's just able to like pick off, you know, fucking uh, enemies with a sniper rifle and just snipe them out of existence. That is not this movie. It is, I don't know why they called it the marksman. Like he was not the marksman until like the last fucking 15 minutes of this movie. And he taught Miguel how to fucking shoot in a scene that took maybe two minutes. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, I was not a big, big fan of this movie. It's just a standard Liam Neeson action movie. You know, mom dies. Take my kid to Chicago. He's worried, you know, and then, the, and then, and, but here's the thing, like, uh, you know, they want to send him back to Mexico, but if he goes back to Mexico, the Mexican cartel is going to kill him. And so it's like Liam Neeson has a choice to make here. Do I take this kid back to Mexico to die? Or do I take him to Chicago? They talk about, oh, you know what he chooses. Yeah. They talk about Chicago hot dogs for a little bit in this one. Talk about how good the, the hot dogs are. Um, you don't think they're good? No, they talk about how good the hot dogs are. It's a, it's a big part of the movie, Jake. It really is. You laughed. You laughed like, aha. They don't even yeah, but it, it showed up in the movie. It's, it's like a, <laughs> Rebecca was laughing in spite for daring to even compare Chicago hot dogs to New York hot dogs. Hey, no, she was no, like, no. Hold on. Don't, don't even try to start stuff. I enjoy a Chicago hot dog. I've had them. They oh, are, they are it's very a, good. It's a fucking pizza where we get in the fucking it's, muddy waters with you. Pizza, that's another issue that I take. But I enjoy the Chicago hot dog. I don't, don't like I don't like Chicago casserole pizza. I exactly. Not a fucking casserole pretending to be a hot dog. I know. I don't need. I don't need a Chicago 
casserole pizza. <laughs> That's exactly how I say. You're making Rebecca sound like that new kid on the block. We can yeah. have lots of fun. <laughs> Step two, we can eat some casserole pizza. Step three. <laughs> I don't. Know. I saw this movie. I saw this movie for five bucks. If you go to the theater that I went to, I went to a Marcus Warenberg. Five dollars. Five dollars, you can watch a movie. I was like, fuck it. Let's go see The Marksman for five bucks. It's a taste it. I mean, this is like, honestly, I feel like Liam Neeson's been riding this Taken wave for like the past decade. You know what I mean, Jake? I feel like Taken came oh, out. Oh, for sure. Cold Pursuit, the one in the airplane. Yeah. Dude, he's been he's writing. The, no more action movies, though, right? Didn't he say that uh, recently? Recently, he said he thinks he's done. After this one, after this one, he, he's, <laughs> he's like, I, I think I'm done with action movies. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I you know, I feel bad for the guy in in a lot of ways. After his wife died, he just fucking started taking on any movie. After his wife passed away, he just started taking on any movie that he could just to keep busy. And it's like you know, you got fucking. Nicholas Cage, who just takes on any movie because it's a movie. And then on the flip side, you got Liam Neeson, who's like grieving from his dead. And there's a scene in this movie where he's talking about his dead wife in this movie. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, yeah, this guy's real wife died in real life. And it's kind of fucked up. Don't feel too bad. He has the biggest cock in Hollywood. Oh, apparently. You know? Yeah, he does. Liam Neeson's got a huge cock. If you want, if you listen to Hollywood Babylon, I love that podcast, dude. Me too. God, when, I, I can't wait for like live events to come back because I've really been missing new episodes of Hollywood Babylon. It's mm. nice. They do that, that home ones. Those are nice too, but it would be great to have the audience there because they get so much energy from them. They did, they did do a couple episodes at the drive-in theaters, but it's just yeah. not the same, is it? It's not no, the same. it's, it's nice to have something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a marksman. It's a taste it. <laughs> Whatever. You know, rent, uh, watch this one when it's fucking free. Do not pay. Well, pay five bucks if you want to. Go out and watch Psycho Gorman. Right? Yeah, there won't be any old people in the theater when you go see Psycho Gorman. Oh, gosh. There's no old people watching Psycho Gorman. They don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they're missing. Those fucking Angela Lansbury fucking... Andy Griffith motherfucking Centrum Silver taken. I'm now I'm just being really insensitive to old people. <laughs> yeah, I like how ageist you got. Where there's original sucking <laughs> <laughs> diaper shit. Ironing motherfuckers. <laughs> uh that's fun. I can say that. My parents went and saw the marksman in the theater, so I can say it. Whatever. My big complaint to my dad was, my dad was like, yeah, I, li- I watched the Markman, Mar- the Marksman. I liked it. And I texted him a few days later after I'd seen it. And I said, I said, yeah, it was okay. I said, he wasn't a Marksman until like the last 15 minutes though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Psycho Gorman is Psycho Gorman right at the fucking beginning. Dude, Psycho Gorman does not fucking bend to anybody. He's 100% Psycho Gorman throughout the whole movie, dude. <laughs> That's all Psycho Gorman. Who watched Mortal? I did. I did. All right, Mortal. 
This movie actually came out on video on demand, and I think it was uh, a small theatrical release, but it came out on video on demand a few week, uh, a few months ago, actually. Uh, I wanted to see this one, but, um, I, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I waited for it to drop, and it dro- finally dropped on the 29th on Amazon Prime. A psychologist tries to help a mysterious man who has the power to make people and objects burn by touching them. What a shitty synopsis of this movie. Oh, that's, that's not even, yeah, that's a terrible synopsis. Yeah, it's a 100, yeah, it's totally terrible synopsis. It's an English language Norwegian fantasy action film co-written and directed by Andre Overdraw. Uh, he did the movie Troll Hunter, which turned out to be like a, Troll Hunter was kind of like a, kind of like an indie Darling, like uh, when Troll Hunter came out, people were raving about that movie. Uh, the film is sp- is inspired by Norse mythology, and it stars Nat Wolf. It's pretty much got an all Norwegian cast except for American star Nat Wolf. And um, I uh, I really I really like this movie quite a bit. I want to know what you guys thought. I'll rate it here in a moment, but I want to know what you guys thought. Greg, what did you think about uh, Mortal? I, when this, I compa- when it, honestly, can, real quick, I kind of compare this to like Norse mythology meets that movie Chronicle by Josh Trank. Yeah, when this movie started, I thought I knew what it was going to be. I said to myself, okay, here we go with two fucking hours of people following clues and realizing that he really does have superpowers. And maybe halfway through the movie, we'll see him light a match in front of somebody this movie takes a much bolder direction than I was anticipating. Yeah. It absolutely leans into mythology, I, in, in part, I, I believe, because people have been exposed to some of this mythology through the Marvel films. Um, I think that's why it can do that. Um, I really did enjoy it, though. I, I, I couldn't help but wonder as I'm watching it how freaking nice people are in Norway. Like, if this dude was in the United States, they would have popped him in the head in the first five minutes of this movie. Someone would have shot him. You know, like, every ten minutes, someone's <laughs> trying to help him and keep him alive. Like, they they hailed out a bus. The dude just made a car explode, and the bus driver's, the, the, the truck driver's like, all right, I'll give you a ride, whatever. But um, I, I enjoyed this. I, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit of a Tupperware whore this episode. I'm giving this a Tupperware. Dude, I loved it. I, I thought it was a blast. I'm going to give it a Tupperware, too. It reminded me of Starman a lot. Definitely a Starman vibe. Yeah. Absolutely. If you, if you love that old 80s movie from, uh, you know, yeah, from the 80s. If you, (laughs) if you love that, (laughs) if you love that Jeff Bridges movie from the 80s, Starman, (laughs) this is a lot like this. Like he basically like, you know, you got a guy here who is like coming into his powers and, and you've got somebody else who's like just a regular human. Who's taking him in on the, uh, taking him on this journey and uh, trying to find out more about him? And you know, there's kind of like a relationship that's struck up between these two, and and uh, it really opens up Norse mythology. And it really felt it felt like Chronicle meets Thor meets Starman. I, I Tupperware yeah. it as well. What did you think, Rebecca, of uh, of Mortal? Yeah, I don't, I didn't enjoy the survey as much as you guys did. I, I didn't hate it or dislike it. Um, I'm gonna give it a, a, a middle of the road taste it. Like I thought it was a really, oh, what, uh, fuck you, whatever. We can't, um, <laughs> we can't have lots of fun. 
<laughs> we cannot have lots of fun. Um, I mean, I, I like the premise of this movie. Um, I just felt like by the time they really got to the Norse mythology stuff, it was so it was so close towards the end of the movie that uh, I felt like the movie dragged its feet to get there. And, and I was kind of like annoyed at that. Like I wish they would have gotten there a little bit sooner, but I understand why they didn't because they, they do go, she does take him on this, this journey. Although I did also feel like, the- Oh my God. Hey, Greg, Greg, when she's saying all these negative things about this movie, all I have in my head is this visual of her fucking picking olives off of a pizza. Right. She's picking olives off of the pizza and saying, I did not like this movie. <laughs> Rebecca, I'm sorry, Rebecca. She is not a fan of what I'm saying right now. We interrupted her. I know, I know, I know. You can get away with that. I cannot. Go ahead, dude, dude. And and then I brought Greg. I brought you into it, which is like the threw me right in front of the bus. I know, I know. And this movie features. Does this movie feature a bus? Well, if if it wasn't Rebecca driving the bus, if it was a Norwegian, they would have picked me up. But Rebecca is going to mow me down with that fucking bus. She's going to be like, you're road meat Thor. Rebecca, I'm not going to cut you off anymore. I apologize. Sorry. I, I, I doubt that, but that's a nice thing to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so like the the psychologist, I, I I get that she was trying to help him. And I understood like like the, the movie hints at the beginning that, you know, something bad happened. with. One you don't know and- why she fell in love with him. You said you weren't going to interrupt me again. I lied. I know you did. <laughs> the floor is yours. I apologize. Okay. Just, okay. Jesus Christ. Um, I, oh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I hate when people ask my opinion and then cut me off in the middle of me saying my opinion. That's I hate it when people have to. They're there. I'm. Got a lot of your system now? <sighs> you. You. <laughs> You win. You, okay. you, you win this round, Rebecca. <laughs> I'll be back for another day, foiled again. But not the war. <laughs> Cobra. Um. <laughs> you just yelled Cobra. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, just I mean, <laughs> just. I get that she was trying to help him, like, discover what's going on, Mm. but I felt like she kept throwing him into very stressful situations (laughs) where his power would, like, become out of control. Then she'd be like, you have to control yourself! And I'm like, well, then maybe don't put him in fucking stressful situations! (laughs) Like, I felt like she was causing not causing but she was not helping him to de-stress like she would put him in these situations and he'd get crazy and she'd be like eric you have to calm down the the, the mri tube was a particularly bad choice okay (laughs) to be fair (laughs) (laughs) somebody was like this guy's blown up a bridge let's put him in a giant fucking rotating bag i know let's put him in an entirely claustrophobic space so that when he wakes the fuck up, he'll be like, 
oh, I'm so stressed, and then be like, why are you stressed? Calm down, Eric. Yeah, I, I, that to me, I think, was one of the biggest problems I had with this movie, was they kept putting him in situations where he would explode, and then they'd be like, calm down. I didn't care for that. I thought it was, but I do think it was like a really cool concept, a really fun twist on the on the Norwegian Norse god mythology stuff. I did enjoy finally, like, when they get to the farm and stuff is revealed and all that stuff. Um, for me, it's it's a taste it, but I'm I'm sure that there's, I think that overall people will probably like this movie more than I did. Oh my god, thank god I didn't have to watch this movie with you. Oh my god. <laughs> that is all I, <laughs> that is all I gotta say. It's like, thank God it was a Rebecca-free zone when I watched this movie. Oh, my God. Okay. No, I I love this movie. I totally under, I see where you're coming from. And maybe if I watch it again, I don't know. But I, lo- I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a surprise hit. Didn't you, Greg? I did, too. I just didn't expect much from it. You know, yeah. I, I thought, too, you know, to the point that you made, Rebecca, earlier – uh, my the impression that I had is that one of the psychologist's patients might have committed suicide. That's like the yeah. that's my interpretation. I mean, mine and, too. Mine yeah, too. she clearly was nurturing to the main character. Oh, and I don't know. I almost looked at the way their romance developed a little like skeptically, knowing she's just been through this trauma and now sure. she's trying to save. This. But who does not fall in love with a god? I mean, especially right? one, you know, yeah, that blows shit up and has lightning coming out of everywhere. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I'd love to see Mortal 2. I'm just going to say it. I, I, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I think there are a lot of great possibilities as to where this could go. Um, and please, yeah, Mortal 2, absolutely. That's my biggest complaint of this movie is it just kind of ends. But on the flip side, it's like, okay, I guess we can come to our own conclusions if we never get a sequel as to kind of like what happened here. Right. I think we all kind of knew what was going to happen at the end and like what, you know what I mean? What was going to set this guy off? Yeah. So I, I'm going to say it. I'm an idiot. I did not. I, 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 guilty is charged. I totally, the way it ended was I did not see coming. Oh, you know, Rebecca saw it telegraphed. Yeah. She, you could already hear when I said I didn't. She was like, fucking she was like, what no, the fuck? you no. fucking idiot. But like, <laughs> you are an idiot. <laughs> But like, don't don't you think that his his powers that he had were like super convenient to every situation he was in? Like, oh, now he can breathe underwater. Oh, now he can heal people. Oh, now he u- uses thunder. Oh, now he can set things on fire. I'm like, he's every expert. Ah, Rebecca. Rebecca was just saying we can have lots of convenient fun. <laughs> The only thing I did think, Rebecca, is like, um, there's a point at which he uses his power to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And given how little control he had before that, I thought that was a little convenient. Yeah, suddenly but, now yeah. he can control it. Yeah. Like, but, but some yeah. of the fun, it took, it took a while for me to even realize that the, what the foundation of his power even was. Cause early on in the movie, some different things happen and you're like, Oh, this is, uh, this is not a spoiler. Like early on, I'm like, Oh, he's like Carrie or, or he's like, you know, the girl from Firestarter. I'm sorry. The Stephen King, you know, mm-hmm. he starts fires. And then it's like, wait, that's not really it. He's doing this other stuff. And, um, I thought that was fun to kind of see that unfold. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with you, Greg. Um, I'm just a little, Upset that we all couldn't come to a Tupperware party on this one. 
Rebecca Cockblock the Tupperware. She did. <laughs> you know, like seriously, that that's the that's the risk you take when you when you have a Rebecca Daling on the podcast, Greg. Wow. That's the risk that you take sometimes. <laughs> you know, for as much as I think she's a wonderful and beautiful person inside and out, she sometimes fucks up an entire episode. I just took her off the list of handy dread <laughs> guest hosts. Oh, no. <laughs> you can fix your own shit. We can have we can have no fun. Step two. Don't invite Rebecca back. Step three. <laughs> it's just you and Greg. Step four. <laughs> I think you went super high there for the third night. I, knew, I always knew Brian had the falsetto in him somewhere. <laughs> Guys. Penguin Bloom, Penguin Bloom, this movie dropped on Netflix. Uh, in Australia, a photographer and his family find hope and solace by nursing an injured magpie chick back to health, helping them adjust to his wife's partial paralysis following a fall while on vacation in Thailand. This movie I found out was originally titled, We Should Have Gone to Disney World. Um oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Great if, you, you know, if you did that, she would have fallen off Space Mountain, right? Oh, gosh. Penguin Bloom is based on the book of the same name by Cameron Bloom and Bradley Trevor Grieve. And it's uh, based on a true story. Uh, it's directed by Glendon Ivan. Glendon Ivan is a uh, is one of Australia's leading directors in television, film, and commercials. He was recently listed in the Sydney Morning Herald as one of Australian television's most powerful and influential. Glendon came to attention with the short film Cracker Bag, winning the Palme d'Or in 2003 at Cannes Film Festival. Uh, I also want to point out that Cracker Bag was also one of the titles we tossed around for this show, Jake, right? Remember back in the day when we... Yeah, I was a champion of Cracker Bag. <laughs> Jay, Jay really shot it down. That was actually the nickname for the in this Cracker Bag. It was Cracker Bag Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> CBL, welcome to CBL. Oh man, everybody, make, make sure to join the CBL. I'm gonna give Gorman a saltine. <laughs> Jake, I I have to disagree with you. I'm gonna give it this a middle of the road gluten free cracker. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a stale. <laughs> I do, it's a stale it. It's a stale it. Stale it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Penguin Bloom, this dropped on Netflix on the 27th. Uh, it stars Naomi Watts as Sam Bloom and Andrew Lincoln from, uh, The Walking Dead fame. He played Rick Grimes. He plays Cameron Bloom, Sam's husband. Uh, Jackie Weaver is also in this movie. She plays Sam's mother. And then I also wanted to point out that Rachel House plays the character of Gay, and she's from uh, Hunt from the Wilder People. 
And she also was in Thor Ragnarok, two Taika Waititi movies. She's a Taika Waititi favorite. He loves to use Rachel House in his movies. And it was awesome to see Rachel House in this movie. And I want to know your guys' thoughts on this one. Jake, I know you saw Penguin Bloom. What did you think about Penguin Bloom? I love Penguin Bloom, actually. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I I found it very emotional and inspirational. And there were multiple points in this movie that that really made me well up. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Gosh, the scene when she confronted her child about the videos he was making on his laptop and him taking blame for her accident just really hit my heartstrings. And, I mean, it just really made me well up inside. And I don't want to give spoilers for this movie, but even some of the stuff with the – I'm not even a bird guy, but some of the stuff with the bird when the bird was in trouble or in danger or missing just – really struck a nerve with me and um yeah this movie hit all my heartstrings i really liked it quite a lot and it being based on a real story and knowing that from the start i think is one of the biggest reasons it really just emotionally punched me in the face did you watch the end credits with all the pictures yes yes i loved it i loved seeing all the real people i loved seeing all her all the stuff that she accomplished after the movie ends and yeah i thought this movie was so charming so inspirational and i i recommend it to anyone with a netflix account i loved i'm gonna bounce off what you're saying i loved penguin bloom i tupperware the fuck out of this movie it i was so emotional there's the scene with the with the bird here's the thing you've got a bird that this young child finds injured outside and they take this young wild bird this magpie in and they nurse it to back to health and then you also have this mother who was, as as much as we know about this character, this is kind of like the perfect family. A mother, husband, wonderful, loving husband, and the three boys that love their mother. I mean, the three boys are a handful, and you can see that throughout the movie. But as far as we know, as like a family, they all work together. And this horrible thing happens where they go on this vacation in Thailand and this rail, this breaks and the mother falls backward, lands and breaks her back and is never able to walk again. And, uh, it's, it's amazing how this, this movie kind of like shows you how they, they take in this injured bird and then the mother is also kind of like going through her own thing. And then she finds, I don't, it, 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 it's, it's an, just an amazing story of like seeing like, like this bird, like find out like, like I'm a bird and like I, 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 I you know, I, I am, uh, and, and the mother, fi- and the mother figures out that there's life after this, this, this paralysis that she's going through. There's, that, that there's things that she can do. And, 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 and Andrew Lincoln's fantastic in this movie playing the husband and, uh, supporting his wife. And throughout this movie, and I know it's based on a true story, but like throughout this movie, I was thinking like, is this guy going to get sick of her? Is he going to leave her? And, you know, you just stick with the story. You just stick with the story and you see how it like all kind of like, pans out it's so emotionally uplifting you i love this fucking bird jake i know what scene you're talking about with with the bird and you're like worried for the bird and like i love this and so i love seeing like the actual pictures of the bird at the end credits of this movie 
Um, I Tupperware this movie so much. I thought everybody did a fantastic job. Naomi Watts is so good in this movie. Um, Rebecca, what do you think about Penguin Bloom? Uh, it's also a Tupperware for me. I, I'm going to be honest. I, when I saw sort of like the the quick synopsis on Netflix, I I completely prejudged this movie and I said, oh, this is going to be some sappy schmaltzy, you know, oh, the bird healed me, helped me feel better. And, and, and I really kind of went into it with that attitude, like, like wanting to be proven right. And then the movie completely proved me wrong. It's, it's, it's definitely like, you are so like, jaded. Oh my God. I'm, I'm admitting that I prejudged it, but that the movie didn't do what I thought it was going to do. I'm so glad that this, I'm so glad that this movie uplifted your dark charcoal heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. I, I, you know, just once, just once, I would love to get through a review without being interrupted. Just one time. Oh my God. I am your Newman. You are my <laughs> Newman. You guys have no idea. I love Rebecca so much. That's why I fuck with her. You guys have no idea. I love. No, listen, I listen. I look forward. If- when you ask me to be on, I'm always excited to be on. If yeah. when I know I'm going to go to Chicago to see 2E2, I'm super excited to see you and give you a hug and have a beer and hang out and talk. 100. percent But sometimes you drive me up the fucking wall with this interrupting me. <laughs> oh my god! I couldn't hit mute fast enough when it happened. I feel like I have ringside seats at this fight. This is great. I know. Oh man. Yeah, so I I loved the movie too. By the way, I'm not spoiling your Tupperware party. I loved this movie. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Jake, your your thoughts about um the son and his feelings. That I mean when when they had like that 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 confrontation, I was I was sobbing because everybody in this family is is hurting. She's hurting, obviously physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And nobody's talking about it. Doesn't it drive you crazy? Exactly. Then I kept like I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh my god, just talk to each other. You mm. all love each other, but everybody's hurting. You have to talk to each other. And nobody could talk to each other because the pain was too recent. The trauma was what had only happened. Like they. Said, and when they do try to talk to each other, the son keeps cutting off the mother, and she can't get her thoughts out there. And I then she's, you know what I mean? It's. I thought it was really powerful when Andrew Lincoln's character actually does try to shut the conversation down again and literally tell him to shut up. Oh, I love that, too. Which is what Rebecca needs to do as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rebecca, why don't you fucking grab your fucking hypothetical dick and fucking shut me down? Yeah, grab your cracker bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, whatever. I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> so Rebecca liked the movie. What'd you think, Greg? I- I'm going to be the only asshole that didn't love this movie. Oh I'm my sorry. god! Oh, oh, here's here's oh, my here's kind of what I'm challenged by. And look, I realize these, this is based on real stuff that happened. Oh, this is like a familiar movie trope. It's like take a horrible situation 
and some surprising thing that brings everybody together. Oh, like, we're, oh, we're oh, fuck inspiring. Oh, yeah. Fuck inspiring let people. Let me finish. Let me finish. Backdrop of the uh, Spanish Civil War, an entire com- a town comes together uh, when a boy rediscovers his uh, red wagon. Like, <laughs> shit like, that. like uh, uh, against the in the ashes of nine uh, eleven. Uh, a whole city celebrates when uh, the master yo-yoist comes. Like some stupid shit. This bird is a fucking asshole. All this bird does is shit on everything in the house. He knocks over vases. Somehow, within a week, the bird is like fucking Red Wing from Falcon and the like, Captain America. The bird flies all the fuck over town and somehow knows how to find its way back. Uh, like they, they're taking in some random. Have you animal. never heard of a homing pigeon? Yeah. Have it, you never heard I, of a homing pigeon? It's a fucking man. It's a wild bird that they found in her. It's, it's a true story, Greg. They didn't Nobody, make I don't out. care how true it is. They found some fucking random bird outside and just brought it inside. It's like me getting a fucking squirrel because I'm sad about something and just bringing it in my house and nursing it. I have actually. I I, I, I sound like you need that squirrel. The kayak teacher. <laughs> is, the kayak teacher was an asshole because she's like, oh. I, I'm completely paralyzed. I'm going to take kayak lessons. The first fucking lesson, she's like, "All right, I'm turning. You're, you're going to fucking. I'm going to drown you." Wait, wait. I just, I just didn't. And you know, like I'm like, "Oh, when's the scene when the bird flies and we all cry?" Forty five minutes in, there goes the fucking bird flying out, and now we're all going to be emotional because the fucking bird is flying, and now she's healing. It just, I just wasn't for me. Low tasted. Wow, you are wow. you are a fucking wow. dead human being. <laughs> I have no soul. Heartless, you, Greg. You are seriously. I think like we talk about like who's going to be the villain of WandaVision. I think it's going to be you. Uh, you know, I just didn't. I find the bird particularly. He was noisy and obnoxious, and they <laughs> let his dirty fucking bird, nasty ass bird feet, all the fuck over the house. <laughs> Like, I just, I just I didn't. Mean, yeah, it's a bird though. I mean, that's what he's. Why is it the bird in the house? Why is the bird in the house? Oh my god, these are such wonderful fucking people for taking this injured bird in. Yeah, they're really wonderful, and and then someday when the bird needs to go free, they've lived in a fucking house its whole life. You know, you magpie's not supposed to be in a house. It's not. That's not normal. Uh, oh, Greg, they learned something from the bird. The oh, I'm bird. Glad they learned something. I'm glad they did. Oh what my god! What did the magpie learn? The magpie learned that you're a dick. Is what the. This movie, Jake. I fucking, I fucking, I can't tell you how many times I teared up at this movie. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I love the scene when they were having the birthday party for her at her mom's house, and things were getting a little bit confrontational. And uh, Gay kept wanting to leave the table, and they're like, "No, no, stay!" And then it would get confrontational again. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. And then just boom. (laughs) Oh, you hated that too, didn't you, Handy Greg? It was fine. That was, you know, that was it okay. It was fine. It was fine. I, uh, it's a I, slap I, in the face. I, I think one of the things about this movie that, for me, I thought was 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 just really great was that I do believe that that 
if you have an, an, an animal or a pet, it, it does have, it does bring a healing power to yes. you. Like, I do think that when, um, you, you let an animal into your life and, and they, sh- and they've shown that, right? Like, they let, like, dogs and cats go visit senior homes and, mm-hmm. and, and you, they see that, like, it uplifts people or people who are, like, depressed and they, they get a, they get a cat or a dog or, or some kind of animal and it, it helps them because they're taking care of a living thing. And, and I do believe that animals do have that healing power for us. So I, I think for me, that's one of the things because like the bird was like a unifying force for this family like they all did something to help care for the bird and take care of penguin and and even like in the like with with the mom starting out like begrudgingly like oh where are you you stupid bird and 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 you know trying to get through the house to find it is hopping all over the place um like she like begrudgingly was like trying to feed and take care of it but then of course you know the inevitable happens and and yes she does um it starts to help her just feel a little better and come to the point where she can talk to the family about what she's feeling and um even like the scene when like the kids went to the beach and they got sick that night and I thought that was a very powerful scene too where like they're all sick cuz they ate something bad and they're calling out for their dad to come. Yeah. Um and she's and she's stuck in the bed and she's like what's happening is everything okay? What's going on like she can't be there to help them and and you could see that she just felt like completely cut off. And when the husband comes back to bed, I mean, she's crying. She's like, I can't even be a mom. What am I? Who am I? Like, what's my purpose? And, and she's like, they used to call out for me. And, and you could see how much pain she's in and everybody is suffering. But of course she can only see her own pain. And, and that's, I don't know. I just, I loved how they were finally able just to talk about it. And and then begin to sort of try to find their way in this new family dynamic. I I, I just I don't know. I, I thought it was just such a beautiful film. Everything you're saying, I I'm picking up what you're putting down. I love what you're saying. It's just like I think we picked the wrong person to be on this episode with Greg Jake. I well, do. you know what? I'm I'm working. That's fine because I'll go work on my movie script. It's uh, against the backdrop of the California Gold Rush. <laughs> A, a small mining family is brought together as they attempt to housebreak an orphaned porcupine. There you go. That's my new fucking movie. I'm, I'm oh, cheering up already, like, Greg. Like, whatever, you know, coming up. I'll watch it, Greg. Make that movie. I'll watch it. Brian, you- I got no. I've written a new movie. It's called Fuck Greg, and it's about a fucking. <laughs> it's about a cockatoo that just shits in your house incessantly. I've <laughs> 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 a cockatoo before. <laughs> Tupperware fuck Greg. <laughs> it's basically it's two hours of Greg cleaning up cockatoo shit. I could have so. just lied and been part of the Tupperware party. But, oh, I love this movie. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I know. I know. You I stuck to your guns. You stuck to your guns. You soulless fuck. I didn't like the bird. What a, what a hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebecca, I know that you have your own personal good pop, bad pop that you want to talk about. So talk to us about uh, what you watched. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to get a lot of shit frozen <laughs> from you guys, but I don't really care. I want to talk uh, briefly about Bridgerton on mm. Netflix. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, Bridgerton is based on a series of books uh, by Julia Quinn, and it is uh, it takes place during like Regency era England, and uh, the Bridgerton family family of this story. There's like a bunch of kids in the family, and so of course this is like this is a this is a period piece and so it's very Jane Austen in certain ways and then it's it's got the romance novel aspect so it's like Jane Austen meets a romance novel um i had not read the books but i saw a people i know talking about this on twitter and facebook and and i it looked like something i would enjoy because i'll be honest i'm a sucker for a romance novel i still read them i read them when i was younger um it's like an escapism thing for me. Were you reading and, uh, that shit? Were you reading that shit with fucking like uh, Fabio on the cover? Sometimes, yeah. Those are great. Those are great mindless reads. You go to the beach and uh, are you reading that shit in the bathtub? Like all those women reading that shit in the bathtub, no. and you no, got the I'm not a bathtub reader. Okay, because I know like a lot of women fucking read this fucking romance novels in the bathtub and they got like the fucking they got the book there with like the wrinkled up bathtub corners and shit you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i, I know i know um i don't here's the thing jake i want to see you do that shit dude <laughs> oh yeah yeah I, I used to read books in the bathtub all the time not fabio Jake used to read comic books in the bathtub, dude. That's cool. <laughs> dude, I used to read in the shower. I'm not even joking. Oh, wow. I'd get so engrossed in a book. I'd be like, well, I don't even know why I'm taking a shower at this point. I'm like standing so far away from the water just like so yeah, read the book. Dude, there's a guy in my town, and I fucking like props to this guy. It's like fucking like 25 degrees and shit, and I'm driving around, and I see this guy. I've seen him like two or three times now. He's fucking walking around. He's holding a book and he's reading a book. I'm like, Jesus, that guy is dedicated on his walks. Reading this book in 25 degree weather. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been a long time since I was that engrossed in an actual physical book. No, let's get back to Rebecca talking about Bridgerton. Oh yeah. Back. Uh, what? One of the stars of this show is an actress named uh, Nicola Coughlin. And if you watch a lot of British TV, you know her from The Dairy Girls, which is a very popular show in the UK. Um, what is The Dairy Girls about? What is Dairy Girls about? Yeah. Um, it's, it like, it's about like a girls' school in the 90s. Why did you ask, Brian? Ah, dude, I don't, dude, I'm sorry. It's not about like Stephen King, Derry Maine, or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's not a Stephen King thing. It's not cool. Um, no, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'll wrap this up. If you want to know more, if you want to know more about Bridgerton, you can hit me up on Twitter, and I'll be happy to talk more about it. But just suffice to say, if you like romance stories, if you like romance novels, if you like if you like gorgeous costumes and if you love the period piece stuff of like Jane Austen, this is completely up your alley. I Tupperware this series. One of the things I do think is absolutely really great is they have cast a good number of people of color in this and not like servants and stuff. Although there are some servants that are like there that are black, but there's also servants that are white, but like the queen is black. And one of the guys in the movie who's like a duke, he's also black. So there, 
is a lot of like really thoughtful casting here to reflect that even though people think that like during this time period like oh black people couldn't do certain things or it was only white people that's not true historically and i think the show took steps to reflect that so i definitely give it props for that as well um there's like an overarching mystery in the in the in the show about uh who this character is who is like writing all of this like gossip and then spreading it around the town um and it's a really fun sort of uh like a like a mystery for the for the viewer to try to solve before the end anyway i love it I know this is not the group for it, but if if you enjoy that type of genre stuff I just talked about, I think uh, absolutely you should give this show a shot. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's um it's it's on Netflix. Like you have a Netflix account, just watch it, and it's a it's a great watch. I'm That's fucking it. shocked I, they I, actually I've seen it myself. Um, okay. quite a lot of it, and Rebecca's not wrong. The costume design is second to none. Um, they definitely spent a lot of money on this show. One thing I thought was really interesting was a lot of the music is actually like um, classical music covers of modern top 40 songs. Yes, I thought that was so great. It was a nice twist because you're like watching the show and then like then you hear like this like sort of like, like they're at a ball or something and the and the the, the, the tune is like oh, wait, I know that song and and it's it's a lot of fun I, I enjoy that as well I thought that Jake was gonna call this show the show that made that Michelle made me watch oh yeah I I mean I just was watching it out of the corner of my eye while playing hearthstone mostly it's not like I was ever like I'm shocked I, Rebecca I'm shocked that you're saying that they have um black actors in this. I thought that this show would be called Cracker Bag, personally. <laughs> Crackerton. Cracker yeah. No, no, no. Thank God it's not called Crackerton. That's no. cool. I didn't even know that about this show. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll give it a shot, Rebecca. <laughs> okay. I feel like if that's your bag, you're better off watching Hamilton. I No, I'm yes. going to wait to see Hamilton live before I ever fucking talk about Hamilton. Yeah. I get that. I get that. But yeah, it's... um. I don't know. It's a fun watch. I think, and the writing I think is very clever. I think it's, and, and the acting is really good in it. And again, it's nice to see a cast of not just white people in privilege, but it's nice to see black people in privilege too. It, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. That's cool. It's a huge hit too. So yeah. if you want oh, to oh, I know. It's, it's like been thing. renewed for like seven more seasons. Oh, what? Well, yeah, cause there, there's like nine books. And so they're going to like, apparently, I guess they're going to do a season per book so yeah uh, if, as long as Netflix doesn't cancel this it's going to go wrong I, I hear that they have no birds defecating in this one Greg you might like it <laughs> well, maybe I'll watch it maybe I'll enjoy it yeah maybe <laughs> no defecating birds so there you go bro <laughs> sounds great the, d- Greg I love you dude I love you too, buddy. All right, man. The Little Things on HBO Max. This is a theatrical release, and it's also on HBO Max. They're doing the same thing here that they did with Wonder Woman, so you can watch this movie for a month on HBO Max before it's taken off of HBO Max, and then you'll only be able to watch it theatrically. Uh, Deke, uh, a burnt-out Kern County, California deputy sheriff teams up with Baxter, a crack LASD detective, to nab a serial killer. Deke's nose for the little things proves eerily accurate, but his willingness to circumvent the rules embroils Baxter in a soul-shattering dilemma. Meanwhile, Deke must wrestle with a dark secret from the past 
It's a neo-noir crime thriller uh, film written and directed by John Lee Hancock, who also did The Rookie, The Blind Side, and The Founder. And uh, I'm going to start off by saying uh, I like to call this movie three and a half because it's only as half as good as seven, a movie that it desperately tries to rip off throughout this entire film. And uh, everyone in this movie is too good to be in this movie. Um, I think that the cast is, it's a stellar cast. Rami Malek, Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, like all these are Academy Award winners. And honestly, like, I feel like this is just like, if I get all three of these actors in any other movie, I'm satisfied. This movie was so unsatisfying and it just basically, it's a rip off of seven. It's not as good as seven by any means. I'm going to give this the lowest of taste. It's the only thing that I think that even makes it a low taste. It is the acting performance of these three actors. I think Jared Leto is actually really good in this movie. Everyone else, uh, uh, well, everyone else, like Denzel Washington's good. Rami Malek's fine. It's just the story is just not good in this film. I am going to give it the lowest of taste. It's for the little things. Jake, I know you saw this one. What did you think about the little things? Yeah, I'm mostly in agreement with you. I think I liked it a little bit more. I'm going to give it just a middle-of-the-road taste it. Um, I very much agree. The only thing I wrote on my notes was Poor Man 7. So I thought yeah. that was hilarious that you brought that up. Um, I, I agree Jared Leto was fantastic. I thought Denzel and Malik were great, too. Um, I think I liked the plot a little bit more than you. I thought the ending was very ballsy, and I appreciated that. Um didn't it was like not satisfying in an interesting way like on purpose not satisfying yeah and i I really kind of liked that and thought that was a ballsy choice um i did see one funny inconsistency that i wanted to bring up about this movie um this movie takes place in the year 1990 yes it does and and at one point denzel goes to get Rami Malik a cup of coffee in the gas station and the two kids are playing on a Mortal Kombat arcade machine which wouldn't exist because that didn't come out until 1992. Yeah. So I was like, boo. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? Yeah, that's bullshit. So I didn't know if any other... I mean, I guess just right after Insert Coin that was fresh in my mind knowing what years Mortal Kombat came out and Mm. That was the first thing I did was I was like, this is 1990, right? And I even Googled it and I was like, yep, they fucked up. Uh, Greg, what'd you think about this bird free film? Legit. Not, I'm not kidding. I have the word in my notes written down unsatisfying with two underlines under it. Um, you know, it, I, I think what they were trying to do was to, and I'm, you know, at risk of spoiling the ending here, which I'm not going to do, sort of say, hey, you've been trying to solve this mystery, all movie. It ends up that here's the mystery that you should have been trying to solve. And that's what they tried to do, but it just leaves you feeling like you wasted some, you wasted your time. Um, one of the things I'm really sort of trying to figure out is why 1990? What, what is it about having it take place in 1990 that was so important from a storytelling perspective. It could have just as easily been 1930. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think like the best fucking like serial killers 
come out of like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, don't you? Yeah. Well, it's funny. My theory was they wanted this to be about old-fashioned detective work and not about like forensic science because you didn't really have DNA analysis in the same place. Like within a few years, DNA would be a big deal. So that was my only yeah. guess. But um, that was my answer, Greg. I just think investigation yeah. is so much more boring in modern day, at, yeah. least, at least cinematically. It's not about the guys and the again gals in the lab. This movie is about the hardcore detective work. So, you know, I'd, I'd say middle of the road to low tasted. It's it's not you know if you have HBO Max, which you should have, it's a great service. It is. It's, it's worth it. You know, you want to watch a new movie, go for it. It's not something I'll ever watch again. Rebecca, what did you think about this? Uninterrupted by me. Um, I thought, you know, I thought, yeah, right. I thought that there was, that there was a good story in this movie, but it wasn't executed well at all. And I can't believe that Jared Leto, Rami Malek, and Denzel were in this movie. Like, did they all lose a bet and they had to be in this film? Because I, I, I also felt the film felt very dated but in not in a good way like sometimes when you watch a film that takes place in like previous decades you go oh i get it it's got that 90s vibe or that 80s vibe but this movie felt like it was made in the 90s and and it just it was i didn't i actually also thought that this movie the story would have been served better if it was a mini series like a four episode mini series uh, that's, that's like think- true detective which i mean True Detective, like the first season was fantastic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the asshole who didn't like True Detective season one. Are you crazy? I, oh well, I, I don't want to get into that, but yeah, it, 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 and look, I just I have problems with my attention. This span. movie just made me want to fucking get season three of Mindhunter, which is like so much better than anything right. I saw in this movie. I, I'm the only guy on earth who didn't like True Detective. Okay, um, so I, I admit one. I'm an oddball there. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to also give this movie a low taste. It, it's, yeah. I did think there were things about the ending that were interesting. I, And again, there are nuggets in this movie of a good story. There, there are seeds here of an interesting story and a character study to be had about all the three main characters. Um, but it just wasn't done well, and it just – it just dragged on. I kept checking, like, how much is left in this movie? You, uh, yeah. As soon as you're I, fucking checking to see how much time is left yeah, in the movie. No, it's, yeah, no, it's never good. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a low taste. I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. There's better stuff to watch, though. Yeah, go watch Mindhunter. Go watch a true crime documentary on about, like, uh, The Night Stalker, which is on Netflix. Like, it, it, that, to me was better done and it's a shame because there is a lot of talent in this film it just wasn't done well and and that's a real shame because uh you know i i enjoy you know a lot of what denzel has done and and rami malik leto's like you know he's he's okay for me jared leto honestly like i think this is his best performance since dallas buyers club agree i agree with that like his his performance, I think, was one of the like the good nuggets in this film, and I think like the character study of Denzel's character and Rami Malek, like to me, that would have been an interesting thing to explore more of in a miniseries and and really talk about this this story. It's just 
Yeah, it's it's just not good, uh, yeah. which is a real shame. I hate to say it, but it's just not a good film. I like the scenes with uh, Rami Malek and uh, Jared Leto in the car. I was just like, holy shit, this is going to be incredible. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. Oh, yeah. Like th- that whole sequence. I was like, oh, my God, something bad's going to happen. Oh, something terrible's going to happen. And then like when Denzel was like looking for them. I was like, oh my god, please find them. You have to find them. Something bad's gonna happen. We don't find them. Like, it, it, that was like, that was good. But the movie took so long to get there that you're just like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> like, it was, it was a shame. I know. Really there were, th- there were times in this movie where I was just like, I'm really digging what's going on here. Like, uh, the, 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 you know, like the old, the old veteran you know, a uh, detective that's been demoted is brought back into the case. And it's a case sure. that, you know, like, uh, that, uh, rings of like uh, a case that he had in the past and stuff like that. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is really good. I don't, I just don't think that it all came together well. And so mm-hmm. with just like Jake, you're right. Like I say the ending's unsatisfying, but then like on the flip side, like the ending is, it's so different than, anything we've seen in anything else like this that I can see kind of like where that appreciation comes from. But if I, I think Greg kind of covered it too. It it was, it didn't give you the thing that you were expecting to get, but it did give you something. But if I'm always comparing this movie to seven and which I was, it doesn't live up to that movie, which Seven is a movie I remember. Oh my God. I remember seeing that in the theater and just walking out and being blown away. Yeah. I think this is almost even more comparable to another Fincher movie and that's Zodiac. And I think Zodiac pulls mm. off this kind of ending even better than this movie did. Uh, Zodiac is honestly my favorite Fincher movie. That's a great example, Jake. I, I like, I, I like what you're saying there. Um, old time yeah. detective work. Um, yeah, not, not really any closure on the case. I, I, I think that's the way better version of this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. I talk. I, I watched the uh, the dig. Who else watched the dig? I did. I did not. I did not get to this one. I know Jake didn't get to it as well. So Rebecca, you and I watched the dig. Um, yeah. Are you sick of watching the Curse of Oak Island reality series where they never <laughs> dig up any treasure? Well, I watched the shit out of that show. I did way. too. Well, if you're sick of watching the Curse of Oak Island where they never dig up any treasure, you should watch The Dig on Netflix. <laughs> uh, it's an excavator and his team discover a wooden ship from the Dark Ages while digging up a burial ground on a woman's estate. It's based on a true story. So another movie here based on a true story. It's directed by Simon Stone. He's an, another Australian director um, based on the 2007 novel of the same name by John Preston. Uh, it reimagines the events of the 1939 excavation of Sutton Hoo. It stars Carrie Mulligan, who I recently talked about uh, in the Tuppies episode, uh, from Promising Young Woman. I love this actor. I think she's fantastic. Ralph Fiennes, Lily James, uh, John Flynn, Ben Chaplin, Ken Stott, Archie Barnes, and Monica Dolan. In 1939, Suffolk landowner Edith Preddy is played by Carrie Mulligan. She hires 
local archaeologist Basil Brown, played by uh, Ralph Fiennes, to excavate the large burial mounds at her rural estate in Sutton Hoo, uh, paying him two pounds a week. Uh, museum officials try to persuade Brown to work on a Roman villa they deem more important, but he declines. They they ignore the self-taught Brown when he suggests the mounds could be Anglo-Saxon rather than the more common Viking. Uh, I think it's got an amazing cast. Uh, Johnny Flynn is in this one. Johnny Flynn was in that show. It was originally called Scrotal Recall on Netflix, but now it's called something else. I can't remember the name of it. I love Johnny Flynn. But um, Rebecca... What did you think about uh, the dig on Netflix? Um, I I like this movie quite a lot. Um, I enjoy the backdrop of of World War Two about to start. I think um, that adds like a certain um, urgency to this, obviously, because they're worried about the war about to start, and so like they're like hiding all their antiquities because they're afraid about being invaded and, and all being stolen. I love it. It's a true story. Um, I, I really enjoyed the performances in this movie a lot. I thought the characters, I mean, they're based on real people, but I thought that the characters were, um, very good. Um, I'm going to give this movie a high tasted. I, mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I thought it was slow to get going. Um, and it it could have been like easily a, like ten to fifteen minutes shorter, but overall, I, I thought this was a very beautiful film. It was well shot. Um, I thought Lily James did some really great work here with her character and the 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 main well, the, um, Mrs. Pretty. What is the actress's name again? Carrie Mulligan. Just said it. Carrie Mulligan. Um, I thought her story. I mean, she's such a tragic figure, and, and I, I just, I loved how she played it, how she played her character through this movie. I, I, I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it too. I'm also going to give it a high taste. It, um, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Uh, I, you know, there, there's the scene where they start to uncover certain treasures that are that are in this and. And, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, even though like this is a based on a true story, you could probably just read about it on Wikipedia if you wanted to. I do think that this is somebody, uh, this is a movie that people should be watching on Netflix. Um, very time, you know, period piece and, uh, Carrie Mulligan's really good in it. I love Lily James. I was surprised to see her in this movie because like we're like, 45 minutes to an hour before that character shows up in the film, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I yeah. saw her show up, I was just like, okay, which I am going to throw out my two cents here. She should not be playing Pamela Anderson in that fucking movie. Oh, that's a terrible choice. I don't know who decided that, but that's a, that's not a good cast. Sebastian. Good cast, yeah. Sebastian Stan's going to be fucking, uh, Tommy Lee and then oh, she's I hate everything about Why don't casting. you why didn't they fucking cast Megan Fox and uh, Machine Gun Kelly in those that, roles? I, I I exactly. That would have been a much better choice in all honesty. But that aside I would never watch that movie with that cast. <laughs> but that aside, I love Lily James. I thought she was great in this movie. I thought it's a good movie. Yeah, it's called The Dig. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Um you know um, I give it a high tasted as well. Did you, hey, Rebecca, did you notice when, uh, the little things, do you remember the guy that they brought in that they 
later revealed like killed himself. Did you know? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the the guy that they that they uh, interviewed? I forget what his name was, like Peter or something like that, that killed himself. Yeah. Do you know who that was? No. Who Who was that? That actor played Chip, the youngest son, um, on Kate and Alley. Oh wait, that was that's the same kid. Yeah, it's it's him all I've, grown up. I've seen that kid. Well, he's not a kid. I've seen that that actor in other roles. Well, and he's like, done oh, commercials too. Yeah, yeah, he's done commercials, and he's oh, I've seen him in like other TV shows, and he's like always playing a police suspect. Yeah, because he's got that face that you just like. Oh my god, you did something. Right. I did not realize that that was the same. That was actor. fucking chip. Do you remember? Do you remember? Did you watch Kate and Alley when you were a kid? I did watch Kate now. Do you remember the yeah. Do you remember the theme song? Oh God, you're putting me on the spot. Hold on, on hold this on. One. Oh. Does this sound familiar? Just when you think you're all by yourself, you're not. Mm. <laughs> hold on, here we go. I'm gonna play. Let me play. It. Hold put, on. Put it on. Put it on. I was hoping you can play it. <laughs> Kate and Allie theme song. Do you remember it's that? All coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah I remember that. It's all coming back to me. You know, weirdly, for some reason, like three weeks ago, the Who's the Boss theme song was stuck in my head for like seven days, and I had not watched Who's the Boss recently. I have no idea why it was stuck in my head. Oh my! It's probably because I fucking impersonate Tony Danza oh on a weekly basis. Do you, know that do you know that every time you say that? On the podcast, I fucking almost pee myself. It is so fun. Fucking um, I, I like Tony. Uh, the who's the boss? I think it's all on like Antenna TV is airing it now, and I Roku channel oh, did have it. And okay. I've been watching. I've been watching Silver Spoons on. Oh man, Roku Silver channel. Spoons. Oh god, I love. Hold I on. always wanted to ride that train when I was a little girl. <laughs> I cannot find the actual Kate and Alley theme song where it's like the music version. Or yeah, the, it sounds like the music version. It's such a just when you think you're all by I yourself. Found, I found you're it. You not, want me to uh, message it to you? Yeah, send it to me. You know, every time I stock Jonathan apples now, I say Jonathan and Brian's Tony Danza voice. <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> Angela, Samantha, Mona, Jonathan. Uh, i was talking to somebody recently like i know somebody that like knew that lived in the same apartment building as tony danza's brother oh my gosh and they tony danza's brother would always sit by the pool at this apartment complex building and like brag about how tony danza was like one of the first people to get a karaoke machine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right bridge bridge and tunnel bridge and tunnel this is the last thing for good pop bad pop this is a uh epic series it just dropped last week it's a dramedy dramedy series it's set in the 1980s it revolves around a group of recent college grads setting out to pursue their dreams in manhattan while still clinging to the familiarity of 
their working class Long Island hometown. It's created, written, and directed, and produced by Ed Burns. Ed Burns, I think he's great. I loved him in Saving Private Ryan. And my, actually, my favorite Ed Burns movie, I don't know if anyone here on the podcast has ever seen it. It's a movie called Confidence. Have you, have you guys ever seen Confidence? Mm-mm. I've not. No. It stars Dustin Hoffman, Rachel Weiss, Ed Burns, and Morris Chestnut. Do you think when Morris Chestnut, do you think like his signature sex move in the bedroom is when he jerks off on a woman's chest? It should Probably, be. Yeah, either that or the Cleveland Steamer. Probably does that too. <laughs> I think I think nutting on a woman's chest would be like where he excels. Anyway, um, Greg, did you get a chance to see this one? I did. Bridge and Tunnel. Uh, I have an epic subscription, so I watched this. It's, it's it looks like it's only going to be six episodes. What did you think about this one, Greg? You know, this um, really takes place. Um, at a time when, you know, young people in this case have finished college and whether you've, you've a college grad or went to high school, there's sort of that brief period of time where you're right in between being a student and being like the person you're going to be. And it's a bizarrely uncomfortable feeling. And, um, that, that theme really kind of hit me in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, I really enjoyed this show. I thought all the characters were particularly great. I also love the idea, and, you know, I, I would guess this will resonate with Rebecca. You know, they live in this Long Island suburb, and that's sort of where their youth is. And for many of them, they're going to they're gonna go work in New York City, which is almost like another planet. You know, if you're in oh, this yeah. area around New York City, it's like life in the suburbs and life in the city. And when you go from one to the other, it's you might as well go to Mars. It's totally different. Um, so I really just, I felt that I felt, um, you know, what some of these young people were feeling as they were kind of right on the edge of growing up and really enjoyed this first episode. Uh, I'm going to give it a high tasted. It's a pilot. You know, I, I had no interest in epics. I, I subscribed to epics for the little free trial. And after seeing that it's 99 cents for three months, I'm actually going to subscribe for three months just to watch this show. Um, watch this show, watch this show, Greg, and then please do me a favor. Watch uh, Godfather of Harlem. Mm-hmm. And Perpetual Grace Limited. Oh I've seen God. neither of those, so I, I will watch, watch them. And there's yeah. also a really good um, Charles Manson four-part miniseries on this one that you should on Epix that you should watch as well. But like, I actually watched the first episode of that. I actually was on a sh- I was on this show. We talked about it, but I yeah. never finished it up. Yeah, yeah. The Epix is. I'm, I'm surprised. Like. Epics, they don't have a lot of original programming, but like what they do have, I think, is quality stuff. And then they also have a lot of new movies that come out that I think people should check out. Like I, you know, like if you want to watch like, you know, Mission Impossible Fallout or the, the new Bumblebee movie, that kind of stuff is all there. Epics has a lot of great movies. I enjoyed this too. I'm going to give it a high tasted as well. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's only six episodes. It's like 40 minutes a piece or so. And yeah, I think I'm going to continue to watch bridge and tunnel. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. We are the Brooklyn saints. Uh, this is the last thing I thought we, I thought we were done. Jake, I know you watched this. Did anybody else watch? We are the Brooklyn saints on Netflix. I'm, I'm going to straight up own. I watched it and I fell asleep. So ah. I know, I know most of the first episode. Yeah. It's and a, that's not a judgment on its quality. It's just, I was tired. Aw. 
Greg was I know, sleepy. I, I got my I got my little pillow. Yeah, and I was all, got, <laughs> got sleepy time, Greg, watching this movie. Sleepy time, Greg. Rebecca, did you watch any of this? I watched the first episode. I watched the first episode. Jake, what did you watch? Uh, just the first episode. Huh. We all were we all were underachievers this episode and watched one episode. Well, uh, honestly, I would have watched I would have watched more i just ran out of time but um yeah that's all i only miss while i watched one. Oh, look at you trying to backpedal trying to make yourself look better <laughs> well, what if i said i had all the time in the world and i refused to watch this show does that make me a shithead maybe yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have all the time in the world a lot of stuff dropped on Friday, and I didn't get the chance to watch any more of this. But I did want to watch the first episode. It's a documentary series following a youth football program in the heart of inner city, East New York, Brooklyn, geared towards 7- through 13-year-old boys. The Brooklyn Saints program is more than a sport. It's a family and a vehicle for opportunity. I love the message of this show. Um, it feels like... You know, not only are, are these, uh, coaches teaching these boys, these, you know, seven through 13 year old boys how to play football, but they're also teaching them how to be men and how to succeed. And they're also giving them life lessons about like how like, you know, education is important. You know, if they get, if, if they get nothing out of doing this, out of playing football, that education, they're there to get these guys, these boys, a free education in the future. If they can make these boys, these, you know, top performing football players, that they can get them a free education, a free ride at a college. That's what they've, that they've done their job. And, uh, I enjoyed this first episode. I want to see where these boys go. I want to see if the, any of these Brooklyn Saints kids make it to Florida for the championship. Um, I'm, you know, it made me think about, some of those uh youth documentaries when it comes to sports that I loved when uh, uh Hoop Dreams is the movie that I'm thinking about. Has anybody seen Hoop Dreams? I have. Yes. I love Hoop Dreams. Hoop it's Dreams. A movie. Hoop Dreams documentary is ever made. It is my I think it's my favorite sports documentary. I've seen it. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Hoop Dreams. Um I got to get through this though cuz like I I got Hoop Dreams I, on the mind when I think about this one. And Rebecca, if you've never seen Hoop Dreams, I don't know where it's streaming right now, but you gotta watch Hoop Dreams. It's so good. Okay. You gotta watch Hoop Dreams. I don't know, it, it, you don't, even if you don't give a fuck about basketball, you gotta watch Hoop Dreams. <laughs> Hoop Dreams is incredible. It's incredible. But, uh, I really enjoyed that we are the Brooklyn Saints. I'm gonna give the first episode a high taste it and I'm gonna continue to watch this one. There's four episodes. I'm gonna watch the next three. What'd you think, guys? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just a regular taste it. I Tupperware what these guys are doing and the whole idea of the Brooklyn Saints and the positive like message they're giving these kids and how much they're emphasizing fun and just, you know, communication. I just, I don't know. This wasn't the doc for me. It just didn't really keep me very entertained. I, I found it a little bit, a little bit slow and a little bit plodding and kind of all over the place. Um, I probably won't continue watching it. Ah, just a fuck. middle of the road taste it. Ah, Greg fell asleep. So what the fuck? Uh, Greg, what, uh, what'd, you, what'd you think when you, before you nodded off into sweepy time, Greg dreamland? Yeah. I, well, I, what I will say is I Tupperware the 
the coaches, the people, I, the, the kids, you know, wonderful kids, you know, mm-hmm. really, really charming. Um, one thing I'll say, you know, just having kids in sports, youth sports is not today what it was when we were kids. There's intense corruption in youth sports that if once you see it as an adult is shocking. I mean, youth sports is in many ways a big business now. Um, a lot of the sort of classic youth experiences that we grew up with, things like Little League, Pop Warner football, it's all about club teams, big money club teams that promise you all sorts of things that your kids will never achieve. Um, so it's good to see good people running a youth sports program that's in the best interests of the kids because they're not all like that anymore. Um, so that's, that's all I'll say. What'd you think? I Tupperware the people. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I, yeah. Rebecca, what'd you think? Um, for me, uh, I, I loved this first episode. Um, I'm actually going to Tupperware the first episode. Oh I, shit. Oh shit. Yeah. Jake. I'm going to, I'm going to Tupperware the first episode. <laughs> Um, I, I think, so I, I, I'm not a parent. I, I've, and I didn't do youth sports when I was younger. So like, I don't have experience, like the inside knowledge, I guess, that like other people might have. Um, but one of the things that I loved about this documentary, and maybe I'm a little bit biased by it, is that they, I, I don't live very far from East New York. So a lot of the places that they filmed at are very familiar to me. Um, so it was, it was, it was, it's, it's nice seeing something happening like within your own neighborhood that you're like, oh my God, I had no idea this was going on because I mean, why would I, I don't have a kid and I wouldn't, en- I, I didn't enroll this child in, 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 in football. But, um, I, I think the message too is absolutely so important here. I mean, some of these kids, they don't, um, they don't get the I love yous and, that's something that really struck me was that these coaches would, you know, they, they give the kids the pep talks and then they'd say, I love you. I love you. And, and I just, I really appreciated that. And it really, it, it, it really, it, it hit me when, when they said that like there was a team that forfeited rather than come to Brooklyn to play because they, they made judgments about Brooklyn and about New York and the inner city. And, and that, that really hit, hit me. Um, and I thought the, that kid, um, Aiden, he had so much personality. I love that, that kid. kid. Oh my God. That kid just had so much personality. I really appreciated the scene where like, where they're like practicing and some other kid like kind of smashes into him a little hard. And, and he like, it kind of knocks the breath out of him. And, and he's like almost crying. He can't catch his breath. Oh, he's and totally full on crying. Yeah, he, he is. You're right. He's full yeah. on crying and he's like, he's doing the, and I can't breathe. <laughs> he's doing that. And, and the coach is like really working with him. Like, it's okay. Relax. Get the helmet off. Put you on. Take a deep breath, and he's like breathing with him, breathing through the nose, out through the mouth. Like he's he's really working with him. He's not he's not telling him stuff like, "Oh, fucking man up and stop crying." Like 
there's none of that toxic masculinity going on. And, and that's something that I really appreciated about this film or about the, about this first episode of, of the docuseries was just these coaches are doing really amazing work with these kids. And it just really touched my heart. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this and I'm, I'm excited to see like how, how it all works out. Yeah. It's not all about like, if you don't fucking make it to the pros, your life's over. It's yeah, about it's like about be, being good, being a good man, being a good yeah. son, being a good brother or whatever and fucking you know, making the, me- the you know, making the best out of this opportunity, use your god-given ability here and maybe, you know, get a free ride, get a free education out of this. I think it, I think like that's the thing. It's like some of these kids like if you watch Hoop Dreams, Hoop Dreams really feels like it's if you, if you don't make it to the NBA, you're not going to make it. And this also it shows like a, there's there's more hope like you like work on your education too that's number one that's number one yeah I, I love that they said like our is to get these kids an, a free education once that happens whatever they do afterwards it's not even important anymore like they just they had to get their goal is to get these boys to college yeah. on a football scholarship beyond that whatever happens it's it's almost like that's not even important it was just to get them to an education and i i they know know the odds are stacked against them 100 percent. these kids have the odds stacked against them um and and like even when they went out like to long island like to massapequa to to play i mean those are middle to upper class neighborhoods in Long Island and they go out there and like the field is beautiful and yeah. it's well taken care of and it's 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 clearly a neighborhood that has the funds to do that and then they come back home to Brooklyn and they're playing in the middle of the projects with like gates all around them and concrete and and buildings and it's a completely different experience and it's just it, it it really really touched my heart. I thought it was such a beautiful story, and I I, I just want to watch the rest of it and like see what these kids do. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's called uh, We Are the Brooklyn Saints. It's a four part docu series. It's on Netflix. I think it's definitely worth people's time watching this one. I really do. Unlike Jake, who said he's never going to go back to it. <laughs> Greg, who's asleep right now? Yeah, no shit. No, I, I, I'm fully awake. I just during the show fell asleep. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back with the pop culture leftovers news. Awesome. Hey, we are back. It is now time for the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. And before we jump into the news, I got a question. I got a question for you. It's ready. I'm gonna pose this question. If you were a cannibal, who would you rather eat? 
John Hamm or Kevin Bacon? Mm, I, I'm going to say John Hamm just because I, I, I think younger meat would taste better. Yeah, I Kevin Bacon looks a little stringy. I think John Hamm would be would be better. Everything goes better with bacon. <laughs> what if you ate John Hamm wrapped in Kevin Bacon? No, the question is who would you rather eat, John Hamm or Kevin Bacon? It's not an amalgamation. Not amalgamation of the two, Rebecca. You're trying okay. to find trying to trying to find a loophole. Trying to loophole Rebecca is what we call her this episode. <laughs> trying to find that loophole. Not, not Greg, I haven't heard from you. Who would you rather eat? John Hamm or Kevin Bacon? If you were look- said cannibal. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture, a page six picture of John Hamm in a bathing suit with his girlfriend. And as I learned in the movie Alive, you always want to start by eating the person's ass cheek because that's the best meat. That's where all the muscle is. You just shave slices off the ass. And he is kind of a, a flat, flat ass. So I would eat Kevin Bacon. Oh, man. It would be more nourishing than John Hamm would be. Me and you, sir, are eating, eating from yeah. the ass of Kevin Bacon, sir. <laughs> If I'm going to eat ass, I'm going to get some nutrients from it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. I want those. I want the. I want the. I want those nitrates that are in Kevin Bacon's ass. Yeah. yeah. I want all the ass nitrates from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the weirdest hypothetical question you've ever asked. Fuck you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I bet calf meat is tough because John Hamm has nice calves, but I bet that's like dark meat and chicken. Let me throw throw this out there. Who would you rather eat, John Hamm, Kevin Bacon, or Porkins from Star Wars? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Porkins is already cooked, so it would be really easy. (laughs) Jake likes Porkins for the convenience. (laughs) I'm still going with Kevin Bacon. I uh, I checked my mail while we were on break because I was expecting a shipment to come in. I'm doing a new uh, soap <laughs> soap subscription. They send me they send me soaps in the mail. Soap of the month club. Yeah, I get like a, I get three different bars of soap every uh, every quarter. So every four months, I get three different bars of soap. I got what did I got here. I got bay rum. This is from Doctor Squatch. Men's net. Doctor Chotch, what? Doctor. <laughs> Doctor. That, that must be some interesting smelling soap from Doctor Chotch. No, it's not Doctor <laughs> Chotch. It's Doctor Squatch. And I got uh, it's like a, like a Sasquatch. It's I got uh, bay rum, pine tar, and gold moss. What? And it, it smells like. Have you ever wondered what Jacob Harmon would smell like? I don't have to wonder. I've smelled them. I know. Yeah, me I've too. Them too. Yeah. Well, he smell, he smells like these bars of soaps. God damn it! <laughs> Are these soaps you can't get in a like in a store? You cannot get these in the store. You have to. Like, this is subscription soap. You have to fucking subscribe to it. So like, I pay like I think it's like twenty bucks every fucking four months, and I get mm-hmm. three, I get two soaps that I choose, and then they throw me, and then I chose to throw in like a a random soap of their ah. choice that they send like- me. Like to live dangerously, huh? I like, dude. I like to live my life dangerously, sir. I'm fuck. I, you know what I mean? I, uh, you know, I'm like uh, one of those Top Gun guys. Live life on the edge or something. Is that? 
<laughs> do they do, does Dr. Squash do body wash? I don't really do the bar anymore. I do the, I do the body wash. Oh, like the uh the lotion? Like the the yeah. the, the liquid body wash? Yeah. I, I don't think they do, Jake. Mm, I'm out. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I like dude, I like to hold something in my hand. You know what I mean? I don't you know what I mean? Fucking putting that body wash in your hand just feels like you jerked off in your fucking palm. I want to hold a bar of soap, a manly bar of soap. I want to grip it with my fucking man hands and rub that shit all over my dick. (laughs) My bottle says man on the bottle, though, if I'm ever confused. I I like Old Spice body wash because it makes me smell like my grandpa. Yeah. That's that's sweet. It's sweet and weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little weird. It is a little, dude, dude, yeah, it's a little weird. I'm also hoping to score really old women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg the Gilf Hunter. Exactly. Then take out their dentures and start nibbling me with their gums. Oh, so I just just gum the fuck out of my dick right now. Gum it. Just gum it. Take those dentures out and just gum yeah. my penis. She'll tell me I smell like a, no, a seasoned old sailor. That's yeah. exactly what I smell like. Uh, I'm gonna That's s- right, Grandma. I'm gonna and then s- she'll make me a pie when she's done. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's see- not a chauvinistic thing, Rebecca. It's I'm just gonna- a nice no, thing to do for me. I mean, there, there's a lot of things I think about uh, that when you said that, but I really didn't think it was chauvinistic. No. Like, if, if I was taking advantage of an elderly woman, well, first of all, I wouldn't do that. But in a hypothetical world in which I was in a relationship with an elderly woman who made me a pie, I would totally cut her lawn or something just to make it – just to even it out. I mean mm-hmm. I, I assume you would be asking the the older lady co- for complete consent. I am assuming there's total – Absolutely. Both sides. So I'm not what really – What the worried. fuck? What kind of podcast you on remember Greg's yeah. raping old women? <laughs> what kind of podcast do you think this is, Rebecca? I think the kind of podcast where we talk about – old ladies gumming your dick apparently so i don't know know where your mind meant i meant maybe like my neck or my shoulder blade you know i was a little being a little more tender about it (laughs) brian did straight up say gumming the dick dick, there's no take backs greg no no your breath smells like alka-seltzer nice (laughs) oh my god (laughs) this is a non-elderly woman rape free zone people like we're not i do not condone that at all that's fucked up of course it's consensual old lady sex (laughs) sex it's like instead of murder she wrote it's sex she wrote only women you bang and then you they knit you a sweater when they're done lands angela lands bury my dick in that vagina (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> I'd like the old Italian women. I'd be eating their meatballs and stuff like that after. Mm. <laughs> is, cigarette in bed with my- is that a metaphor? No, no. I, I, I'm I'm an Italian man. I like meatballs. Okay. All right. News from Deadline. <laughs> News from Deadline. Uh, MGM sets Lovecraft Country's Misha Green to write, direct next Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander reprising. As Laura Croft, MGM has set to uh, set Misha Green, Misha Green, to write and make her feature directorial debut on the next Tomb Raider, which has Alicia Vikander set to reprise her role as Laura Croft. Uh, Green steps up here after creating 
and directing Lovecraft Country, the breakout HBO series that stars Journey Smollett, Jonathan Majors, and Michael Kenneth Williams. Honestly, I watched the first uh, Tomb Raider movie. I enjoyed half of it. I only think that this movie, this director, Misha Green, um, I only think that this makes the announcement that much better, to be quite honest with you, because, you know, I've, I've only seen, you know, a few episodes of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. I haven't finished the series, but, um, I don't know. I just have a lot more faith in her doing this movie than I would, you know, any other fucking bullshit director. I, I hopefully she has some sort of attachment to Tomb Raider and I'm hoping she can make she can do something with this because man, I I felt like half of that movie was good and half of it was just like come on. Mm-hmm. So, I'm hoping she does a great job with this. So, I I think it's good news. I really do. I think it's good news. Yeah, I never saw the the first one, so yeah, I don't know. I'll probably never see the second one. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that insight. <laughs> I'm glad that Jake was the first one to chime in on this story. <laughs> but ironically, even though Jake won't see it, he'll still give it a review. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had I'm good for that. I still had to listen to his bullshit opinion. Um, <laughs> did, did any, do, does anyone else have any thoughts on this other than Jake? I mean, I think it's definitely good news. I, I did that, 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 the first Tomb Raider movie, what, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't, it was like, okay. Most of it was, I feel like they wasted Walton Goggins in that movie. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like they wasted the whole, once they fucking started to get to like the puzzles and shit, mm-hmm. it wasn't fun. It didn't feel like like yeah. the, it, it, I felt like once they got to like the the tomb and the puzzles and all that shit, like I watched Escape Room, which did that so much better. Which mm. is sad when you have a movie like Tomb Ra- a franchise like Tomb Raider, where you think like the puzzles are supposed to be amazing and fun to watch and figure out and to see how like she gets through everything. They missed the ball on that, and that's yeah. where my biggest problem is with that movie. I think it started off great and finished terribly. And I hope that Misha Green can bring something to this that the first director did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, th- I hope so. But it's I mean it's I I think it's I think it's it's de- it's definitely good news. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jake would agree, he, but he won't watch. I, dude, what the fuck, Jake? Why did you even speak up? <laughs> I don't know. Just as a kind of a anti Tomb Raider, it's like it's a fucking Tomb Raider movie, dear lord. Yeah, uh, Didn't they learn the first two bad movies? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Those are terrible. Is this really like a franchise that is like held on such a pedestal that we need a fourth movie based on it? All right, Jake. All right. You, well, what's the... They can't even make good Tomb Raider games anymore. Who cares about a good Tomb Raider movie? Jake is mad that this even made the news this episode. I know. News from Dark Horizons. I'm not mad, but you know. Jake is indifferent. It's all right. Just admit it if you're mad at Brian. You can. I, <laughs> it's okay. Everybody's been mad at me this episode. I have not been. Greg, you're the only one. 
Oh, fucking sucko. Oh, I really love you, Brian. All right, calm down, Greg. Well, I like Brian. Brian, a fucking no. I need seriously. I need all the fans I can fucking get. Yeah, I ain't got shit. Everybody, I don't need your, I don't need your sass. Everybody's that, fucking gumming. Oh, everybody's gumming Jake's dick. <laughs> everybody's fucking got their fucking gums slobbing on his knob. Yeah, I'm the big problem on these fucking episodes. <laughs> I got to hear about this shit all the fucking time. I don't know. I like PCL, but if they get rid of Brian, I'll like it much, that much more. <laughs> <laughs> News from Dark Horizons. Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter. We'll be talking about Tomb Raider 3. That's <laughs> no, I'll never bring up Tomb Raider again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> News from Dark Horizons. Harry Potter TV series in the works. Uh, a live action Harry Potter TV series is in early development at HBO Max, reports a live feed. No writers or talent are currently attached to the project, though talks have reportedly been underway with several already. There is no word as to either what the focus of the series will be or in what period of the timeline it will occur, as talks are still in early exploratory stages. I love these announcements where it's like, we're going to do this thing, but we don't know fucking dick about it. Yeah, this this headline really blew me away. It was all over the place. It was like literally zero information. Yeah. We don't know shit. We don't know if the fucking transphobic creator of this fucking thing is going to be involved. We have no idea. <laughs> we, don't, we have no clue. So, yeah, they don't know. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. I love Harry Potter. I'm not a big fan of J.K. Rowling as of as of late, to be quite honest with you. I hope she's not involved in the project. If she's not involved with the project, I'll be 100% on board. Um... Other than that, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, not- nah, fuck you, Jake. I, not you first. You killed the last one. <laughs> well, I've seen that. Seriously, seriously, seriously. You fucking, you killed the last thing that we talked about. The last person I want to hear about first, about this news is you. I'm going to go to Greg, somebody that likes me. Greg. Uh, thank you, Brian. I... I, uh, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan. I have nothing against Harry Potter. Um, it's fine. Um, so this is Warner Brothers, right? Yes. That, yes. Yeah. HBO, it's going to be so, an HBO Max series. Yeah. So I, is this news just, you kind of alluded to this. Is it like we have this streaming service, we have this property, find some way to make it a show? A hundred percent. A hundred fucking percent. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it, it makes sense. And look, you know, I think, the Harry Potter world is very expandable. It, it, you know, we've already seen that with Fantastic Beasts. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not a big Harry Potter guy, so I have no specific excitement from this, but it'll make HBO a shitload of money. You think about CBS All Access, which is going to be Paramount, Paramount Plus starting March 5th, I believe. They've got Star Trek. You think about Disney. They've got Marvel. They've got Star Wars. Well, well, HBO Max, what do they have? Well, they've got Game of Thrones, and they've got Harry Potter. Like those are the and two, DC. and DC. Those are the big things that they've got. So, like that's what they've got to come out swinging with here. Rebecca, a Soprano spinoff. I, I bet you within a few years, <laughs> dude. What what happened to that Sopranos movie? Did that that's ever happen? Happening. They just released photos this week of uh, 
Gandolfini's son playing young Tony Soprano. Okay. I, did, I didn't know that that was still in the works, man. I hadn't heard about that in a long time. Rebecca, what are your thoughts on a Harry Potter TV series? I mean, much like Greg, I'm I'm not really a big Harry Potter fan. I've I finally like sat down and watched all the movies. Um, uh, I'm going to be completely honest here. I, I don't see. How, uh, I'm not a fan of giving J.K. Rowling any of my money. So um, I'm not going to. I I can't imagine me watching this. Um, even if she's not involved in the process, I mean, it is her IP. So. I'm sure she'll, you know, make obviously money on this. For for people who are like for people who are excited for this, I'm excited for them to watch it, but like <laughs> this is not something I'm going to watch. Okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> See, it wasn't just me that ruined it this time. Sorry. I should no, I should have I actually Here's the thing. I should have started with Jake and I I've, I've <laughs> I'm here's the thing. I'll be like I I'm not a fan of her outspoken views on tr- the transgender community. I'm going to start off with that. I hate it. I absolutely I want her to shut the fuck up. No, but terrible. she's a, she's a turf bitch. But I absolutely love the Harry Potter franchise. I can say that here's the fucked up thing. Like I love like I can still go back and like love Bill Cosby himself watching that comedy special, the Cosby show, but it's tainted now. It's all tainted. It's all tainted with like these evil things that these people have done and said, and that sucks. But like, if we can somehow get like what I think is like this amazing world that this shit human being has created and not have the shit human being involved in this, then I I'm I'm I definitely would love to explore this world more. I love Harry Potter movies. I I do. I love the Harry Potter movies. I love this magic. I love this world that that J.K. Rowling has created. I'm not I, I'm gonna get on here and praise the world that she's created. I'm not praising it's not like I'm getting on here and saying like, oh my god, I love J.K. Rowling's views uh about trans transgender people fuck that she's fucking a terrible human being for all these things that she's saying it's terrible i gotta tell you this story i totally missed it and i'm reading her comments now and my god yeah right how did you miss this i don't know maybe i was busy maybe i was busy watching shit about fucking grandma porn (laughs) yeah um no but i i'm stunned that that she would Voice, there's this totally unnecessary to even say why this. exactly why 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 would you do this why would you say this shut Especially up when you know what your fan base is like it's odd like the whole story seems to be about inclusion in, in many ways and then you go yeah. and say this kind of shit oh god yeah, she's and, and and like for her to say things like oh if if a transgender woman it, it uh, tr- transgender women take take away from um, like biologically women their their struggle in their story um no it doesn't it completely does not i mean it's it's i i'm oh gosh she she did create an incredible world that a lot of people love. I know I'm in the minority that I'm not a fan of it. A lot of that has to do with the fact of like it's so heavy on the magic stuff, and that's just not my thing um and it, it saddens me that 
that her comments have the potential and and the ability to taint the product because it is so beloved by so many people and people grew people grew up reading the books and it was a huge part of their childhood and then the movies and all that and i think it's a terrible shame for everybody that grew up loving that property i don't even, i don't even think um, we could talk about this everybody hates everybody, you know what i mean it's hard to even talk about like a harry potter tv series without separating the fact that the fucking uh the creator's a bigot and and you know the thing it's is it's fucked up it's I've fucked up because people... it's fucked up it is. I agree. And I've seen people online really trying to separate it and say, I love the Harry Potter world, um, but I don't condone or even agree or agree with what J.K. Rowling is, has said and continues to say because she just keeps doubling down on every terrible thing she's saying. Um, and I, my, my heart breaks for people that are in this position of like, I want to watch more of this world because I love it. But I don't. I'm raising. I'm one of those people, Rebecca. I know you are, and 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 it saddens me that. I mean, can you imagine if like tomorrow it it, it was revealed that like I don't know if Op- hey, if, if 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 Optimus Prime came out and said that he hated black people, I'd be fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I no, no seriously no. that that would be fucked up for me because I love I love Transformers. Absolutely. I love Optimus Prime and I fucking love people of all races and colors and fucking from every background. And for Optimus Prime to come out and be a fucking bigot and racist, I'd be like, what the fuck? I'm out of here. What the fuck is going on with Optimus Prime right now? This robot has lost his fucking circuits. His circuits are fucked up. <laughs> circuits are all fucked up. That's a, it's yeah. fucked up. It's fine. Cause I, I, Jake, Jake, I'll be honest. I love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I love I'm the fuck, same way. I'm the I love same way. I love Alan Rickman's performances in those movies. Jake, I remember. I rem- Jake, I know for a fact that you were fucking in line to get those books when they fucking came out. Oh yeah, I was yeah, dude. I was it fucking sucks how much it's been tainted. I was fucking going to the. I was going. I was going to the uh, B Dalton bookstore, and uh, I was sitting down and reading these books. In the B. Dalton every week. You know, I, of course, I bought them, but like I was going there to read these books and shit, you know, and uh, I love, I love, but I, you know, this breaks my heart that this comes from somebody who I, who I once respected, you know, you're talking about like a single mother who is going yeah, to this yeah, like, single, a single mother you know. that goes to a coffee shop and she starts to create this world. And then all of a sudden this, this, these, these, these books take off that yeah. from this single mother who went through like this, this bad marriage and these books take off and it just elevates her career. And then she uses her position of power to come down on people. And it makes me sick. And, and, and like, like I, you know what? Like I, you know, I, I kind of halfway knew that like that's where this conversation was going to go, but. <sighs> it's yeah it's like you know whatever you can have what your opinion is but you would think you would know your audience and if that's your opinion you would just clam the fuck up shut and the not fuck up tweeting about it yeah no Jake. one would have ever suspected you're you're fine having that opinion but i guess she's being a, a champion for fucking women by having that opinion that she has what do we do what do we do jake do we boycott this new harry potter tv series i, really- I mean 
No, I mean, it's it's on HBO Max, which makes the whole thing a little bit easier. It's on a service I'm already paying for. I don't think she's going to make any additional money from each additional stream that happens. You know, there's no stream incentive bonus that she's going to get. So I'm not going to feel too guilty about checking this out. I just feel bad for, you know, I'm sure there are trans fans of Harry Potter that are deeply hurt. Sure. Um, like I, oh, they are. Looking at the comments myself, I, you know, it, it's uh, really a shame. Yeah. It fucking sucks, man. Cause I fucking, I love this world. I love those books. I remember reading these books back to back to back to back to back. I, I remember reading these books and loving these books, fall in love with these characters and, um, just being like, every time she fucking says something, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Harry Potter's kind of one of the first things that bonded me and Michelle, you know, uh, that was like the, one of the first things we talked about and one of the first like fandoms we shared. And yeah. we talked about that a lot too. And both of us want to play the new like open world Hogwarts video game that's going to be coming out later this year. And we both kind of talked about it. Like, I think we're just going to buy it used because then someone else has already given her the money and we can give all the profit to a fucking GameStop or something and just right. buy a used copy. Yeah. So at least it's not one more tick on her box because unlike the HBO Max thing, I think she will get an incentive bonus for copies of that game sold. Here's what I think about everything. There's a lot of other people that were involved in those movies in a lot of those productions that don't have the same views as the no, creator. God bless them. They've spoken out against it, too. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, Emma they, Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, all the big stars have very disowned her. Vocal. Good they've for them. very vocal about it. Good for them. There's still, you know what? I mean, there's still some beauty in this series that's come out of it. And uh, it's just, it's a damn shame that the creator has to be um, a bigot and a piece of shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was disappointed that Eddie Redmayne kind of uh, backed her up because, of course, he doesn't want to say anything too awful since he's going to be in a, another Fantastic Beast yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he also didn't have a problem in a role as a trans woman, uh, so I, I I don't want to I, I don't want to stir it up more. But uh, he's yeah, I, I'm not surprised that he said it. His his history with that sort of stuff, but. Yeah, and, he, and he's going to be in the next movie, so he's going to be company man, and he's going to, you know, at, try to come out in support of her. But I just, I don't know. I'm I'm speaking as a woman that I, I'm I'm speaking as a woman saying trans women and their experiences take nothing away from my experience as a woman. We are all women, so it, it takes nothing away from my experience. And and anybody who says otherwise is a fucking asshole. More news from Dark Horizons. Yeah, no, I. It, I know it's like how, how do you transition from it's, that? It's a I, fucked I up. It's just fucked up. It's just fucked up because it's like I am a fan of Harry Potter, but I'm not a fan of like all this. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's you're a not fuck, a fan of bigotry. I'm not a fan of bigotry. I'm not a fan of the position that she's put us in as no, fans of like shitty. like of her. And I'm not going to take anything away from her creatively. She's got an amazing imagination she's an amazing storyteller but my god shut the fuck up 
I'm trying to think of what I would feel like if like George Lucas came out and said he hated Italians. Right. Yeah. I, I hate I hate Italians. I'm trying to do my George Lucas. <laughs> you were fine with George Lucas coming out and saying he hated Asian people though. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't want him to hate anybody, but it just it would be devastating. Oh god, you know? please Optimus Prime, don't just don't just think before you speak, Optimus. That's all I'm saying. Optimus, don't fuck this up for me. Uh, Dark Horizons, Jeff Nichols, Alien Nation lives on. Jake, we reported on this years ago, this Alien Nation. Yeah. Several years ago came the news that celebrated Take Shelter, Mud, and Midnight Shelter director Jeff Nichols was set to direct and pen and direct a remake of the 1988 sci-fi racial allegory buddy cop thriller Alien Nation. Well regarded at the time, James Kahn started in the original as a racist cop who is uh, forced to team with a new partner, a member of an alien race who is one on a ship carrying 300,000 alien refugees, which crashed here years ago before with the newcomers assimilating into Los Angeles life. The film was successful enough to spawn a TV series. Then the project stalled in 2019 when Disney, having fully acquired 20th Century Fox by that time effectively gutted Fox's development slate, scrapping all but a handful of films. Nearly two years uh, later, Nichols revealed he is ready to give it another go, this time in the form of a 10-episode limited series at Disney-owned 20th Century Studios. Speaking on the Team Deacons podcast, Jake, he wasn't on our podcast talking about this, man. That's fucked up. Yeah, we turned him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, can I talk about it in your podcast? And we were like, no, dude, go to fucking Team Deacons. Talk about this shit. <laughs> I remember that. That never happened. I, that never happened. He he went to a much better podcast. He probably got... <laughs> no, we offered him 76 cents, but he said no. Yeah, yeah. Nichols, Nichols and cinematographer Adam Stone were asked if they'd ever work in the TV realm when Stone revealed how Alien Nation had morphed into a miniseries, which, quote, can be really flexible for expanding the script, bringing new characters. Nichols then confirmed it and explained what happened. He said, we spent three years building up an entire alien civilization in this setup and all the characters. We were set to make it as our next big challenge, a $100 million studio film then disney bought fox and killed it which is a little soul crushing to say the least they came in and asked if i would be interested in turning it into a series potentially so i have taken the script and broken it into 10 episodes and it's under consideration right now who knows the powers that be are deciding that that suggests that even if they move forward we're still several years from seeing it Nichols became attached to a spinoff of the Quiet Place franchise late last year and is still developing a Yankee Commandant adaptation with Adam Driver to star. So, yeah, this guy's busy with other things, but it looks like um, the Alien Nation movie that he was considering doing for Fox is now becoming a possible 10-episode series, which could air on who knows what the fuck. 
But I remember yeah. watching the James Conn movie. I remember watching the Alien Nation TV series. Jake, this is a franchise that I really enjoyed. I think, it, and I think, I do think that they can kind of like update this with like what's going on today. Um, you gotta think about this. James Conn played, they say he's a racist, but like, in all honesty, he's a speciesist because he's against aliens and he's first, he's the first human cop that's teamed up with the first alien cop. So one of these aliens, one of these alien refugees that land in LA becomes a cop, uh, a police officer and is teamed up with James Kahn. And I thought it was such an interesting concept. Jake, of course you remember that they're one of their, they're stronger than humans, but like their weakness is salt water. Yes. So salt water kills them. And, uh, I loved the movie and I, I really enjoyed the TV series. I believe it was on Fox. It was. And I'm, I think Jeff Nichols is the right guy to do this. And man, I still want this to happen. No, I, I agree. And I, I honestly think a 10 episode TV series is a better platform for it than a movie. I think it is the type of story that works better in long form storytelling like that. So I'm kind of excited by this news. If, if we were going to wait for it, I'm glad that this is what came from it. Uh, Greg, Rebecca, do you have any history with alienation? Yeah, I remember seeing the movie and I watched the TV show, which was probably what the early nineties, something like that. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. Late, um, late maybe late eighties. May okay. I don't may, probably definitely early nineties. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, this is one of those weird situations where my mind actually went to Bright, which I did not think was a particularly good movie, but a, a recent attempt to do something similar with a different spin that wasn't very good. And uh, just obviously hoping they do a better job, but certainly a lot of sort of current material to to reference. Um, yeah, it should be interesting. Rebecca, did you watch? Did you watch Alienation? Do you remember this one? I know you're a big Star Trek fan. I don't know. I don't know if this ever like was on your radar. Oh yeah, for sure. I did watch the movie. I watched some of the show, but to be honest, like I never revisited it. So it's like. I do remember the show and I do remember the movie and I know that I liked it, but I don't remember like key points and stuff. I, I'd have to go back and watch it again. I mean, I, I think I, I like this news because I do enjoy science fiction. And I do enjoy science fiction stories. Um, it, it, it makes me want to go back and rewatch that, that movie again and like kind of uh, remind myself why I liked it and, and even seek out that, that, uh, TV show. I, I think it's. I think it's definitely good news. I mean, it, I, I think it would be great to get more science fiction content. And I think overall, Alien Nation was one of those things that I think a lot of people really like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't. Was it that the TV show just didn't like recapture the movie and and people fell off of it or. I, I don't even remember. It just never like, got good rate. It just never got great ratings. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, Fox was still I mean, pretty fledgling in 1989. And- sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 80, 89, I was definitely more into – I was watching TNG at that point. The movie then, came out – It just started up. So. The movie came out in 1988. You can watch it. You can rent it on Redbox, Apple, Amazon, all for like two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Oh. Uh, the TV series is not so accessible. 
Uh, you can buy the first season on Apple TV, Amazon, and Voodoo. I'm not sure of the prices, but yeah. Um, Jeff Nichols, I think, is the right guy to do this. I would love to see Je- Jeff Nichols behind this. And I think, like, I honestly think uh, this could be really good. I think there's a lot to work with here. We'll see. I agree. Yeah, yeah. News from Screen Rant. HBO Max is in the early stages of development on an adult animated Game of Thrones show as part of HBO's plans to expand the franchise. An adult animated Game of Thrones show is in development for HBO Max. George R.R. Martin's Fantasy World found a new level of popularity throughout the 2010s as HBO turned Game of Thrones into one of the world's biggest shows. The series successfully... Uh, the series' success inevitably led, H- led to HBO seeking more ways to stay in the rich storytelling world, especially as Game of Thrones approached its eighth and final season. And even Game of Thrones' last season proved to be quite divisive. That hasn't stopped HBO from mining the universe for more content. The expansion of the Game of Thrones world begins in 2022 with the launch of a prequel series, House of the Dragon. Guys, you got to understand, like, I've already seen commercials on TV touting HBO Max, all the movies, all the shows, and then at the end of the commercials, they're saying HBO's House of Dragon, House of the Dragon, to launch in 2022. That's, what the fuck? They're talking about summer of 2022, launching House of the Dragon on Game of Thrones commercials on HBO Max right now. They know that people are we're suckers for Game of Thrones. They know that like this could be their bread and butter. They're saying subscribe to HBO Max now because in 2022 you're going to get all new Game of Thrones. And now they're even talking about an animated series which we know nothing about. We don't know when it's set. We don't know who's going to star as voice actors in this. We know nothing about this. We haven't even seen concept art of like what this show could look like. But I want to know your thoughts. Animated adult Game of Thrones coming to HBO Max is in plans. Jake, I know that like you're one of the few people that actually enjoyed the eighth and final season of Game of Thrones. What are your thoughts on, uh, that's and- correct. I am that freak. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about an animated series. I think it lends itself to explore some of the more fantastical stuff in that universe that you kind of wanted to shy away from in the live action shows. You know, you can get heavier with the dragons and get he- heavier with the, fantasy element i think more belongs on the animated side so i think it, it could be a really interesting companion to the story and you could do some really like some things that you couldn't do in a live action show that wouldn't be as accessible doing that way so i will definitely tune in for the first episode of this i don't know about that man i feel like game of thrones has earned that budget to where they can do anything in live action i i agree but the show excelled i think when it was more human in nature i think the show excelled when it actually had fucking source material to base the story off of (laughs) oh well no argument there that's when I think the show excelled. I know. I'm being very, uh, uh, 
Listen, my favorite season is season four. Mine, mine as well. That's what hooked me, Jake. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. I, I'm not going to beat the drum that season eight is the best that Game of Thrones had to offer because it was not. Um, did I absolutely hate it? No, not at all. I got to ask you this, Jake, and I'm not doing this to fucking call you out. I fucking love you, dude. Season eight. Did you like it that much more just because you loved the fucking series and you wanted it to fucking end? Well, did you, you did you in your mind, did you will it to be better than you actually think that it is? And I'm not trying to call you out. I wasn't the biggest fan of the, um, I liked the final season more than I liked the final episode. I thought the final episode was probably the weakest of the final season. Um, Earlier on in the season, I think a lot of people's biggest problem was the um, Daenerys turn and, um, you know, acting like that just came out of nowhere. And honestly, I think even from the books and from the seasons based on the books that the the seeds were planted for that Daenerys turn. It never felt like this like sure. giant swerve that couldn't have feasibly ever happened. And I thought people were way too harsh. I, I think people had at that point named their kid Daenerys and. Maybe they shouldn't have named their kid after a fictional character whose story hadn't ended yet is the problem, not what the writers decided to do with that character. Maybe those kids um, turn out to be assholes, and so it's justified. Exactly, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think I willed myself to like it. I actually um, disliked the season before that didn't have source material more than I disliked the last season i'll be honest with you i was one of those people that i felt like i watched game of thrones season eight with the same fucking nostalgia glasses that i watched the phantom menace with and i liked it more when i watched it and then the more time that i've spent away from game of thrones season eight and the more time that i've had to think about it the less i enjoy it and the less that I ever want to return to it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, episode one, I fucking love that still, too. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Greg, do you have any thoughts on Game of Thrones animated adult uh, uh, series coming to HBO Max? You know, I think it's just the question of how much enthusiasm is there for Game of Thrones. And I think we're going to find out. I mean, there's obviously a really loyal fan base of book readers outside of just the the folks who like the TV show. Um, I have to say just one thing on the final season of Game of Thrones. I don't remember which episode it was, but the, the episode in which they spend most of the time, like the night before the big battle, a big battle, um, and it's just characters talking to each other, knowing that, thinking that they're probably going to die the next day. I thought that was a really good episode. Um, I that had was, that was I think, I think that yeah. that was my favorite of the last season. Me too. And I had the same awkward feelings about the final season. Um, it didn't diminish, you know, if they come out with a new the new show, an animated show, whatever. I'm there watching it as soon as it's out. You know, I just don't know if I'll ever have the same enthusiasm knowing that um, I didn't hate the final season. It just was, yeah, it was okay. I don't know if I'll ever have the same enthusiasm for Game of Thrones that I used to have. Dude, it's no, it's it's like for me, it's like Game of Thrones started off as, as one of these like uh, these amazing shows. And I felt like we deserved so much more than what we got in that final season. Yeah. I really feel like as fans, we deserve so much more. I go back to think about, and it's not the only show that ended on like a, 
You know what I mean? Like, there's been a lot of shows that just end, and you're just like, what the fuck? I've been watching this for how many seasons, and that's how it ends? Like, I was expecting a Breaking Bad level. Maybe I wasn't. After season seven, to be quite honest with you, I was really worried about what we got in season eight. And... I don't know. Like, I honestly don't think, I don't think George R. R. Martin's ever going to fucking come out with that final book. I really, he doesn't it's not, need it's not even the final book that's next. Like he, he still has winds of winter has been like ready to come out since season fucking three was airing. Like he, what the fuck dude? He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to, right? I mean, he's made his money. It doesn't matter. He doesn't need to even come out with anything more. I feel like he's going to die and then someone will finally finish this series. I'll finish it. If anybody wants, you know, I'll just take a crack at it. I don't want to read about grandma fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, are you looking forward to an animated adult Game of Thrones coming to HBO Max? I would watch it. I would at least watch the first episode. Um, I'm definitely in the camp of the final season just being a, a real letdown on a lot of things. Um, yeah, I, I it was so rushed and I was just – Cersei did not get her real comeuppance to me in that last season. And I hate what they did to Bran. I absolutely – I will die on that hill. I hate what they did with her and Jamie. Um Having said that, though, there is a lot to that whole series that I really enjoyed and loved. I mean, I, I, we've talked about it before, but, like, the Battle of the Bastards, I mean, you put that up against, like, Lord of the Rings Battle at Helm's Deep, and uh, uh, gun to my head, I couldn't choose which one I thought was the better was the better battle. I can't. Helm's, awesome. Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. I don't know, but I, it's so, to me, they're like almost on the same level. They're like, good. They're, so it's, good. it's really good. It's really good. I'm not going to fucking knock it. It's really fucking good. Right. But like, be, I mean, I think Star Trek has had some really good success with doing an animated show, what they did with Lower Decks. Um, that's a really, you, Entry into that franchise. Yeah, but th- this is completely different as far as like I, as when I think of adult anime. Yeah, I know you know this. I know you're not ignorant to that. I don't think that they're gonna fucking make. They're gonna be all jokes when it comes to this Game of Thrones, right? No, I no, I get that. But like, what I'm saying is that I think the I think the Game of Thrones franchise is looking to expand in different ways and you know they have this other show that they're going to do the other live action show that they're planning that takes place like what a thousand years before or yeah, whatever House of the Dragon um, right uh, to go now into this animated stuff it almost seems like the next logical step if you want to push boundaries and do new things with your franchise I w- am intrigued enough Watch the first episode and see what they do with it. They I need to take. They need to take the care that Marvel has taken. That excuse me, that Disney has taken with the Mandalorian. To be quite honest with you, they need to take. That's a great point. That is, that is a great point. They, I agree with you on that. That they do have to have to do that because there is a large part of the fan base that is pissed about that last season. I yeah. mean, I've seen people say like, I'll never watch anything. I'll never go back and watch anything Game of Thrones again. And and I, 
for me, I would go back and still watch, you know, Game of Thrones. I can't. I can't. Time. I I'm one of those people that can't. I I like I love those I first it. I love like the first 5 6 seasons of Game of Thrones. I to get me to go back and watch it as a complete story with 7 and 8, I just can't do it because I get that. I completely understand. And here here's the thing. I watched that. those I watched seasons 2, 3 and 4, Rebecca, within a span of weeks, like maybe 2 weeks mm-hmm. and uh I was like, by season four, I was hooked. I was just like, oh my god, this is one of the best shows ever made. Oh no, I, I, the, the, the same thing for me. I binged a lot of Game of Thrones when I finally like got into it, and then like I caught up, and then I was watching it week to week. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I, I, I had like a very similar experience. I, I would just say I'm intrigued enough by this to at least watch the first episode and see how it is. I mean, if it's shit, it's shit. But if it's interesting and if it's a good story, then I'm gonna watch it. But I would at least, oh, for God. me, would at least watch that first episode. I get it. I is get it? it. I get it. But what if we're la- what if what if they just shit on us again? Oh well, no! Any chance this animated series is an anthology? I we, wonder. Wait, like any chance? Yes, I, there, there's definitely a chance. We we really know nothing about this, Greg. You know how they were like? I know we ended up with um, House of the Dragon, but at one point, weren't they examining like six different pilots or something? Yes, some yes, and they've already they've already scrapped like at least at least that I know of. They've scrapped two of them. Yeah, I mean, it just I'd be curious. It's just to get a, a wonder: is this like a a testing ground for new ideas and maybe a way to use some of those old ideas without? to have a crazy budget what i don't want this to be is try to correct what they fucking fucked up in season seven and eight (laughs) yeah that's what i don't want it to be i don't want it to be this companion to try to fucking justify the bullshit that we got in seven and eight and jake i know you'll agree you'll you'll disagree with me statement is going to be to get as far away from the george R. R. martin stuff as possible Uh, as far as away from the, I, I think it's a mission statement to get as far as away from the fucking, uh, uh, the two guys that were in charge. What was it? What was those two guys? Oh, D and D. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a they're, mission statement to get away from Star Wars from, trilogy disappeared too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not doing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll watch it. I'll watch it too. I'm with Rebecca here. I'm, Rebe- I'm I- with Rebecca on this one. I'll watch the first episode. I think as long as they create a more diverse writing room, I think this show has the potential to do a to do a lot. And we know nothing about it. Obviously, it's just like we're going to do an animated show in two years. Like, oh, okay, that's great. But like, get some women in the writing room, get some people of color in the writing room, and not just have a bunch of white guys. Hmm, I wonder how Daenerys would react. Maybe we could actually, maybe we could ask like an actual woman. Nah, that's okay. We'll just make it up. Like, get some women in there, get some people of color in there, and give us a really good story for Game of Thrones. There's a lot to explore in that world, and they could do it right, but you've got to have better writing if you're if you're gonna go off book yeah yeah i think we got well i'm in in total agreement that they just need to get some they they need an injection of new voices going into game of thrones 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean we got to get away from the fucking the D and the uh, 
They got to do something different. I'll tell you that much. Let's jump into Marvel news. Let me play this fucking bumper. I sound like I sound like so excited. <laughs> I know. This must be some killer news. <laughs> Marvel news. News from CBR.com. Deadpool 3 was a road trip movie with Wolverine before Disney purchase. Did you guys see this news? I did. Yeah, I read this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> before Walt Disney bought 20th Century Fox, Deadpool 3 would have seen Wolverine and Wade Wilson team up for a road trip movie as part of Bell Canada's Hashtag Bell Let's Talk campaign designed to erase the stigma of discussing mental health issues. Ryan Reynolds decided to reveal a major piece of information about Deadpool 3. According to the actor, the film would have seen Wade and Logan go on the road together. Hashtag Rashomon style, as Reynolds puts it. He notes that this was before the acquisition of the Disney uh, 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 before the acquisition of the character by Disney, indicating that the upcoming MCU version of Deadpool 3 will not involve this plot. This is what he tweeted. It's critical to have open, honest, and healthy discussions around mental health. By retweeting hashtag Bell Let's Talk, you can make a difference. In case that's not enough, before Disney bought Fox, Deadpool 3 was going to be a road trip between Deadpool and Logan. Rashomon style, for real. The Rashomon call-out is particularly interesting as the 1950 Akira Kurosawa film is famous for employing multiple perspectives from the movie's characters. Given Wolverine's more grounded nature and Deadpool's detachment from reality and the ability to break the fourth wall, this technique would have likely yielded hilariously differing stories. Marvel Studios and uh, had Kevin Feige confirmed earlier this month that Deadpool 3 will be the first R-rated MCU movie. Reynolds is currently overseeing the film's development with Bob's Burgers writers Wendy Molnow and Lizzie Molnow Lagalin, who will handle script duties. As for Wolverine, Hugh Jackman said he's officially done with the role, and Marvel has yet to recast any of the mutant characters they now have film rights to again. It seems the road trip idea, at least in its former incarnation, is off the table. I personally am seriously hurt and saddened by this news. Because even though Logan, the movie, was the perfect send-off for Wolverine... There's this part of me that always wanted to see these two in a movie and the both of them going back and forth on Twitter and on Instagram or whatever the fuck, however you're following them was so awesome for, 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 for Hugh Jackman to basically say, you know what? I'm going to put the claws on one last time and hang out with Ryan Reynolds and make a movie for the fans. That is exciting, and that 
is now dead. <laughs> and that kills me. Thoughts. If I was Kevin Feige, I would be straight up pissed off at Ryan Reynolds at this point for even throwing this out there into the universe. Because I, I don't think you're alone in the way you feel, Brian. I I think a lot of people are going to be very upset to find out that this is what would have happened and now won't happen. And um, a very noble cause to, to, to talk about this stuff. But, ooch, like it's going to be hard to uh, make fans happy if this becomes big, wide-known news that this is what was going to be. Well, so, I mean, we, we're not getting that X-Force film that was promised, and now we're not getting this Wolverine I don't think the Dead X-Force team one up. really has people, like, rolling over and crying, but I, I think this oh, is really extreme. You, sir, have no idea. Yeah. I don't think it compares to this. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I can live without the X-Force team-up. But as far as, like, Deadpool 3, which was going to be the movie after X-Force, being a team-up of Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman... Those two and the way that they've interacted on Twitter and like this is just like basically like a like it felt like they were doing this for the fans. Yeah. I'm, and I this would have worked better than having Hugh Jackman in the MCU because this would have obviously taken place before Logan. Logan was the perfect send off, but the timelines line up where Oh, but let's let's say she's not like he's coming it's not like he's coming back from the dead to do this. Sure. It would be before he, he passed away. Spoilers. Yeah. But let's satiate fans and give them a Hugh Jackman cameo in Deadpool three. Jake, is that enough to satiate fans? Just give us a just give us a tease of what this movie could have been. After this announcement, I don't think it is enough. I think that would be further throwing salt into the wound. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, I mean, um, I also think Kevin Feige probably is not appreciating. Um, how open Ryan Reynolds is being about this. I mean, the one, the one thing I'll say is um, now that Marvel's in the multiverse business, you never know. I don't anticipate it soon, but they could always go with some. But don't you think that Deadpool three, as far as Kevin Feige's concerned is a movie that's going to introduce why and how this Deadpool from the Fox universe is even in the MCU. And it doesn't make sense for it to be a road trip with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Yeah, I, I think it would be almost impossible for for it for, to feature Hugh Jackman's Wolverine anytime soon. I mean, the biggest issue is, from what I heard, they were still struggling with how exactly, and I know we talked to, we're going to talk later about um, some theories with um, WandaVision, but they, I, I think um, how they work mutants into the MCU is probably continuing to be tricky. Um, I, I don't know that it would be this soon. Could it be someday? You never know. I wouldn't think they would want to really keep Hugh Jackman front and center, though, when at some point, whoever they cast as the new Wolverine is probably going to be one of the most recognizable heroes in the MCU. It might be years from now, but it's going to happen. It's totally going to happen. It's totally going to happen. But like, we're always going to like look back on like what could have been had Disney not purchased Fox. But I mean, I'm not trying to place the blame blame on Disney here. Fox was looking at selling, and Disney did what they thought was the right thing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like okay, we would have probably gotten one really cool Deadpool movie, and it's just like. <laughs> 
every time Fox gave you a cool X Men movie, you got a shit sandwich for the next one. You know, it just like <laughs> it's if this is the price we have to pay to get the X Men in Marvel's hands, fine. That's just the way I look at it. Oh, Rebecca, Rebecca, talk to me. I want to know your thoughts on this. Think about it. Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman in the same movie. A road trip between those two. Oh, my God. I mean, isn't this what fans have been clamoring for? Yes. I mean, it's what people have been asking for. I mean, it's very disappointing. Um it's a, it's very disappointing because when I read the story, I was like, oh my god, why can I not have this movie? It's, it's, it would have been so much fun to see this because we've all been asking for this movie. And, and now for, to know that, oh, it's been scrapped. It's just such a, it's such a letdown. And, and I agree that if, if it's, if Disney just gives us like a, a cameo it's just gonna it's just not gonna be satisfying you know it's it's gonna be like oh you wanted the uh, wolverine oh well here you go here's a teaspoon of wolverine and and it's like that's not what i wanted i wanted a lot more it's yeah i it's that's it's it's very upsetting news not upsetting like it's just sad it's I will say, I will say it's upsetting news. I want this. I want this so badly. It, it, like, 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 like to find out that like all of like the back and forth. Here's the thing. Hugh Jackman was like, I'm done. This is the perfect send off for the character. And like, I think we all agreed after that movie, like, yeah, yeah, it's a great send off for the character. But like, then all of a sudden, like this Twitter banter kept happening between. Mm Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. And we were always like in the back of our heads, like, Oh my God, what would that movie be like? What would that movie, like these two in a movie together, what would that be like? And then Ryan Reynolds is coming out and saying like, yeah, that was on, dude, that was on deck. That shit was on deck. Like, like you hadn't heard, you heard the X-Force news, but you hadn't heard the Deadpool three news officially yet. And like what that movie was going to be. And Oh my God. When you get that movie, it's going to be fucking Deadpool and Ryan and, and fucking Hugh Jackman as Wolverine again. And they're going to be going on a road trip together. Like you got to be like everyone is seeing this movie. Everyone is going to the theater to see this movie. Like everyone like when when the Deadpool fucking sizzle reel leaked and the Internet went fucking crazy for it and it fucking rejuvenated like our interest in a Deadpool solo movie like that is like this right here is like what like that's in the spirit of Deadpool right I mean we never thought that we would get these two on screen together and like that's so in the spirit of Deadpool we never thought that we were going to get a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool movie and somebody leaked that trailer somebody leaked it man fucking Deadpool fucking like listening to that music on the like hanging over the side of that bridge and shit and we were just like oh my god this fucking this movie could be so incredible and they greenlit that movie do you and, think there's any chance like so we we know yeah that Ryan Reynolds leaks stuff very strategically. Is that safe to say? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think we, it, it was know, definitely it was definitely Ryan Reynolds that leaked. It was definitely Reynolds Ryan Reynolds. The footage. We know yeah. that for sure. Yeah. So he's very smart. I 
I have to wonder, because, you know, we know Deadpool 3 is coming. If there's any sort of negotiation happening here where he's saying, like, I was going to get Hugh Jackman. So in terms of who's teaming up with me in Deadpool 3, you guys better come to the plate. I mean, I'm just going to get completely crazy for a second. Deadpool and Captain America with Cap as the straight man in an R-rated movie. Uh, take my money. That's a billion-dollar movie right there. You could place it in any time period you want, theoretically. I mean, for Deadpool and Iron Man. I mean, this is crazy, crazy stuff. Can I play devil's advocate here? Can I play devil? Can I play devil's advocate here? Sure. Captain America, squeaky clean Boy Scout. Yeah. Fans. Moms, dads. Oh, I hear you 100%. I hear you. I'm not saying Disney would do that. Right. But I'm saying maybe Ryan Reynolds is kind of, this is his way of poking Disney and saying, if I'm in the MCU, the MCU is in my movie. And you better be ready to bring your, your your A players here. Dude, um, what would what, what I fucking a billion dollar movie? Dude, he wants a billion dollar movie. Okay, so like, if I had to have that trade off, if I had to have the trade off of like not getting Hugh Jackman in this road trip movie, but having it be fucking squeaky clean Boy Scout Captain America on the road with Deadpool, would I want to see that movie? One hundred percent, yes. I would love to fucking see Marvel push that envelope. Do I think that Marvel would do that? No. Neither do I. But, God, do I ever think that, did I ever think that, did I ever think that fucking Marvel would be able to do, would they ever come out and do an actual R-rated Deadpool movie? No. I don't know. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Can you imagine Deadpool teaching Steve Rogers about pegging? And Steve Rogers is teaching (laughs) Peggy, what? Peggy? He's like, no, pegging, pegging. (laughs) Not, 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 not Peggy Carter. (laughs) <laughs> but pegging. I love it, man. I think that that's fucking great. I love it. I think it's fucking great. And I think like, I would love to see like the, like the, the commercials and things like that leading up to it being like, you know, you should not take your children to see this movie. I mean, tremendously unlikely, but it would make a billion dollars. It would 100%. I agree with you. I don't, I, I would see that movie before like the, the Deadpool Spider-Man team up that everybody was wanting to see. Yeah. I would see that movie before that happening. Is it going to happen? I don't think so. God damn it. Greg, now you got me wanting that movie too. Well, I love Deadpool Spider-Man and the comics. There's something about the combination of Deadpool with this Spider-Man because he's so young. That just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm let down. I'm let down. Jake, I know you're fine. You're fine with this. You're fine. Yeah, I'll be okay. I know you're fine, but you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I want this movie. I want this movie so bad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want this movie so bad. It fucking, it hurts me to my core that we're not going to get this Ryan... Jake, goddamn, a Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman movie. Come on, I know you, the perfect send-off was Logan. Fuck, <laughs> fuck off. Fuck I mean, off. I mean, I agree with you. This was, this was dumb to, um, announce that they were gonna do this. I mean, obviously you were right that this was the plan to do. It was so right that they were gonna do it. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> it hurts me to my don't, core. Don't blame me for this not happening. I know, but you're fine with it. And it hurts me to my core that we're not getting this movie, Jake. Yeah. I'm shocked that they would come out with this news. I love that. Part, they, part of me wonders if Ryan Reynolds is just making it up. I, oh, we had heard about X-Force, but we'd not heard concrete stuff about, uh, I I don't I feel like I feel like the back and forth between those guys on Twitter and the fact that Ryan kept begging him to come back and do a movie with him I think like I think that it's the one thing that would have pulled this this guy out of retirement from the character. For yeah, I'm very interested to hear some follow up news on this though. Like to yeah. you know in a future interview with Hugh Jackman hear yeah. his thoughts about the would be movie. Because I can't help but be a little bit jaded and think maybe this is something he just made up for the charity cause. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think that they were leading up to this. I think I think I think Ryan Reynolds convinced him to do this movie with him, and it was going to be like the big, the big announcement. You know, we'd heard we'd heard Patrick Stewart said he was done with Xavier, and then like months later, he's coming back and saying, "Ah, if the right story comes along, I'll come back and do it." Fuck it. <laughs> so, DC news. Let's jump into DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. I got these quotes from Joel Kinnaman about John Cena in the Suicide Squad, and these are absolutely amazing. I don't know if you guys have read these. This comes from MovieWeb.com. Filmmaker James Gunn's upcoming sequel reboot, The Suicide Squad, will feature some familiar faces and a whole lot of new uh, new ones. Chief among the newcomers is John Cena in the role of Peacemaker. We know we're getting a Peacemaker TV series. Anyway, the wrestler-turned-actor had previously described his character as a douchey Captain America. Joel Kinnaman who will be playing the returning character of Rick Flagg, revealed in a recent interview that Cena's onset improvisations were a source of much entertainment and also wonder at their filthy nature. This is what he said. I love this. I think we were all kind of blown away by John Cena on that movie. From day one, he started improvising. He went on these comedic rants. It was 98% unusable because it was so sexually perverted and wrong and so bizarre (laughs) bizarre things that came out of that man's sick sick brain it looks like he was born out of an american flag he is just so ridiculously american he is a brilliant comedian i tried to learn from him but that's impossible because the things that came out of his face can come out of his perverted brain (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Um, Of course, anyone who knows John Cena from his wrestling days knows the man is a master of of improvisation and coming up with his smack talk at a moment's notice. Cena's turn as Peacemaker is already such a big hit behind the scenes that the character is getting his own spinoff show on HBO Max. As far as Kinnaman is concerned, he goes on to reveal how closely... He needed to follow the director's lead in order to make sure he was hitting the right notes in a scene. Quote, I told James, you have to guide me on this because no one has ever asked me to say something ridiculous like this with a straight face before. I had to work on it. And sometimes 
James had me do 12 to 13 takes to get the right tone. Uh, that's the relief of having someone that is so sure tonally in that space of guiding you. The tone of the film is completely ridiculous. Ridiculous characters, incredibly R-rated. Super silly humor. Surprisingly moving at times. I can't wait to see this film myself. When I read the script, every page made me laugh. It just had a real handle of that genre of James Gunn. He knows he can go so silly. He can put a silver toilet seat on John Cena's head, and it becomes the best thing you have seen in a long time. Oh, my God. Joel Kinnaman, I love you. I fucking love you. I hated Brothers by Blood. It's a trash movie. But, oh, my God, I'm so looking forward to seeing you and John Cena in The Suicide Squad. These quotes make me want to see the deleted scenes from this fucking movie so bad. Yeah, this is my most anticipated movie of the year, honestly. I, I cannot fucking wait for this movie. Oh, my God. Um, it's crazy to think that I'll be watching it for the first time in my bedroom. You know? uh, they probably will do the theater and HBO Max release, Jake. Uh, they will, but I will be watching it for the first time in, in my living room. <laughs> I will be watching this in the theater if given the chance. Thank God. I can't. Oh, man. I have to see this in the theater. But may I, Rebecca, what are your thoughts on these quotes? What are your thoughts on the James, James Gunn tackling the Suicide Squad? Do you think this is it for James Gunn in DC? Um, personally, no. I don't think it's the, I don't think this is going to be a one and done. Um, I mean, I know after this, he, he's going to do Guardians 3 for Marvel. Um, I could see that being maybe Gunn's last thing he does with Marvel for a while, but I could see him going back to DC and doing more stuff with them. I think most people are anticipating this movie to be way better than the first Suicide Squad. Um, I mean, I certainly am. High <laughs> bar. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I, I think. I think. Honestly, you could have the fucking five-year-old who wrote axe cop do a better suicide squad than this when this podcast is over i'm going to take a dump better than the first suicide squad (laughs) but i mean yeah i i am definitely anticipating this movie i'm interested to watch it i'm excited to watch it um these quotes are just amazing i i think (laughs) i think you know i came around to john cena as an actor when i saw him in cock blockers yes Uh, oh he was he was he was really good in train wreck as well i did i haven't seen he was he was hysterical Um, he was hilarious in sisters too which wasn't a great movie but he was hilarious you know i haven't seen those other things like i knew he was in other stuff i knew he was getting into acting and then um I watched Cockblockers really only because I think you raved about it so much, Brian, that yeah. it was so good. And I, I saw like the preview and I said, oh, this isn't like my kind of humor, but all right, I'll give it a shot. And man, uh, I loved his performance in that movie. I said, oh my God, he's such a natural. Like he has so much, like, and I don't watch, I don't watch wrestling. Like, what the fuck do I know what John Cena does beyond like what I saw him in? Like, so for me, like that was my sort of gateway drug into more John Cena stuff. But um, yeah, I I think he's gonna I think he's gonna kill it. I think he has the potential to steal this movie, much like Dave but Dave Bautista stole Guardians. I I feel like he could totally steal Suicide Squad. I'm loving what you're saying right now, Greg. 
I can't wait. I, I agree, Jake. My most anticipated movie of the year only because I don't think we're going to see Black Widow this year. That's my own. I'm just trying to set my own expectations, um, as crazy as it sounds. Um, but I can't wait. By, by the way, I have this feeling, and maybe it's more hope than anything else, that with everything that's happened with James Gunn and Marvel, and knowing that no matter what direction Marvel continues to take, it's likely continuing to be sort of cosmic in scale. I, I have this hope they're going to just back up the money truck because it just seems like he has a longer term vision. We're getting a Groot yeah. fucking animated series. And I, I think, agree with Rebecca more on this. We're, well, we're getting a Groot animated series on Disney Plus, And are we saying that James Gunn is not going to be involved in this at all? Well, at yes. one time, he was going to be in charge of this whole cosmic corner. of That was a rumor, but that was a rumor. And I think that they tried to squash that. I think Kevin Feige tried to even squash that. But I think that it's legit. I'm with you, Greg. It's just uh, that's my hope. And especially, you know, they were willing to kind of patch things up, which I'm glad for. Um, I think it's probably a one-stop detour to the DC EU. Um, do you think after I, this, then it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and then do you think it's back to original James Gunn kind of stuff, like he's going to be doing his own thing? You know, I like the fact I, – I could see him doing his own thing, but squeezing that in between Marvel movies that mint a billion bucks a pop. I mean, it's like I, – I don't I – don't, I, I love James Gunn, but – I think you can't if you have the opportunity to make movies that earn that kind of bank why would you stop why why would you uh I don't I agree with Rebecca so much more on this I it, the fact that he's so involved in the peacemaker HBO show all of James Gunn's movies before Guardians of the Galaxy are R-rated movies that's his thing I mean, I'm sure he'd love doing the Marvel stuff, but after his experience, he he just wants to finish his trilogy and get the fuck out. In my that's opinion. what I th- that's what I've been saying too, Jake. That's what I've been saying. It's like it's like like yeah, I I fucking won, I won. I get to come back. I get to do Guardians of the Va- Galaxy Volume Three, and then from there, I can either pick up with DC and make more DC stuff, or you know what, I can do the fucking like uh, Taika Waititi route. And uh, still make original movies as well. And I know Taika is doing more stuff for Marvel. I know Taika is going to be doing a Star Wars movie. I don't know. Taika's not known for R-rated movies. Like, James Gunn literally made nothing but R-rated movies until Guardians of the Galaxy. I know. You go back and you watch Super and you watch watch his the movie that he wrote with – what was that called? It was like – Slither. Well, and then then he wrote a movie that was like Office Space – but it was like all these fucking people killing each other and shit. I fucking loved that movie. I saw it in the theater. I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Oh, was it called like The Building or The Office? No, it wasn't called The Office. That's a TV show. Rebecca. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, I, I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah, you know exactly I what I'm talking what about. talking about, but I'm like, I remember when like Marvel, after like success of Guardians, Remember Marvel had come out and said that they were going to put James Gunn in charge of like their cosmic universe side of stuff. Yes. And then and then he got fired because of stuff with the tweets and then they hired him back, but that whole talk of him being in charge of their cosmic universe didn't come back. So I really the Belko experiment. The Belko experiment is in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I could see if they're hiring him back, I I still, because it's Disney, I don't know that they'd 
I don't know that they'd be like, we're hiring him back and it's just, it's going to be for like 50 movies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, 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 I guess the fact that they're hiring him back though is huge after they were like, it, you're done. It's, it's hope as much as logic. I mean, we're just seeing Adam Warlock for the first time. It's, it seemed with Guardians 2 that there was definitely something long term starting to happen there. You know, he'd always said Guardians 3 is the last movie with this team. So right. he, somewhere in his head, he had a longer vision. I mean, so are they going to are they going to do the Spider Man thing where it's John Watts for the first three movies? John Watts moves on to fucking do the Fantastic Four movies. We got three Guardians movies, and we're letting some fucking whoever the fuck come in and do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Four with a brand new team. How excited? How excited yeah. are is anyone for a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Four? With the number, first off, a new team, and then a new director. If it's anyone other than James Gunn or Taika Waititi, probably not. In I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I, I don't I, give I, a fuck. And I think Disney didn't so much as change their mind about their opinion on James Gunn, but just couldn't. Who else was going to close that trilogy? I, I think they'd kind of written themselves into a wall. I think that they, they had. I think that, that they saw res- revolt. I think Disney number one is very, very in tune with the response of the public. I think I and, and hold on. Let me back this up a little bit. Disney first off made that rash decision to get rid of him because of tweets that he fucking made. Years prior that were basically you're talking about a creator that came from trauma that came and he was making sick and twisted tweets long before he fucking even did the first Guardians of the Galaxy. They knew this guy before they fucking hired him. It's not like they couldn't have looked at those tweets before. They a hundred percent. If you, dude, they'd done their homework. They'd seen those fucking tweets. If they really didn't want those fucking tweets to be out there in public, they could have told them to have fucking taken those tweets off of Twitter long before. But I think Marvel is very, very uh, aware of like people's responses to like some of the decisions that they make. Let's even take into effect WandaVision coming out. Yeah, people's well, hold on, hold on. Let me ways, finish. Though. Let me finish this. Let me finish my fucking thought here. WandaVision comes out. The first three episodes, very sitcom related, and people are bitching and moaning about fucking WandaVision. Oh, this isn't the MCU that I know. This is so weird. I don't get it. I'm not into it. And what do they do before WandaVision episode four fucking even comes out? They show us big time previews of what we have for the remainder of WandaVision. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I hear you. I just, they, they, they're, they're worried about people dropping off of this fucking show so much. So that they'll fucking show you what's coming up on the upcoming weeks of WandaVision because they're worried about people's reception of WandaVision and but with the James Gunn thing, it, they saw they, they saw everybody side. backing James Gunn and thinking how stupid they were for letting this guy go in the first place. I hate to say this, but it's not everybody. And that's kind of my point. They did have to pick a side. You cannot see a James Gunn tweet or a James Gunn Facebook post without multiple people still calling him a pedophile and still calling him out for those tweets. 
So at the end of the day, they did have. Well, fuck! You can even go back to Walt Disney himself and call him a fucking racist. No, I agree. I agree. I. It's not the way I think, but I'm just saying they still. It's not a unanimous public outcry that James Gunn needed to come back. And there's plenty of people, as wrong as they are, that are upset that he did come back, and that still hold ill will towards James Gunn. Oh fuck! Honestly, fuck those people. I 100% agree. I'm just saying it's it, they did have to pick a side. It wasn't like Disney listened to all of the public and decided to bring James Gunn back. All right, you got your few detractors in there. Well, fuck those people. To be quite honest with you, I mean, if, I 100% is anybody agree. out there really gonna be like, oh, I was gonna see Guardians three, but then I learned about those tweets from James Gunn. Those I mean, people exist. I'm telling you, I, they're are these, fucking stupid as fuck. These people even know what them. fucking Twitter is. Like, I, I can't imagine when that movie comes out in 2023 or whatever it is that they're gonna remember that and it's gonna cost them any ticket revenue. It's just hard for me to well, imagine. Fucking Warner Brothers didn't give a fuck. Wonder Brothers didn't give a fuck. They gave him a fucking movie. They gave him a franchise. No, Wonder Brothers didn't give a fuck. And I, I hate to even make this argument because I, I am on the side of what Disney decided to do and, and Warner Brothers hiring him 100%. Like, I don't think James Gunn did anything wrong at all. I'm just saying that it wasn't like Disney listened to the voice of the people. I, I think what I would love to see a lot more people than you're like accommodating for that we're shitting on James Gunn and still are. What I would love to see happen is fucking James Gunn finish Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Basically, mic drop. I'm done. I fucking did my trilogy. Boom. This is what I brought you. This is what I fucking... I built this fucking shit. Go back and do some more DC movies. Do his own personal shit. And that's that's James Gunn. That's yeah, what I, I agree. DC's going to let James Gunn make more James Gunnish movies. And it, even though I'm a bigger Marvel fan... And, like, I understand what Greg's saying. It's just kind of a guilt. Like, you just want James Gunn to do the Marvel thing because you prefer what the Marvel's doing better overall. But I, I prefer James Gunn to get to make more James Gunn-like movies at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's what DC and Warner Brothers are going to let him do. Yeah. Like, Suicide Squad is going to feel more like a James Gunn movie than Guardians of the Galaxy did. A hundred fucking percent. Unless you're... Like, well, James Gunn will fucking James, James, James Gunn will go to battle. With, James Gunn will go to battle with you and say that Marvel didn't have any influence in those movies. They let him do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. That's just PR bullshit. That's what, I, well, I, I appreciate James Gunn for well, saying said, that. He said that his first script for Guardians, Kevin Feige, said more James Gunn. Remember that? I mean, yeah. So I, he I, didn't I, put I, any I, violence I, in or any cuss words. I, I don't disagree <laughs> anything you're saying. I mean, I think, um, I you know. I'm just keeping an open mind. We're going to get an R-rated MCU movie at some point with Deadpool. I'm not saying James Gunn will do Deadpool, though I'd love to see that. Um, but you never know. You just don't know. I mean, I, th I think if they like James Gunn enough, they make money, he makes money, everybody's happy. You know, it could continue. Uh, you know, yeah, it could. It could. I could see it happening like 15 years down the line. Like James Gunn, like, ah, let's do one more Marvel movie. And at that point, it would be big business. Like, James Gunn returns to Marvel to do Sleepwalker the movie or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, I could see that, but I really don't see it being this super healthy relationship that was going to happen before yeah. he got fired after yeah. the second I'm with, I'm with, I, I think James, I, I'm with Jake here. I think James Gunn, after he finishes Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, is like, mic drop, that's what I had. I'm out. See ya. Good luck with your cosmic bullshit. Have fun hiring John Watts and fucking 
Rupert Wyatt and whoever the uh, who's the other Peyton Reed and all those motherfuckers that you hire. Yeah, have fun hiring the Bob's Burgers writers and shit. All right, I'm, and I'm not saying I'm not <laughs> knocking I'm not knocking Bob's Burgers. I think it's a fucking great show, but I don't think anybody. I don't think I don't think you, you don't come across the James Gunn or Taika Waititi every fucking day. Okay, you don't come across those kind of guys every day. They're like one in a million. You got guys like Jordan Peele. You got guys like Taika Waititi, James Gunn. Those are one in a million. You don't come across those guys every day. You don't let those guys go. I think Taika's a better fit for Marvel, too. Taika, his legacy isn't fucking just over-the-top sensationalism. You know, that's... They're very similar, but they're very different in that way. I think Taika's a little bit more fantastical and family-friendly just at his core, even before the Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. You look at Hunt for the Wilder People and you look, you know, you look at some of his other movies. They're definitely not, they're not like super, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. His, his legacy has never been over the top sensationalism like James Gunn has. I mean, James Gunn literally got fired from his over the top sensationalism. I think and J- that's just not Taika. James Gunn comes back, finishes what he, nobody thought he was going to finish this guardians of the galaxy volume three, this trilogy of movies comes back, shows Marvel that fucking this movie's amazing. He did it. He did it himself. And then he leaves. I think like that's his fucking, that's his last dance. That's his yeah, last thing. I agree. I this agree. might also be determined by the future of the theater business because horror movies financially tend to work really well on streaming because they tend not to be incredibly expensive to produce. Um, so, you know, if the theater business is booming and you can do a summer blockbuster that'll earn you a ton of money, I maybe there's more of a chance he does more stuff with Marvel than if streaming is king three years from now. And, you know, box office revenue isn't as important as just, you know, ongoing subscriptions to a streaming service. Rebecca, you've heard us yammer on about this bullshit. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like I, if I'm James Gunn, I feel like the trust has been broken from, from Marvel. And I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to trust them to not sort of pivot again and be like, Oh, uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, thanks for doing those movies. Um, but you know, your services are no, are no longer needed. Oh, I, I, don't, I, I'm with you. Don't you feel, yeah. don't you feel like, don't you feel like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is just vindication and then it's like, I'm out. Yeah, like if I'm James Gunn, I want to be in the position to say, you can't fire me, I quit. Like that's where I think he, he is coming from. So in my mind, it, it should be, or it could, it, it probably is. I'm gonna make this last movie since you hired me back, and then I am done with you guys because I want to finish my story yes. with this team, yeah. and that is the end for me. And I think it's a shame because when Disney was talking about, or when Marvel was talking about putting him in charge of the cosmic universe, I mean, he fucking teased Adam Warlock yeah. at the end of Guardians two. And then he introduces this whole other team of like, like this, these other, um, what are they called? Um, is that, is that what they're called? Like the, the Sly Stallone team. Oh yeah. Those are like the Reavers, Reavers, right? Uh, yeah. There was like this other sect of like the Ravagers, the Ravagers. Oh Jesus. 
sorry, I've had a lot to drink and I'm forgetting. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir. I know. Um, like he introduced this whole other team and I really believe that he introduced that team in Guardians 2 to be like, don't worry. When this team, when, when, when the Star Lord is done with when I'm done with their story, I've got other stories to tell you. Look, here's uh, a little taste. I really believe that. Don't and be surprised. Yeah. Don't be surprised when we get the fucking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Four directed by Peyton Reed. Oh, Jesus. I mean, well, look, I like this Mandalorian episode. Oh, I know, I know. Like, who doesn't? Who do- uh, well, Luke's, Luke Skywalker on. comes back. Who isn't gonna like that episode? <laughs> Well, I, mean, I didn't well, love hold it. On. Oh, except for Jake but, and Rebecca. Um, what the fuck? What is the, I was not a fan of the Luke Skywalker stuff. I, it was fine, but it wasn't what I wanted. Oh, I don't want to get into an argument about Star Wars. We can do that. Um, I'd love to get into an argument with you right I now. I don't want to argue about Star Wars. <laughs> um, what if? What yeah. if they hand over? What if they hand over the Guardians trilogy or the Guardians movies going forward, like to John Favreau? Look at what he's done for Disney. With How are you? He's not going to give a shit. How are you doing anything like that? Look, look at what they did to John Favreau when it came to fucking like Iron Man two and shit and fucking. Yeah, his... but he came back into the Disney fold and he's been yeah, doing well, stuff with them. Yeah, that was also in the Perlmutter era, so we don't know if you know was Favreau upset because of the notes he was getting from the comic book people, which apparently was a big issue. John Favreau's biggest problem with Guardians of the Galaxy is that they've already introduced a baby version of a character. <laughs> well, I think yeah. he's, ever, got, he's, he's got, got four Star Wars television series to exec produce. Yeah, I, I don't that. If, if he theoretically wanted to do some newer Marvel property, I, I guess he could, but I'd see him playing in the Star Wars sandbox for a long time. Alright, fair enough. They've no, even pull, I, they're even pulling uh, Kevin Feige over to Star Wars, Rebecca. Oh, they, they are? But he's being a producer on a he, film. He's doing Star Wars. He's wow. producing a Star Wars film. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I, I do, I really do though feel that Guardians 3 is going to be James Gunn's you know, big fuck you to Marvel and I finished my trilogy even though you didn't want me to. Yeah. And and I think he is going to walk away. I think he's going to walk away from them, and it's going to be his choice to leave rather than be forced out in some way. Fuck you, um, big dump truck full of money. Yeah. I, but, honestly, fuck you, big dump truck full of money coming back to me with this bullshit, coming back to me like you're fucking Ike Turner saying you're sorry. No, you already slapped me around. You already slapped me around. You've already fucking Tina turned me. Fucking stop slapping. No, fuck off. Here's well, here, you know what? this Here's is the last what? dance. I'm done. Move on. Find There's somebody else to do your Guardians other, movies. There's plenty of other people waiting to give him a dump truck full of money to make a movie. Christian it's Bale. Not, Think about all the money that Christian Bale was offered to come back and play Batman. Right. And he said no. Right. 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 Because he, he said from the beginning he would do three movies, and that was it. And he didn't want to do more than that. And that. That was his and that was without Warner Brothers saying, you know, after your flip out on the fucking set of Terminator Salvation, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're done with you. They never said that. They brought him back. Right. They didn't no, give absolutely. a fuck. 
Yeah. It's no, super I unfortunate mean, for James Gunn that Suicide Squad isn't getting a proper theatrical release. Because I honestly, if it was, I think it would do better than Deadpool one numbers. It would do a billion dollars. I you're right. Yeah, a yeah billion. I, I agree with that. Especially with Star fandom right now, that it's just, the biggest movie right now. It's gonna. It would fucking. It would. It would crush Dune. Oh yeah. I. I oh well, yeah. No question. That. Dune was probably gonna flop. Dune was probably going to be your next fucking uh, Blade Runner 2049, which I loved, but I don't think Dune was going to perform in the box office the way that it would perform on a free service like HBO Max. Not free service, but yeah, like not – sure. yeah, People you're already subscribed. to check it out at home than fucking drive and pay out that movie theater prices yeah. for that shit they don't even know. Yeah. Right. Jake, I'm talking – we got great guests this episode. Rebecca. Oh yeah, when are they coming on? Rebecca. Sure? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Fuck you, Jay. <laughs> I'm telling you. No, I think I, th- I think uh, Greg and Rebecca on the same episode together. That's fucking magic, dude. No, I agree. I agree. I I, I was making making a little joke. Yeah, they they are two of my favorites for sure. Oh, I know you attempted a little joke. It didn't go over well, but yeah, we get it. You know what else is magic? <laughs> the hugs I'm going to give you guys at C2E2, uh, and that's going to be yes. magical. What's going to be magic, Greg? The hugs I'm going to give you guys at C2E2. Oh, dude. I love you, dude. You have no idea. You guys have no idea. You see I was so, so happy that first year that you came. When you when you came to with us, I was so excited to meet you. Because uh, we had talked and uh, on the internet or on Skype or whatever. But I was like, oh, Greg's coming to C2E2. Oh, man, this is going to be amazing. And we had such a blast. The was- biggest problem is when everyone starts drinking, I'm such a pussy. And I'm so tired. So, like, usually I just can't, I can't last as long as, that's why me rooming with old man Scott Schutte, another frequent host of Tales from the Yard, um, is such a great combination because we're both pussies. That's fucked up, dude. I'm, (laughs) dude, me and Rebecca are older than you, and me and Rebecca, we can hang like a motherfucker, dude. You're you're older than me by like a few months, you know what I mean? Dude, it's fucking crazy. Me and Rebecca, we fucking Rebecca. Me and you, we fucking hang. We close places. Down. We close motherfucking places down. <laughs> we fuck some shit up. It's so much fun. I look forward to it every year. Every fucking I year. Rebecca fucking kills it. Rebecca kills it. I'm telling you, man. When it comes to fucking like drinking partners and shit like that, Rebecca fucking kills it. She- I can drink. I can drink. <laughs> yeah, you can. You're like a goddamn fucking fish. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not Polish Irish for nothing, baby. On both sides, I've got the alcoholism. And we got fucking, we got sleepy time Greg and fucking, uh, Scott Shooty fucking fell asleep three hours ago. <laughs> well, that was the night where everyone was hanging out in the hotel lobby. I, I pussed out. That lobby, fuck, that lobby. That was an amazing. Oh my god! What an amazing experience. Best nights, one of the best nights I have ever had. <laughs> I agree. The, without exaggeration, uh, one of the best nights I've ever had was just hanging out in that lobby and drinking and talking and having a great time and meeting like other cosplayers who just happened to wander into our loud rowdy group. It was just so great. What about that group that was massaging each other? Oh my god, what the fuck was that? I missed that. What kind of massages are we talking about? Dude, they're they're, they're fucking like deep muscle tissue massages. Where? Like right on the little, like on On the the seats or something? On the floor. On the floor. They were like, somebody was 
other some, uh, the other person would sit on like the bench behind them and they would start giving them massages and we were like what's what's happening over there oh my god do i want to get in on this i don't know yeah <laughs> i wouldn't want anyone to be massaged i mean because you know how much con swamp ass is going around too by that oh, time like I massages know. are not good Oh my god! I, I, Other than the ones me and Scott were giving each other in that room. Oh my god! I gave Scott Judy a shiatsu massage. At the, yeah, I want I want the Snyder cut of Scott and uh, Greg. I have all the, the four hour massage Scott <laughs> cut. If that is a Snyder cut. I will happily watch. Guys, we're oh. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the regular Snyder Cut, which is coming out March 18th. It's happening. We got three new posters re, uh, released promoting the uh, highly anticipated four-hour-long re-release. It's happening. Snyder was given $70 million from Warner Brothers to remake parts of the years-ago re-release and re-edit it into what the director says was his original vision from the film. And this is happening, and I cannot fucking wait to see this version. Honestly, like, this is the version. What, like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck is, is that, that noise? Is that the mag? Sorry, that's, that's Maui. Oh, oh my god, that's your cat. That's adorable. Yeah. Is that, is your cat He's wanting to spend me. time at you, with you? We're gonna end this soon, Jake, I swear, and you're gonna get to spend so much wonderful time. With your cat, it's gonna be it's gonna be glorious. I love it, man. He was yelling at the door for me. Aw, well, you know, Jake, take care of your cat, you f- fucking deadbeat. Dude, he was he was in there <laughs> hanging out with me the whole podcast, and the show came in and stole him from me. Dude, 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 dude. Seriously, he he came over here, and I was like rubbing him and shit. He's ready for me to fucking end this shit too, dude. I get it, I get it. Fucking <laughs> Snyder cuts coming out March eighteenth. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Guess what? I'm. You know what? I've already told Philip he's coming on that episode. Oh, that is the oh, best that's awesome. you could have on that episode. Honestly, I don't give a fuck about the Snyder Cut, but I am so happy for Philip. That is a nice months ago. I my heart is happy for Philip that he will get the Snyder Cut. He wants it so bad, and I hope I and this is absolutely. 100% genuine and sincere. I really hope that he loves it and it's everything that he wanted because he deserves it. He's I, a you know what? amazing person. I hate, your, I hate your take on that. It, Whatever. I don't care what you hate on my take well, on I don't, that. I don't care. I don't care what you think about my take on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking, I, I'm looking forward to the Snyder cut regardless. So you know what? Enjoy your four-hour mini series. <laughs> I am very much looking forward to talking about the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I can't wait for the Snyder Cut, man. I'm fuck. I'm still a Zack Snyder fan. Fuck off. I'm still a Zack Snyder fan. I'm still a Zack Snyder fan. I love Zack Snyder. I can't wait to see Ray Fisher in the original version of this shit get to do what he does as Cyborg. I hope, I hope that he... Zack Snyder fan, Ray Fisher. (laughs) No, Ray Fisher is a big Zack Snyder fan. fan, He's not a Joss Whedon fan. 
They're no, he's, okay. he's a WB fan. He he was just talking about how he's going to be promoting the shit out of the Snyder. Cut. He oh, said, is it Joss Whedon? I, I honestly he, thought it was it was Snyder. No, no, he, God damn it! Get your fucking shit correct here. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. We're not. We're not. This is this is this. Is, I'm trying to no. Zack Snyder. Ray Fisher is a hundred percent behind Zack Snyder. Ray Fisher is not a Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns fan. That's who he has a problem with, Rebecca. I don't um, know what fucking I, news I outlets. I don't and, know what and the executives too, because he, yeah. he feel like he had. Yeah, Rebecca's just been reading. We got this covered. I don't know what she's. I don't know what you're up to, <laughs> Rebecca. I, excuse me. I write for We Got This. It sounds about right. But he no. Ray Fisher has really put himself out there, and it does not look good to other studios for this guy to fucking be attacking Warner Brothers and Walter Hamada right now. But he's sticking to his guns. And saying that he was not happy with the treatment that he got when Joss Whedon stepped into the process, when Jeff Johns stepped into the process, and he, you know, first off, he his 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 part in this movie was majorly trimmed down and cut down right. once those guys were involved in this project, and he had a major part. Zack Snyder has come out and said that the heart of this movie is Ray Fisher's cyborg. And so we're going to get to see a lot more of Ray Fisher as Cyborg in the just in the, in the excuse me in the in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that it is justice for Ray Fisher because you know what? Here's the thing. I don't know what happened. Nobody knows what happened. Ray Fisher's not telling us what happened. But I do know that we have an actor here who's sticking to his guns. And saying, shit happened. I don't like it. I'm ready to put my fucking livelihood on the line for what happened during the process of working with Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns. Like, that's, that's fucking huge. It, yeah. it's, if I'm any other studio, I don't want to touch Ray Fisher right now because you don't want to bring him onto your movie because this guy, who knows what he's going to fucking think about, like, how things... But here's the thing. If this movie is good, is as good as Zack Snyder says it is, if it's as good as Jason Momoa says it is, it's if it's as good as Ray Fisher says it is, it brings some legitimacy to what Ray Fisher's saying about how he was treated on this project. I hope that this movie's fucking incredible... I hope it's incredible. I lo- I love Zack Snyder. I love Zack Snyder. I don't give a- Jake. I don't give a. Eight years later, we've been doing this show. I don't give a fuck what you say about Zack Snyder. I love you, dude. I love you, dude. I love you like a brother. But I don't give a fuck what you say about Zack Snyder. I hope this movie is awesome. I hope it's so much better than the original fucking version that we saw. And I hope another it- high bar. It's a fuck off. I hope I. <laughs> I'm allowed to make fun of the Josh Whedon Justice League. Come on now. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, dude. dude yeah. It, it, yeah. That, that Josh Whedon Justice League is absolute trash. It's garbage, in my opinion. That's all I was saying. I know. I know. And I hope that this movie brings some legitimacy to to what we could have seen. So, Rebecca, I appreciate your comments about you hope it br- brings Philip joy, and I hope it does. But I hope it brings everybody else joy. That was a Zack Snyder fan that felt that we got cheated out of what we should have fucking 
originally got. I really hope that this movie is is good. I really do. I think I think it's the goddamn Justice League, people. It's the Justice League. What a f- I, I love the, listen. What a shit I, movie. It it was I a shit movie. shit movie. And and I don't I don't want to prolong the show too much, but like it it's just a matter of I don't I just I think there's too much wrong with that movie for this Snyder cut to fix. That's just where I'm coming from. But if it, if it's amazing, which you know, I hope you fucking you fucking like that step by step song before we fucking started recording this episode. I don't have no. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> what step by step song? We can have lots of fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's so much we can do. <laughs> can you play that one more time? Oh my! I'd be, I would be happy to. Rebecca, continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god are you guys really waiting around for me to play this song yeah. Yeah. I wish yes. you would play it one more time alright hold on I'll find it yeah <laughs> step by step uh, I, I should honestly play the step by step from TGIF that's oh, a, from the show. That's what I thought. For some reason, I just, that's, I had a brain fart. I thought this entrepreneur brand about. logo was done by a top oh, man, I'm gonna on play fiber. Here. here we go. That was their best take. That was. Of all the of all the attempts oh in the studio, that was the one. I want no. Mistake. I want the Snyder cut of this song. Cut of stuff. Step by step. Step one, one, one. We can have lots of fun. <laughs> that is so awful. It sounds like Ludo from Labyrinth. Remember Ludo said. We can have the fun. Doesn't sound fun. It doesn't. It sounds it sounds terrible. We can have lots of fun. Then <laughs> two. <laughs> it sounds like someone's got a gun to his head. <laughs> we can have lots of fun. <laughs> More energy, I'm gonna blow your fucking head off. It's so bad. It's so bad, Rebecca. It's so bad. I can't believe that you've never noticed this until now. I don't know. I just <laughs> never bothered me, or I know never noticed it before. We can have lots of fun. I can do it. I can do. I could do that so much better than him. I could do that so much better than him. I should have been one of the new kids on the block. 
I would have been great in that. Yeah, I would. I would have fucking killed it. Jake too. I would want to see Jake and uh, maybe Jake. You could be in like ninety eight degrees or something. (laughs) Or Jake. Jake, you should have been an LFO. That song, Summertime. Oh, I hate that song. Well, that's why you'd be great in there. Have lots of fun. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta stop. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh man! <sighs> All right, all right. Let's let's take a break. We're gonna come back and uh, finish up with our Wanda re- Wanda Vision review. We're gonna have lots of fun <laughs> with that. Somehow, we're gonna magically be a little bit less drunk when we come back. I. It's weird. It's weird how that works in post. I know. It's weird it's like how that time works. Travel. It is. It's like time travel. It's so weird. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with WandaVision. Just when you think there's no one around who's caring, along comes a friend who offers a hand in sharing, and things start looking fine. Sometimes tears and sorrow are all the things you've got. Just when you think you're all by yourself, you're not. All right, hey, we are going to be talking about WandaVision. And uh, before we talk about WandaVision, Jake, episode six leaks on Marvel Studios spoilers subreddit. You saw the video. Yeah, crazy. I, we're not going to talk about it. I just, I mean, they're out there if people want to see them. So there's like a, this promo that got leaked and Marvel was pulling it down. Marvel was pulling it down. I had to reach out to some people on the Discord. Matt Kirby hooked me up with a link where I could see it because I had actually tried to check out some of the old stuff that was posted on the subreddit and it had been pulled. But um, yeah, I think we're in for some crazy reveals uh, by the time we do get to episode six and to think about, think about this, Jake, we, after episode six, we still got three more left. Yeah. Just, man, this show is just crazy. Like, I don't even know what the end game is after seeing what's going on in episode six. Dude, I think it's, I think it's, is, is Wanda going to, let's jump, I guess, let's just jump into it. Let's, we're now going to be talking about, uh, WandaVision episode four. We interrupt, we interrupt this program. Wanda Vision. Wanda Vision. Wanda Vision. All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah, people love that bumper, man. It's a winner. All right, so, uh, let's see here. So in uh, WandaVision episode four, and of course we're going to have our own theories and speculations going forward through, uh, you know, throughout this episode. I honestly, guys, I feel like this episode was. It felt like it was a reflection of us watching the last three episodes. It was a bunch of people getting together and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in this, and. It's so meta in that way where it feels like it's, it feels like it's this community of like listeners, like people on our Discord, people on our Facebook, people on our Twitter trying to figure out what's going on, as well as people on Reddit. And, uh, 
I do feel like after I watched this one, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the episode for all the people that hated the first three fucking episodes. This feels like this could be the episode that actually pays off for people. Uh, those people that like, you know, uh, you know, I don't get it. This is weird. This is not, there's no payoff. This is going nowhere. Meh, 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 meh. You know, that kind of shit. And I felt like this one felt something like they're used to. Like this is like, oh, okay, now, now I feel like I'm in the MCU. I don't have to watch this fucking Ozzy and Harriet world that she's in. Me on the on the flip side, I've actually loved this from the start. I knew this was coming, and we all knew this was coming. I don't understand where like the disconnect is with some of the fans. Like we knew that this was going to be a like uh, from all the interviews, Paul Bettany and everybody else out there. We knew this was going to be a hybrid of those classic shows mixed in with the MCU, and and. I don't know. I don't understand the disconnect. Um, I guess people just want people want instant satisfaction and answers right away. And I felt like in this one, we got to see how everybody was else was reacting in this episode. I do want to point out, like, even in this episode, we get Jimmy Woo and he's got like this whiteboard and he's asking all the same questions that we've been asking. Like, there's a question at one time. It says, what's up with all the hexagons? You know, and like, you know, uh, is vision alive? Um, I'm trying, there's two more Why questions. Are the decades changing? Well, uh, th- yeah, what, uh, one of the questions was like, what's up with the sitcom, you know, format? And, uh, so there was all these, I think there's like a total of four questions that were up there. And, um, I, uh, well, I, first off, I just, I want to get, I haven't even talked to Rebecca about WandaVision or Greg. So I want to know what your thoughts are about the series. So I'll start with Rebecca. Yeah, I've been watching week to week, of course. Um, I really enjoyed the first two episodes. I, I was, I mean, we, we, like, as you said earlier, we, we kind of all knew what this was going to be, a, be like with the, with the sitcom setting and the white, we, we saw clips, we saw trailers. Um, I was really pulled in and I loved, I think you you mentioned it on a previous review that it has like a very Pleasantville vibe, and I mm. absolutely agreed with that. Especially like with stuff which show up colorized um, in in the black and white world. I would I love I love how the show can switch on a dime. Like you're you're like laughing at all these stupid cheesy corny jokes, and all of a sudden it gets real serious, and it's like, who are you? What are you doing here? What is this thing? And you're like, <gasps> what is happening? Like it gets, it's, it's so, it just really sucks you in. And, um, yeah, I've loved it week to week. And just as soon as the episode's over, I'm scouring the internet, reading articles about like breakdowns and stuff just so I can like really keep up. But uh, I think it's a incredibly well done show and, and so innovative and so different than what we're used to from the MCU. And I, I just, I think it's brilliant. You know, last week, uh, you know, I had a listener on Discord. Dis- Discords like, compare this to Wizard of Oz, and then I started to see other similarities to the Wizard of Oz. Mm, One thing I that, see that, well, you know, uh, you've got in in the Wizard of Oz, even in the black and white version that you watch now, the only thing that remains red, right, is her ruby red slippers in the black and white scenes. Correct? Is that no? By the no? by the time she gets the slippers, it's um, she's already in the land of Oz. It's already in color. Uh, I could have sworn, like, the, I don't know. I'd have to watch <laughs> Wizard of Oz again, this movie. Yeah, I'd once seen. I, once I, after the tornado, everything becomes color. I remember that, but I thought, like, even when she went back or something like that, wasn't she wearing the slippers and weren't they red? I think, but, I think she still had them on when she went back to Kansas at the end, when yes. it was black and white again. I'd have to, I'd have to watch it again. I'd have to watch it again, too. She had to, wear, she had to click them together to get home, so she would have... 
still had them on, and that's how that's how we knew it was real. Yeah, right? she wasn't just on an acid trip, right? But when she gets home, she's like in she's like waking up in bed, and you don't ever see her with the slippers on. Oh, that's a good. Well, I'll have to watch that shit again. Yeah, As I yeah. recall, but it has been a while since I've seen the Wizard of Oz. But I don't believe we see her with the slippers in in Kansas. Okay. Yeah. Well, it still begs the question of like, who is behind all this? I still think that, I still think that we're being misled. I think that Monica Rambo at the end of this episode, jumping ahead, I'm going to get to you here in a second, Greg, but I think like mm-hmm. Monica Rambo saying it's all Wanda, I still think we're being misled. I still think Agreed. there are other things at play here. And, uh, I think that that's kind of a swerve. Greg, what have you been, uh, what's your experience with WandaVision? So before the first episode aired, you know, uh, we talked about this on past episodes. The Mandalorian was like a, an event for me and my family. We'd sit down every Friday night. My kids knew it was going to be on. We'd put the lights out. We have a projector. We put it on the projector and we had a blast. And before WandaVision aired, I sat down and I talked to my boys and I said, guys, this is not going to be like the Mandalorian. We're not going to see fighting every episode. This is going to be kind of like a puzzle that we're going to try to solve together. And it's been a freaking blast. And I got to <laughs> tell you, I was re- I was really worried about, like, how would younger fans feel about this? Because I had so much fun when Infinity War came out. And for a year, the kids were all talking about, like, are, is Spider-Man really dead? Are they going to come back? What happened? It was like it was like their version of Optimus Prime dying. Right? Mm. It was just. Oh, yeah. So when, t- I, when Tom Holland died, man, my theater, like all the kids in the theater, just they like they were freaking messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, even with these references to sitcoms that these younger kids have no context for, it's absolutely the talk of the school ground. Like what is happening to Wanda? Why is this happening? Who's doing it to her? And there are all sorts of crazy theories. And what I'm loving about it is the very few kids in the school that know comics are like, oh, it's Mephisto or it's the Grim Reaper. Like you can already see these cool rumors sort of circulating. This is a show that benefits hugely from the week to week format. Yes. I mean, the, you you could not have this be experienced the way we're experiencing it through binge watching. So I'm just so thankful that it's week to week. Yeah. Um. I, I have a lot of theories, too, obviously, which we'll talk about. Uh, can I just say one last thing before we go into the episode? Please. They made Kat Dennings, Darcy Lewis, a cool, funny, likable character. And bravo for that. Uh, just amazing. I mean, it, it almost makes Thor the Dark World even a little bit worse to know that Darcy could be so funny and likable. Uh, <laughs> she certainly wasn't in, the, in that movie or Thor 1. Yeah. But uh, what what a blast this show has been. And totally different from what we would have expected. I've always kind of been a Kat Dennings kind of supporter. I loved her in 40 year old virgin. And then I used to watch, I used to watch two broke girls and, um, I, I, I thought she was really funny in that show. And then Eric Andre joined the cast, I believe in series season three. And it was really funny. I love Eric Andre. Anyway, this episode, it starts off with, well, yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about our thoughts on this episode? Do you, was it too soon to have this episode or was it timed just right? I think, that, oh man. Um, I think it was just right. If I, if you don't mind me jumping in here, go for I, it. Yeah. I think it was absolutely the right time for it, especially how episode three ends with, um, quote unquote Geraldine being kicked out of Westview um I think this was the right 
to take that pause and kind of show us the like pull back the curtain and see what what they're showing because I really feel like I, I agree with her saying like it's all Wanda. I really do think that is a red herring. I think that they are setting us up for a big for a big twist for a, a villain or some other force at work here, and I think this was the right moment to kind of throw that out there and um, introduce us to the people behind the scenes trying to figure it out along with us. Oh, well, who's the new guy? Who's the new guy that's the head of sword? Does anybody recall his name? Oh, I forget what his name is. He shares the last name of um, one of the characters from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is it Haywood or Hay? Hey, I can't remember. Haywood sounds right. Sounds right, but it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think it was the right time for this episode. Um, if I could talk for a second, this episode gave me big time lost vibes. It really reminded me of like the first 48 days episode where we're going back in time and actually ex- experiencing what happened from a different like viewpoint. It was really, really cool. And I think it was the time mid series to do this kind of thing. Greg, are you, are you in agreement? Yeah, I mean, I do feel like it was time, you know, and again, with this week to week format, the downside is it's harder to keep some of these little quirky things that happen in our minds. So to wait, you know, seven, eight, nine weeks to really tie the loop on some of these things, I think would have probably been a mistake. It feels like the right time. And yeah, but you know, this episode, it also introduced a lot of new questions. So it's not like they spoiled the rest of the series. I mean, it's leaving us wanting more. Yeah, I, 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 in a way, I'm happy that we got this episode. I think that maybe it did bring a lot of people back into the fold that were Marvel, you know, MCU fans. And then they were starting to like get, uh, you know, I guess WandaVision fatigue because it was all this sitcom-y shit that they were just not into. And I feel like it probably pulled back in a lot of people. And for that, I guess, whatever. For me, um, you know, I could have kept going with, 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 we could have jumped into the, uh, into the eighties and I would have been happy. But, you know, I think that, uh, I think it was the right decision to do it when they did it and to, to show us kind of like what's going on behind the scenes. I still don't trust this new guy, this, this new shield, uh, sword guy, the guy in charge of sword. Mm-hmm. He, he seems like he's first off, he seems like he's, up to something. I don't know. I don't trust this guy. I feel like, you know, one of the questions that Jimmy Wu had on that whiteboard was what's up with all the hexagons. And I think that's very important. We've seen a lot of hexagons in this show. And if you look at the aim logo, it is, does Wanda know something? And is someone trying to keep her from letting that information out? Is AIM behind this? So Hydra becomes AIM. And is AIM trying to cover up something? And she is subconsciously fucking throwing out these hexagon images to get people onto it. If you look at the 70s episode, when it starts with the theme song, it shows us different characters interacting within hexagons. You know, it's showing the the show and different scenes from the show and there's hexagons. There's been tons of hexagons referenced, uh, shown in this show. 
And if you look at that AIM logo, it's a hexagon. I think that AIM is somehow involved in this. I had the theory last week that I thought that AIM possibly could be the one that uh, – has S.W.O.R.D. been infiltrated by AIM is my new theory. And could this new director, this chief commander of uh, S.W.O.R.D. be part of this new regime of AIM but infiltrating S.W.O.R.D.? Could – could they have been the ones maybe suppressing the mutant gene? I think this is, all goes back to to the to the House of M storyline. I think that that is very important here. I think that maybe this might be the creation of mutants. Still, I mean, we know that Baron von Strucker knew something. About, I think Baron von Strucker knew more about Wanda and Pietro than than we even knew in those films. He he knew why the Mind Stone would affect them. Right in the way that it did, probably because they are mutants. I agree with that. It's Tyler Hayward, by the way. Hayward, Hayward. Okay, thank you. Um, so I don't trust this guy. I know that, like, he was, I guess, good friends with uh, uh, Monica Rambeau and her mother, and and all this stuff. Do is there a chance? And this is this is a, this is a this is a wild theory here. Is there a chance? And think about this. Think about this. So you know the blip, as they call it in this universe, happens. We all call it the snap as fans, but it happens, and people are whisked away. Is that an opening for scrolls to take on the roles of certain people? Oh, that's a great point. You could easily sneak secret invasion in there. Maybe certain people that didn't return or that's the time that you can replace them. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, you know, we know what happened in Captain Marvel and maybe and, – and we've also heard the rumors that not all scrolls are going to be good like Talos. And so could there be a, a darker – could could the scrolls be working with aim? <laughs> I, I could very much see that the scrolls maybe are working with aim, and aim doesn't even know the scrolls are working with them. You know, they might be using aim themselves without uh-huh. aim even having knowledge that people within aim are scrolls. Yeah. Oh wow. I, I, I it know. Might not be like a you know we're holding hands type of union. It might right. just be a forced union. Yeah. I thought it was really cool to see the blip from that angle like because before we saw the end of endgame it's like the big everyone stand up and applause moment where you know all the portals open and the people come Mm -hmm. out and we never really thought of like the ramifications of all these people overcrowding hospitals and just popping up out of nowhere yes that was a really bold take on that the closest we've gotten to it is like the archived footage that we saw in spider-man far from home right i mean yeah but that go ahead sorry did they explain what happened to people who were on planes? Uh, Kevin Feige has actually come out and talked about that. And he he basically has said that, uh, you know, when the snap was performed, that Tony would have figured all that out. He's a smart yeah, enough I guy. Help. I buy it. That, you know, people that were on planes, they probably just reappeared on that plane. Right. Uh, wherever that plane was. or Or, you know... Where, you know, I don't think the people are falling out of the sky and falling into oceans and <laughs> that, shit. That'd be a dark episode. Those are the people body. the scrolls replaced through all the people that fall out of the sky. <laughs> right. It's interesting, though, because it creates a big problem for the scrolls when these people come back. And I mean, that's, that's exactly right there. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, a couple of things, Brian, you know, that 
you mentioned the connection between AIM and mutants. You know, we saw in Iron Man 3 that AIM really started as a biotechnology firm because they created the extremis virus. So that makes sense that they would have some connection to the mutant gene. The only thing that I'm curious about, if Marvel were to go the route of sort of mutants being created now, Mm -hmm. how do they reconcile losing storytelling possibilities with like Wolverine. I don't think that that, I think that Wolverine's been around. He's been around before they were able to suppress the gene. Wolverine just hasn't made himself known to the public. Got it. And then you have like the uh, apocalypse, which again, is Marvel going to use apocalypse anytime soon? No, I don't think that Marvel is wanting to do anything with, I don't think that Marvel's wanting to do anything with apocalypse yet. And I don't think Marvel wants to do anything with the, the dark Phoenix saga at all. Yeah, and I, I hope I, – I give us 10 years and it'd be great to do it right. I know it's well, – it, you're right. Look yeah. who might be going Dark Phoenix right now during this show. It might be Wanda herself. Right, right. Correct. Boy, that scene by the lake when um, when Hawkeye says to Wanda, uh, you know, I wish they knew we won. And Wanda has this look on her face that says – and she says uh, they can. That gets a, that's a little creepy now, isn't it? Totally, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this actually, when we are introduced to Monica Rambeau in this episode, this is this this is actually before this takes place before uh, Homecoming, because Spider-Man: yes. Far From Home that took place eight months after people were bought, brought back from the snap, and so that was that took place in summer of 2024. This is, I think, when we see the episodes in this. Uh, the events in this episode after the after the snap when people start to rematerialize, which is awesome, by the way, seeing oh, yeah. that happen. I think we're in fall of 2023 in the timeline, in the MCU timeline here. Um, we get to uh, Monica Rambeau. Apparently, she had fallen asleep after her mother's surgery, and she's waiting on her mother's recovery. And we knew this character when she was a little girl in the Captain Marvel movie, which took place in the 90s. And we've known her in WandaVision as Geraldine. And then here she is waking up five years later and her mom is dead. And that was just like an incredible scene. Tons of chaos going on in that hospital. And it was like, I just thought that that was masterfully done. And like, as soon as you see that rematerialization and using the same special effects that they used in the movies, everyone who's a fan of the MCU knew what was happening here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was so heartbreaking, too, like where she's like, where's my mom? Where's my mom? And and we know like she's been gone five years and she doesn't. Obviously, she's like, I fell asleep for 20 minutes. And then when they tell her your mom died, I gasped i said oh my god no and i just thought about how many people did that happen to they let i mean they were gone for five years and then when they come back things have changed drastically in their lives and they didn't even know about it obviously but to watch it happen on screen for the first time was just really impactful and and all these people like coming back and and the hospital's overwhelmed like it it was it was such an impactful opening It it was great jake you could do a show on just the blip and then the people coming back from the blip, you could just do a show on that with just people. Like think about like all the different storylines that you could, it's almost like Damon and Damon Lindelof doing the leftovers. It's like you could do a whole show where like a 
kid comes back and his younger brother is now his older brother. Yeah, that would be really great. It reminds me a lot of like um, what Busiek did with Marvels too, where it's like you're in the superhero world, but we're we're dealing with the regular people yeah. within this world, and you know the aftermath of all these giant events in Marvels. It's like the Kree Scroll War, but told through like normal citizens and how they experience those events. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. I, I would love to see some non superhero stuff take place during this timeline just do an anthology show like each episode is just focusing on like all these different questions that we have as listeners uh as watchers of the mcu like you know like what about this situation like the whole airplane thing that greg brought up like we could get that fucking episode and i know that sounds silly but i think like we've all been asking this we could just get like a fucking six episode thing where they go through it's an anthology and we get different stories of people that were affected by the blip Somebody was beating off when Thanos snapped. Totally. And then, and then they sold their house, and there's a new family in that house. Oh and, they, and, they, and they just reappeared out of nowhere, beating their dick like crazy. Do you right, think, out of nowhere. Do you I want to see that episode. Do you think that the jizz went away, too? <laughs> oh, man. Do you Yo, think the, well, the jizz was snapped up, or do you think the jizz was left there? biological material. Yeah. I could see them leaving a little puddle on the floor right as they were snapped. Right as the little ash cloud was starting, there's a little little puddle of goo on the ground. Yeah. Only half was snapped up. <laughs> let's let's be let's follow the rules. Only right. half were snapped up. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny to think of all the awful things people were probably doing. Rebecca's you know, right. It would only be a half puddle snapped up. <laughs> oh, that's true. Because half the sperm would have died. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah like what about people like having sex that disappeared what do they come back doing well the guy comes back in like full thrust mode right yeah well, it depends on when he's banging the couple. air yeah well if if she didn't get snapped then he would be just banging air what right? if he's well what if he comes back and he's banging like whoever's living in the house now and like the husband walks in like Definitely what the fuck an old lady Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like Aunt May or some shit. Right, right. <laughs> Who's not which really? Okay MCU, which is fine. It's Marissa there. Tomei. Yeah, yeah, that would be True. great. <laughs> um, I have a theory from the last episode, and you know we've talked about Mephisto being the the big bad villain. We've seen Wanda be able to manipulate a lot of stuff in this world, leading characters to believe that she's in charge of whatever's going on in Westview. But what happened last episode that she was not able to control? She was not able to control the stork. Every time she tried to make the stork disappear, we saw a red poof cloud. And I feel like that stork was was kind of like an animal manifestation of Mephisto. Hmm. Her magic didn't work on the on on the stork. Why? Why? Why is her magic worked on everything well, else in this world? Everything else. She tries to get – she sees the beekeeper. No. Boom. Beekeeper's gone. She sees Monica Rambo talking to her. She see, uh, the, the whole Ultron reveal and she's like, no. That fucking stork. Boom. Red poof cloud. Red. You can kind of associate that with the devil. And – the stork is is not leaving. I think that that stork was Mephisto in the moment. We know that in the comic books that Mephisto was the other half of basically creating her kids. Stork, what does it represent? Well, it represents babies. 
And I think that the stork was Mephisto kind of like being around for this moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it doesn't seem like Wanda was in control of her pregnancy. Like it seemed like it was happening fast. Like she, it, she wasn't the one speeding it up and making it happen. She seemed just as surprised as Vision and the other characters that that was the case. Yeah, I, I just yeah. don't. I don't buy the theory that we're seeing Wanda's madness without someone or something impacting her because it doesn't totally align with what we saw at the end of Endgame. You know, I, I just don't know that when we saw Wanda as briefly as we did, we saw her kick Thanos' ass. Then we saw her mourning Tony Stark and her losses. But I, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that that leads to her going completely mad because Vision is gone. I think that uh, Mephisto is going to be the big bad going forward. And I think that this is leading into him being possibly the big bad going into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. In the comic books, Mephisto created alternate versions of himself. If he was, if he was ever, if he was ever destroyed or killed, he's created alternate versions of himself in other timelines and other multiverses. And even in the Loki trailer, we saw the, what we think might be a Mephisto Easter egg on, um, on that, uh, that window, that, uh, that, uh, glass window that we saw. It looked kind of like the devil. That you know what I'm talking about? It was Owen Wilson talking to that young child, um, and he's. In, I remember what you're talking about. He, it, there's that stained glass, and it looks like the artwork on that stained glass is Mephisto. It's a it looks like a devil instead of. And when you think of like the stained glass and churches and stuff like that, you think of like images of Jesus and 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 things like that. You don't think of like the devil. This looks like a satanic multiverse where maybe Mephisto Mephisto is the god of that universe. So there was, I thought it was, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say there was an interview with the showrunner, um, where they asked if, um, I remember seeing it on comicbookmovie.com. They asked her if Mephisto was going to be in the show. And I think she said no comment, which is very interesting. Oh, totally. Uh, Yeah. And, um, the other thing I I was just going to mention really quickly, I can't wait to see how they visualize Mephisto. If, if he, you know, he is indeed coming. Who's is it playing Mephisto? Just the actor? Is it going to be, are we going to see uh, something that looks like the devil? I mean, I, I would think Mephisto changes his appearance often, but I can't wait to see where they go there. Who that's you, where they're going. Who do you cast as Mephisto? Richard E. Grant? That's hilarious. Well, Richard E. Grant, we do know he's showing up in the Loki season. I, in the Loki series, we, I have speculated that he's going to be an older version of Loki that Loki yeah. jumps in on. But you could be right. Richard E. Grant, maybe as Mephisto. I thought it was very noticeable in episode four that as they were identifying all the different citizens and who they were, yes. they did not and could not identify Catherine Hahn's character. Catherine Hahn, who is playing Agnes, who I still believe is a witch, Agatha Harkness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Aven- Avengers Disassemble uh, back when, you know, before the Bendis new Avengers, this would have been 2004-ish, something like that. We learned that Wanda had been talking to Agatha's corpse for some undeterminable amount of time. I th- also thought it was noticeable on the previously on for episode four. The only Agnes scene we saw was her wondering if Geraldine was in the house. Yeah, that was the only important. That's right. Moment. So did like they explain? Be there. Did they yeah. explain who Dottie was though? 
Yes, they did identify Dottie. Okay. Was she an actor? An actor? So they it, she was one of the people they identified as an actor. I forget or, the or that, who and what, yeah. but yeah. What what is the one thing that they all have in common? That's the thing. Uh, Herb in the previous episode was basically trying to tell Vision who we think is Vision, who I don't think is Vision now. After you know last week and this week. But he was trying to tell Vision that he kept saying, we're all, we're all, and couldn't. So they all have something in common? Maybe trapped is all he was trying to say. Um, I, I thought it was crazy that there's over 3,000 people that Wanda or whoever have trapped, too. Like, that's pretty nefarious. Yeah, it, within Westview? Yeah. Yeah, and it's this whole town. Before you know, this episode, I, would, I wouldn't have guessed that there was more than 100 people caught up in this spell. Who's the missing person in the witness protection program that that took off? Is that the main villain of this? Is that – who is that? Any any ideas as to who that could be? Jimmy uh, – you know, Jimmy Wu was talking about that's the reason he showed up at Westview is to check in on this one person that was in the witness protection program. They had skipped town, and then he went through the list of people that this person had listed as, you know, family, friends, and relatives, and none of those people said that this person even existed. This person, I feel like, is definitely important in the show. But who is it? Is it, is it like last week we talked about Simon Williams, the Simon Williams rumor that I heard about, uh, you know, Roger Wardell, who is now Roger Norvell on Twitter keeps changing his Twitter handles. He went on to say last week, promising actor is bewitched by Wanda who convinces him to sign the multi picture deal. Simon Williams gets to play the role of a lifetime, which will not only cost him his memories, but also his self identity. Uh, if that is legit, it sounds like Simon Williams is playing the part of vision in this sitcom reality. Who texted you that, Brian, a week or two ago? I'm trying to think who that was. Well, it was a smart listener of yours. Who was that? Stephen Farshad basically came oh. up with this as well. And I, you know, like I, I, I had seen this I was rumor. Say it was me, I, I, I didn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> I had seen, I had seen this rumor being floated about. But in the comics, Vision's brain is modeled after Simon's, and this is basically that in reverse, where Simon has taken over the dead corpse the dead android corpse of vision and we even see that visual in this episode wanda sees vision for what he is we see that maybe gas gray vision with the stone ripped out of his fucking forehead she sees it for a moment she sees it for a moment could that be simon williams Hmm. simon williams makes a deal with the devil He's this, he's this actor that can't, you know, fucking break through and he, he wants to be this big time actor. So he makes a deal with Mephisto and, and Mephisto gives him the, the role of a lifetime. But there's always a catch. There's right? always a catch. Yeah. I would love that if that was true. Um, cause when we were seeing all the Grim Reaper rumors, it was kind of making me mad that Eric was going to get a show up, but we were still going to get no Simon. 
So I really hope they do find a place for Simon. I love that idea that he's playing the vision. I think that's what we're going to find out. And it's not like he's doing it. It's not like he's trying to do it nefariously. It's basically he's made this deal with Mephisto. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I was just so much speculation. I was just kind of I was super blown away by this episode. We've got the answers to, you know, the the helicopter that we had seen show up in episode two. We find out that that's a drone that was sent by S.W.O.R.D., and once it's sent in, anything from the real world that's sent into Westview, it's mostly the colorized stuff, except for the only thing that I can actually say that wasn't was the blood from Dottie when she broke the glass. And I also found it interesting that that scene was cut as well when Darcy was watching the TV. Darcy didn't get to see the full conversation there between... Right. She just, it, that's where it kind of like cuts out and we it saw. It was almost like Wanda was in control of not letting them see that or maybe what some other force was definitely involved in that. Yeah, either Wanda is basically like the director or an, slash editor for this or maybe Mephisto himself. I have a question. Do you think moving forward in episodes, we're going to lose the beginning to end sitcom feel and do hard cuts to what's going on? with sword because that's a little bit disappointing to me i think that in the next three episodes we're going to get the uh 80s 90s the early 2000s and then i think by night episode nine we'll be jumping back into so that would be episodes five six and seven and then eight and nine should tie it up okay i just but I don't know. Cuts to sword. I'd like to see that maybe as the last minute of each episode. I don't really want to bounce around. I, I really love the format of the first three episodes. Oh, you do, but there's many people that don't. So, but yeah, I, 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 I I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to see, I want to see 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and then start giving me answers in the penultimate and then the finale. Yeah, I'm I'm totally down for that format. It's kind of almost like what they did with um with uh Titans on DC Universe, how we would get like three or four episodes like just focused on the Titans team and then we would get one episode where we went and like saw a totally different team and then we would come back and and that gave you great perspective I think for the whole show. If they do the same thing with this where they just Give us a few more episodes of just the sitcom and then give us maybe um, an episode with more more exposition, explanation. For me, that would be my preferred way to watch it. I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the of the cuts, if, mm. if that's what they're thinking. I hope that's not what they're going to do. Here's the thing. Here's the th- and you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you. I, here's the thing. People that don't like the sitcom shit. Here's the that's what's happening in this world. That's why if you did like episode four, that's where the pay payoff came from, because you've seen what's happened in this world. But now you get to see it for kind of like how horrific it really is when you're on the outside watching Mm -hmm. what's happening and not being able to really understand. Just like us as viewers, not being able to understand everything that's happening within these episodes and trying to guess and speculate. The same thing is happening with the people from S.W.O.R.D. here trying to watch all this footage. And stuff like that, trying to pick it apart and try to figure out what's going on here. Greg, I know that you said you had some theories and things like that. Did you want to like talk about some of those that you had? 
One of them was the the Simon Williams theory, obviously. Um, also, you know, I'm, I'm I have a another theory, and this is um, I don't know if I've seen this online, but I've intentionally been staying away. I think it's entirely possible that Maria Rambo was murdered, or or something was done to give her cancer, or to make her cancer come back. Um, and that might be where uh, Tyler Hayward has some kind of ulterior motives, you know, to sort of take over Sword. You know, that, I don't know if the story is going in that direction. It might just be she has cancer and she passed and it was obviously very tragic. I also wonder if there was some kind of like a silent coup of some sort. To we've got to, we've got to get this guy in charge. We've got to yeah. get this guy in charge of sword. This guy has to be in charge of sword. And it basically, it was even alluded to in the episode that they had no choice, that he was like the guy that they, he wasn't the best yeah. choice. He was their only choice. Only choice. So it's, it's just, it, I'm curious. And again, knowing that aim is a, bioweapons that's how we know AIM at this point we only know AIM through the sort of kindling of AIM from Aldrich Killian and Iron Man 3, the beginning of AIM that they're mostly bioweapons that would be the kind of those would be the kind of people that could give somebody cancer presumably, you know Mm. maybe they don't go that route, but I think it's entirely possible Maria was, was killed in some way especially, wait, she was getting better oh, nope, she just got cancer again and died just doesn't, something's missing from that part of the story yeah, yeah, yeah when does, I I agree with you 100% I, I, now that you're bringing it up and I hadn't even thought of this angle before but now that you're bringing it up it sounds like, you know they had to get somebody else in there other than other than um, uh, Monica, is it Monica Rambo? Yes, yes. They had to get somebody else in there. I loved how Maria did you, died. Oh, Ma- sorry, Brian. Uh, Maria died. Maria died. Pain in the ass that her daughter, who incidentally was from what some folks thought going to be the next head of Sword, now she comes back. How irritating is that if you're trying to take over Sword? Mm. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, sure. Yeah. Well, here's the th- yeah, yeah. She comes back, and so now they're grounding her, and they're bas- and like, did was it really her mother that put that kind of uh, stipulation in place to where like people that if they do come back, they they now that there's scrolls and things like that, that you know they don't one hundred percent trust strike them. Me as the person who said higher, further, faster doesn't strike me as the person to ground her daughter. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't doesn't make sense. Now, could it be like I don't know. Again, the sure. writers are going to think of what they're going to think of, but it would make sense that that was not her. That's yeah, that. yeah. And we're just basically taking the word of this fucking guy, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, what could she do? She hasn't been there the last five years. She pretty much has to take everyone's word. Oh man, um, how, it, I brought this up last week. Do we think that this show is going to be? Also, kind of like an origin story, and it is, but more of an origin story of how Monica Rambeau gets her powers. She, I mean, there's, I, I believe she's going to become Photon, and I mean, her mom was called that. They showed that. Yes, and I think that's where they're going. That you know, we saw that plaque of her mother, and it said. Uh, Maria Photon Rambo, and I think that she's going to take on that mantle, but you know, be a superpowered human. Does she get those powers in this show? Does this also a backdoor origin story for Monica Rambo? I think it. 
could possibly. I think the chances are it definitely could be. I think it's a strong chance. I'd put it at a 75% chance. I hope if not now, then eventually, because I love Tiana Paris in this role. I think she's fantastic. Um, Could she show up in Secret Secret Invasion, that show, with uh, Talos and Nick Fury? She should. I mean, S.W.O.R.D. should definitely be involved in that storyline. Well, we know that Nick Fury was a part of S.W.O.R.D., right, in the mid-credits scene in Far From Home? He was out in space, basically, and it looks like S.W.O.R.D. is kind of like, you know, basically just S.H.I.E.L.D. in space. Yeah, it's interesting. They changed from the comics. It's sentient world observation and response division, and they just replaced world with weapon. Weapon, yeah. Which which makes sense because if you think about it, as much as the MCU on Earth, they know their other world. Their technology is not advanced to the point where they're observing other planets necessarily. What's crazy, though, is like – but we've seen humans basically using the technology of the Chitauri in Spider-Man – homecoming why wouldn't you gotta you gotta think that shield slash sword is doing the exact same fucking thing yeah it's just do they know it it almost seems like still their understanding of life outside of earth is very chaotic right now you know we know there's life out there because we've been invaded Not, not once but twice now yeah uh, but where, who, how, we have no idea. I don't know about you guys, but like this, this show, not only has it made me excited for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, not only has it made me excited for the new Loki series because I think it ties in with that somewhat, it also is making me super excited for Secret Evasion and for Captain Marvel 2. I don't know. It's, there's so, I want to see what, you know, after Endgame, what is Captain Marvel up to? In, mm-hmm. in Captain Marvel 2, I have no idea. This is, it's all connecting the world. It's so, this is so, uh, this is everything we could have ever dreamed of. And I, like, the special effects, the budget on this show is just insane. And we, I we really saw it in this last episode. It really felt like I was watching a Marvel movie. Hey, yeah, one it's other- one thing to say it's going to be movie canon, but it's another thing to actually do it. And they've really held their end of the promise here. Like, this is just, as canon as you could get to the rest of the MCU movies. And it makes me so happy. And people talk about like, you know, Oh, we're not going to get proper second seasons of these shows. You know, we're not going to get Loki season two, a proper Loki season. We know it's been announced, but like, here's the thing. I, I, that's what I love about this. Each of these second seasons of these shows, which I think we could get a second season of WandaVision. We just need to see what happens with the character in the movie. Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. And then years from now, we could get a second season following up with Wanda where she's doing something completely different. Same thing with the Loki series. Like mm-hmm. after like the time variance authority and all that stuff is like out of the way and we get like Ragnarok, which who knows that could definitely tie in with what's going on with Loki. If that story continues, I mean, that could change the completely change the trajectory of like what we would think would be the second season of Loki. We just, we don't know what these shows are going to do. Yeah. I think if, if Marvel has shown us nothing else, it's that they have a long game plan, right? Like Kevin Feige, we know how he laid out, you know, all the phases basically. And this was a, from Iron Man, that, that first Iron Man movie all the way to end game. That was a long fucking process to build up to that event. So this, this show of, of WandaVision, I, I, 
I'm not in a rush for them to make a second season because I, I agree with what you're saying is that let's see how this all plays out in future movies and shows that are coming down the pipe and then we'll think about a second season or then we'll be ready for a second season to see what's going on now. So yeah, like let Marvel play out the long game and then we get a WandaVision series, you know, maybe in a couple of years or maybe even longer than that. But it would be so much fun to revisit this world or in a different form of it now that all this other stuff has happened to the character. Let's say Mephisto gets introduced in WandaVision. That's the big reveal at the end of this season. Mephisto's going forward, correct? We're not, we're not, we're not done with Mephisto. No way. After the nine episodes oh, of WandaVision. No, yeah, definitely no. Not. That and story. I don't know if he's- I don't know if he's the new Thanos, but I think if we see Mephisto in he could be. I mean, think about this. Think about this in the comics. Like Mm -hmm. Mephisto at one time assisted Thanos in like gathering the rings. I mean, that's how big of a character he was. Yeah, I mean, I could see. I think if if we see Mephisto in this series, there's a hundred percent chance we see him in Multiverse of Madness. 100%. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And whether the villain is him or Nightmare or both or who, who knows. But I think there's no question that storyline is going to continue in that movie somehow. Jake, is and there I- is Jake, Greg, Rebecca, is there a phase four villain or is phase four just a hodgepodge? I think there will be a phase four villain. And if it's Mephisto, I could see it lasting more than a phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I think Phase Four could have a, a an overarching villain for sure. Um, it, if it is Mephisto, which I think you know ninety five percent of the internet seems to think that it is, and and it could very well be. Um, he's a character you don't introduce and then you you do away with him after a nine episode series. He's a character that you're going to bring back. You know, maybe he gets defeated in some way or or put on the shelf in some way in the show, but. It doesn't mean that he doesn't show up in other movies and stuff going down the line, even if it's just a tease or if it's a small part and you're like, oh, my God, he's like the Thanos of this phase. I I think it absolutely could be. Ah, But let me throw this out there. And this is where it starts to like get confusing for me is I think that another villain that's also worthy worthy of being kind of like a Thanos level kind of like taking over like a phase or multiple phases. And we've heard possibly the rumored connections here. Is Kang. Mm-hmm. Kang. We can't I, I, forget about Kang the Conqueror. Kang the Time Traveler. Yeah. The way the way Kevin Feige operates, I don't know if we're gonna know who the Thanos of this the next couple phases is until we know, if that makes sense. I, I don't I don't I see them introducing, you know, you might have Kang, you might have Mephisto, you might have Doctor Doom at some point. It almost feels like you're going to have all of these villains probably play recurring roles over several films mm-hmm. and who the ultimate threat of what may be Avengers five is. We'll know when we know, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to play that game again, where you have like a, a quiet threat behind the scenes, pulling strings for 20 movies. Anyway, because everyone will see, and oh, that's the Thanos. And now we'll wait another eight to 10 years before we see it pay off. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't think they'll do it that transparently again. I mean, if you, th- I don't know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's if, you, the, if you oh, go back sorry. to, if you go back to phase, the, you know, like the, you know, phase one of Marvel and, and you think about, you know, like the end where we find out that 
you know, okay, Loki's trying to take over the earth, trying to get, you know, basically earth to be in, um, servitude of, of, of him. We find out that the, the puppet master pulling those strings was, was Thanos. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, so you know, the big bad at the end of the day wasn't Loki. It was really like this other guy that, you know, that was, that was trying to, to, to set all these things up and basically kind of like take earth out of, the equation when he went and, um, you know, gathered the, had, he wanted to have other people gather the stones for him. And then he was like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> so I don't know, like, it, I'm trying to figure out, like, I just don't think that you cast Jonathan Majors oh. as Kang, this up and coming actor who's huge right now. His stock is huge and on the rise. I don't think you cast him as Kang to just be a throwaway character. And I also don't think on the flip side, even though we don't know who's going to be playing Mephisto or if Mephisto is even going to be showing up in the show, which I do think he is, we don't even know who's going to be cast as Mephisto. So like, that's the big thing. It's like, like, are they going to go with like a singular, like major phase villain, like a Thanos, or is it going to be like a Coleman, like a bunch of different, like a hodgepodge, like I'm saying, like it, it could be different, multiple villains that they have to kind of like take on, um, right now. And is that, is that what we want? Or do we, do we, cause I don't want, dude, the, la- the last thing I want is the fucking Kang to be a fucking throwaway bullshit villain. I don't want Kang to be a Malekith. They threw away Malekith and we know, we know what, you can do with Malekith when you give him a great story arc. Thank you, Jason Aaron. You fucking did great with Malekith. Yeah. We, you know, and oh, like yeah. Gore yeah. the God Butcher, the same thing. I think Taika Waititi is going to do a great thing. Do I think Gore the God Butcher should be like the major villain of Phase Four? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. But it's hard to imagine. But Mephisto, but, but Mephisto and Kang, Jake, both of those should be major villains. Doctor Doom should be a major villain for an upcoming phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What I if agree, I agree? Doctor Doom, though, unlike Kang and Mephisto, as much as I love those characters, is the closest you're going to get to the implications that Thanos gave. Right? It's just the yeah. knowledge of the storyline that happened in the comics with the gems, with the gauntlet. Like you just don't get that same next level hype. With are Kang we completing? Are we completing this villain run of Kang and Mephisto by the time we get? The Fantastic Four movie, which possibly and should introduce Doctor Doom. Hopefully not. Can I uh, offer a theory? Yes. If the speculation that all of this is leading up to a Secret Wars, which it's just speculation. I don't think there's been any other than the Russo saying we'd come back for Secret Wars. You know, you could have a number of villains brought together for a secret wars and then it's you know the backstabbing is on it's who you know we don't know going into what i presume again would be avengers five six who knows we don't know who the you know it's whoever wins beyonder's gift and i know they take different takes on the comic story so that might not even be a storyline but i think secret wars is definitely something that'll happen it's just one of those big recognizable named events that eventually they're going to want to throw at us yeah. well, and it gives yeah. leverage multiverse too the multiverse concept galactus is a must happen i mean yeah. they really oh, dropped yeah. the ball on galactus with the old fantastic four movies i mean everyone remembers the gas cloud galactus um and that's just a huge thing that can involve all the heroes. It really feels like that 
Galactus makes such a huge tie everyone together moment. Dude, we always talk, I love Galactus, dude. I love that, man. I mean, like, how do you, how do you even pull off that visual in the MCU? Like, I, Kevin Feige's gotta be like thinking about that right now. You know, the Galactus is on the board. You know, he's on the oh, 100%. board. 100%. I think next to Thanos, he's the big event player, even more so than Doctor Doom that would unite every hero we know in the MCU together. Mm-hmm. You know, how what? do you, how do you show Galactus in a movie, Jake? I'll bet you, I'll bet you everything I am and everything I have that Ryan Minerding has an illustration of Galactus concept art, but it exists. And I'll bet you everything I have that he is a big dude in purple armor. Now, how that comes to life, you don't know. Yeah. But I bet you that Ryan Minerding somewhere has said, hmm, this is what Galactus would probably look like. And there's no way they're going to betray Jack Kirby's vision. It's going to be some take on the Jack Kirby vision of Galactus. 100%. Just what we know from what the Eternal stuff is going to look like. We, we yeah. know that they're going to honor the Jack Kirby stuff when it comes to Galactus. You know, here's, definitely look very similar. Here's the thing. If Oh, my God. What that opens up. If we get a Galactus on screen, a proper Galactus on screen, what that opens up for Every now, I'm not. I'm not just talking about. I'm not just talking about fucking the MCU here. This opens the doors for everything in movies, as far as like thinking like, well, we can't do this. You can't have a character of that size, of that magnitude, show up in your movie. It's just not possible. You can't do it, dude. That opens up the doors for fucking like a Transformers movie to finally give us a Unicron. I mean, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Why not? It's going to prove that you can do this, that there's a character that you, there's not a character in this universe that you can't introduce. You can do, (laughs) you can introduce anything into any movie now with a character the size and magnitude of a Galactus. Look, the the era of the X-Men wearing black leather suits is over. Thank you. (laughs) You know, people have come to accept a level of wonder that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has given us now. Fans are different. Than the, I mean, somewhere in a boardroom, someone at Fox said, we I don't think fans are different. I think, I think that the, I think that the Hollywood. Hollywood is different now. Fans yeah, have always wanted this. said Galactus has to be a space fart. That's all, you know, fans will never accept. <laughs> no. It's gotta be yes. somebody ripped ass in space and this cloud of fucking shit is Galactus. Yeah. And that, those days are gone. Those I days mean, are gone. We're gonna see MODOK someday. It's gonna happen. We're gonna see MODOK. It, it, I would you love know. that. I think Galactus might be the Fantastic Four movie, like, in credit scene. Like, that might be the introduction of him. I mean, obviously, that's probably going to be a Doctor Doom villain-centric movie, you would think, but... I, I think can see that being the point where we we see Galactus heading this way for the first time. Well, I mean, if we get Galactus guys, enter Silver Surfer. Oh, oh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I want to see all those guys. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to see Silver Surfer. I want to see Firebrand. I want to see Airwalker. I want to see Morg. I want to see all the Heralds. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I and and I feel like I feel like Jake, what you're talking about right now is all the stuff that James Gunn was going to tackle before, like this whole problems that he had with with Marvel. Potentially, I, I still think of Galactus as an Earth threat, though, and I don't think they were going to let James Gunn deal with who the Avengers were going to fight next. Yeah, you know, I think that's true because then once this is going to sound very cold, but. Once you sort of take it out of the context of Galactus destroying Earth, he's not he's not evil. He just these dude needs to live, right? He's yeah. a force of nature. Yeah. So he's yeah. a force of nature. So you bring Galactus to the cosmic scale, he's just 
a, a force. He's a thing, you know. Oh my god! I think don't about think like, Galactus is a malevolent. Like I don't see Galactus being the string puller of any big nasty plan. You know, dude, dude just is hungry. That's it. Are we going to get introduced to the Herald of Galactus first, Silver Surfer, before we get Galactus? Um, I, I, could, I could see that. That could be the way we know Galactus is coming. Like the Uber fan will have to turn and tell their girlfriend that because we just saw Silver Surfer, that means Galactus is is out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, one of my one of my favorite posters of Silver Surfer was done by um, um, Francesco. It was Francesco. Oh, what's it? Uh, oh, friend, oh, Francesco so Francavilla. Yep, yep, d- yep. Did this amazing poster of Silver Surfer uh, on the board and flying in the face of Galactus, and it's all black and white, and it is just absolutely incredible. It's such such an amazing fucking print. I want to own that print and have it as everything a poster. that guy touches with pen is fucking <laughs> right worthy. Oh, uh, any any book that he was ever on, I was like trying to snag it up back in the day, man. I even picked up his um his run. Archie Zombie book was yes. fucking good. Archie Zombie <laughs> book was fantastic, but he also did his own book, which was called The Black Beetle, which is like this like mm. um old school like kind of like uh, fucking noir superhero called the Black Beetle, and I love that series. Guys, we got to get out of Wandavision. We're just like going down into like these. Now we're just on ACU face. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode. I want to, Craig. I want to thank you so much for joining us on this one. Thank you so much, sir. Where can people My find? Pleasure. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube on a channel called Amazing Home Projects with Andy Gregg. I post videos as I can make them. Rebecca, it's always a pleasure having you. Where can people find you? Uh, mostly you can find me on PicardCast talking about Star Trek with Brooke and uh, special guests. Uh, we're anxiously awaiting PicardCast Season 2. Now we'll talk about everything else, Trek. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Guys, just like all good leftovers saying their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with Episode 367. See ya. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it, could it take it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's gonna say's already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcast that original and good. I've already been done before.